warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 382. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at toxic, good at taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second week after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, Jake, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been a crazy, busy Memorial Day holiday weekend for me, but... Glad to be on the podcast. It's a nice rest from the running around and filling fucking corn. Yeah, the uh, the old the old grind. Oof. The old grind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on, dude. Uh, yeah, we're not alone. We've got guests this week. We've got Melissa Sloter from Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm really excited. I know I joked with you when you asked me if I wanted to be on that I was getting ready to ask you guys when I could be on. So I'm very excited to be here. Well, I mean, the last few times you've had to back out, you know? I know. I I I moved. Things were just like really busy, so I wasn't committing to anything. But then I was scared that all my friends were going to stop asking me to do things with them <laughs> because I was never available. Yeah, we were teetering on that decision, weren't we, Jake? <laughs> I know. A little bit of Yeah, we coin flipped it. It was a coin flip. <laughs> You're lucky that Jake said tails. Oh, so. bless you, Jake. You're yeah, my I got you. <laughs> <laughs> because of random luck. <laughs> <laughs> Jake said, you know what? It could have been heads. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I just... <laughs> That's, I always say tails. You always say tails. You're always thinking of duck tails. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Jake's always. And what's the other? What's the other podcast you're doing? The Mad Men one. I never remember because yeah. I, I don't watch Mad Men. 
still great, Bob. A Mad Men podcast. You abbreviated, well, not abbreviated. You changed the name. It used to be just Still Great Bob, and then you gave me a bunch of shit for not saying that it was a Mad Men podcast. So we added that to the official title. Yeah, I know. It's it, guys, search engine optimization. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's still great, Bob. Like, what the fuck is this? A, is this a podcast about Bob Barker and like you know what he's been? I it, know him still neutering cats and dogs and shit or is like is is it about what the movie what about bob starring uh <laughs> bill murray like we nobody knows when you put that mad Men podcast tag at the end that's where that's where search engine optimization kicks in and people can fucking find your podcast yeah and i think it legitimately worked too because um we've gotten a few emails from people listening to the show that aren't our friends who were forcing to listen to the show so thank you yeah there you go if you ever watch mad men We'll be there. If I ever get around to Mad Men, I know what (laughs) podcast to start. And we are also joined by uh, Spoiler Steve from Seen It Movie Reviews. Welcome, Steve. Hey, uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. Not not a big conversationalist, are you there, Steve? (laughs) I mean, I don't... uh, Yeah, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Jake... You know the fucked up thing though, Jake is is like once this guy gets you know a few a few in him, we can't um, we won't be able to shut him the fuck up. This is all I'm hoping for. That's true. That's why he's on. on. We, we need his second half backup. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's the part of the podcast where we're not laughing with Steve. We're laughing at. No, I'm kidding, Steve. That's yeah. No, up the second half. <laughs> Guys, uh, we are not going to be bearing the lead this week. We're going to be jumping right into our breakdown of the brand new teaser trailer of Marvel's Eternals. But that'll be the first thing we talk about. But before we get into that, I forgot to go over uh, the winners for the Locked In uh, contest. Uh, We had a uh, contest for the movie Locked In, and uh, we're giving out five digital copies. I'm going to go over those winners right now. And the first winner is going to be, as soon as I can fucking pull this up, (laughs) is going to be Adam Cornette. Adam Cornette of the Cornetto Trilogy. (laughs) Oh, is that what he's from? Yes, he is from the Cornetto Trilogy. If you're an Edgar Wright fan, you know of Adam Cornette. I don't know what I'm doing right now, Jake. (laughs) Man, I got nothing for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The second winner is uh, Geraldo Vega. Yeah, the Street Fighter character. We've covered it. All right, next one is... I threw a rose at him. Steve, there you go. Oh, man. Have you ever been kissed by a rose on the grave, Jake? <laughs> no. Has that no. ever has that ever happened to you? Not yet. Mm. Holding out. Holding out someday. One day. Steven Chavez, you're a big fucking winner. You've been locked in, sir. You're, you're a lot. <laughs> You've been locked in as a winner. Number four. Mm, who do we have here at number four? John Ryan. The guy with two first names. John Ryan, you won, dude. You're locked in, bro. I feel like that's a new one. It might be, man. Wow. Yeah. First time winner, John Ryan. Second time winner, Adam Cornette wins again. You can- <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm giving him two copies, Jake. <laughs> That's how many people enter these contests, Jake. I can literally hit the fucking randomize button, and I can get the same person's name twice. Oh, that really happened. It fucking happened, yeah. <laughs> then, <laughs> She's like, uh, I don't know if to take this one again. <laughs> All right, the, I, Adam, you're going to get your copy, but we're also going to get giving a copy to Jason Feld. So, Jason Feld, you win a copy. And those are your five winners for Locked In. That was fun. We're going to have a new contest, I think, next week, Jake. Nice. Hopefully, it'll be as fun as this one. Mm-hmm. That, was a, <laughs> that was a blast, man. That whole kiss by a rose on the grave thing was just... That, <laughs> that was one of our finest moments on the pod. Is that Seal's biggest hit? Uh, Probably the be. only one I know. So didn't he do that song? Yes. But we're never gonna survive unless yeah. we get a little crazy. I remember they yeah. they featured that song, Jake, in a uh, Baywatch episode that I would masturbate to furiously when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the the dial up days when you had to do what you had to do. Oh man, yeah, I had that thing on uh, Betamax, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I recorded that shit. Yeah, it was featured on an episode of Baywatch. That is true, people. Uh, let's see, we got an email here, Jake, and uh, and it it came with a donation, and I want to thank this guy, Matthew Jens. And he says, hello, Brian. I just sent you over a uh, cash donation over PayPal. Uh, I was hoping the link on your site would allow me to leave a note. So instead, I'm sending a quick email. I don't know what email to use, so I hope this is correct. I would like to treat you and Jake to your next movie on, or subscription payment. Thank you for putting an insane amount of effort to keep us happy and make us laugh. I understand you two don't know me, but PCL means the world to me. PCL is a concrete part of my life. Love you, Jake, and all the spectacular guests. Stay safe. And that comes from Matthew. That was that was awesome, Jake, man. That really made my week, dude. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matthew. That's super generous of you. Always much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, man. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jake, you got anything cute to say? Oh, my God. Do I ever? All right. You can jump into it then. Don't... don't uh, Oh, it's 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 not a rhetorical question. I don't. Oh, fuck. God. What, 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 what are you on here for? What do you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm here for your backup. I, it, yeah, you're like you're, you're fucking like in it, it. You're like not even Andy Richter at this moment. You know what I mean? And that guy left for years. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a poor excuse for Andy Richter. Yeah, Ed McMahon. Not Ed, it was Ed McMahon. Yeah, he could barely fucking walk, and he was still showing up to that show. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that they had to fucking like wheel him in there and put him in that fucking chair before oh, the show yeah. started. Like they had to fucking put oxygen into him just to fucking get him to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come prepared with cute stories next week. Yeah, maybe come prepared with some of that Ed McMahon oxygen. Jesus Christ, we <laughs> get you going on this. I need to get going on this one, Jake. Yeah. You guys ready to talk about some turtles? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's, this is where Steve says, yeah, I am too. I am too, Brian. Yeah, I come in. Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought I was on mute. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 
All right, <gasps> guys. Yeah, we got our first teaser trailer for the Marvel's Eternals, and the official synopsis from Marvel has is Marvel Studios Eternals welcomes an exciting new team of superheroes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The epic story, spanning thousands of years, features a group of immortal heroes forced out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's oldest enemy, the Deviants. The outstanding ensemble cast includes Richard Madden as the all-powerful Icarus, Gemma Chan as humankind-loving Cersei, Kamel Nanjiani as cosmic-powered Kingo, Lauren Ridloff as the super-fast Makari, Brian Tyree Henry as the intelligent inventor Fastos, Salma Hayek as the wise and spiritual leader Ajak, Liam McHugh as the eternally young old sprite, old soul sprite, Don Lee as the powerful Gilgamesh, Barry Keoghan, is it Kia? Is it pronounced Keoghan? How is it pronounced? I think it's like Keoghan. I don't think you pronounce the G though. I've heard it other ways. I don't know. Keo- yeah, I think it's Keegan or Keoghan. something. I think Keo- it's. I can't even tell if I'm saying it. I think it's Keoghan. <laughs> Barry okay. Keoghan. Uh, as aloof loner Druig and Angelina Jolie as the fierce warrior Thena. Uh, Kit Harrington plays Dane Whitman. And so, um, yeah, we're going to, I, I want to jump into this, but I want to hear what everybody thought about this initial trailer. So we are going to rate the trailer. And uh, if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So, yes, uh, I want to hear your thoughts. And actually, I'm going to hear from our, one of our guests first. I'm going to hear from you, Steve. What did you think about the Eternals trailer? I thought it was um, def- a, a really long teaser, but a really well done introduction into what we're getting because – I like how they're showing everybody up front without really giving much of anything. Um, but it also really showed nothing, which is what Marvel's been doing now because they don't really need to show anything. So um, I've read – I think it's Grant Morrison did a run a little while ago. It was like a six or 12 issues. I know um, – I think Hickman used them in his Fantastic Four run a little bit towards the end. Uh, so I'm really excited. I'm just really interested, interested to see if um, – celestials are going to show up that's what i'm really looking to to see and more of um and of course if celine shows up anywhere at all because we're going so far back in time uh the eternals are there's a lot with the eternals with the history of just the creation of man on earth with the eternals and how there's different types of beings and sapiens and things like that with like x-men and stuff so i'm really intrigued just to see uh, what all of this is going to bring? Uh, I didn't really care for the end joke, the last, the very last scene with um, what what's his face? Uh, well, there is Icarus talking about how he wanted to be Avengers or whatever. I'm like, yeah. all right, I don't think that's needed. But other than that, everything else looks beautiful and and great. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna jump in real quick. What what did you rate it? Oh, uh, I'd give this a high taste. It okay. I'm going to jump in, and honestly, as far as this being a, and this has nothing to do with the like the the end product of what we're going to get with this movie, I'm going to toss this trailer. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that. I mean, 
as far as showing off like who these characters are and like getting casual viewers excited for this team and and what they're doing here i don't it did i don't think it did its job i mean if you compare this to some of the other uh, trailers that we've gotten from marvel it's a it didn't feel like a marvel trailer and i think they're going for something different but i don't think that it really worked here to drum up like insane amounts of excitement for this movie um you know if you look at look at that first guardians trailer where we're getting a fucking you know Groot and Rocket and you got Star-Lord about ready to flip everybody off and they're doing like, I mean, that was just, that was fun. And I was just like, holy shit, I want to know more about this team. I didn't really care about this trailer the first time I saw it. I start to care more when I start doing my research about the trailer. That That's a 100% true. But as far as like my initial viewing of this, yeah, it looks beautiful. But man, this just did not look like a Marvel trailer to me. And it didn't blow me away it didn't really connect me with any of the characters and um yeah i think it was a kind of a kind of a huge miss in my opinion as far as like excitement for the trailer so i'm gonna toss it what'd you think jake my notes like parrot yours exactly like down to the comparison to guardians of the galaxy i i tossed it as well and that, and that was my thought too was like i i compared it to another marvel property that most fans didn't know about before the movie and that that's guardian mm-hmm. you see that trailer and even though you've never heard of these characters you're instantly intrigued and you want to see this movie there, there's a real draw to that trailer and yeah i i, I tossed this as well I, I thought for the casuals that have no introduction at all to eternals and these characters for this to be their introduction it was kind of a giant snore fest and i other than the marvel name I don't really see what the draw is here to the, you know, John Lehman that wants to see this movie. I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with Steve too. I thought the, uh, final stinger joke was a bit of a wah, 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 you know, sad trombone, not really funny at all. Um, and yeah, I, I hope to see better trailers. Like I don't want the movie spoiled by any means, but it would be nice to get just, I don't know, a little bit something more enticing. Yeah. I just, makes me want to see this movie. Honestly, judging by this first trailer, it makes me feel that this might be Marvel's first flop. Ah, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor Dark World. I, I mean, money-wise? Well, I mean, we're also, uh, you know, very... not. We're not even out of COVID yet, so... I mean. It's true, it's true, but it seems like it's been a bit of a, you know... Like, the theaters are making a lot more money these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I agree I with feel that. like by November, we'll be a little bit more in full swing that we can we can judge these things. No, I, I, yeah, this is, like, from, like, what I've seen, like, this is not a billion-dollar movie. Yeah, no. But, it, it, you know, and I get what Steve's saying, too, about, like, Marvel can hold back because it's Marvel. But on the flip side, like... I Let's drum up a little bit of excitement. Yeah, it looks beautiful, but, man... I mean, and it, you know, it looks big. It looks, looks beautiful. Uh, it's shot beautifully. And at the end of the day, this movie could be an absolute Tupperware. And I fully believe that it could be. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm, I'm judging it based off of the trailer and what I saw here. And, you know, I mean, I really, before I started to, like when I started doing my breakdown, that's when I started to get more excited for this movie. Just based on initial trailer and watching it, I was kind of just like, eh, okay. <laughs> All right. So this is coming out in November. All I right, thought the cool. song sucked too. Uh, the song, I, 
the more I dug into it, the more I appreciate the song. So we'll dive into that. I want to hear what Melissa has to say about this one. What'd you think, Melissa? Yeah, overall, I'm going to give the trailer like a taste it, sometimes a high taste it, you know, like kind of the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, whatever. It didn't get me additionally hyped for the movie. Um, but there's so much that's exciting about this movie that I was like the excitement level didn't need, didn't go up from the trailer, which I think it could have. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I like the trailer because I kind of like, I kind of think that Marvel is maybe done courting, courting, excuse me, casual fans. Like they're going to see this movie anyway. The trailer doesn't necessarily, or maybe they're going to see it or maybe they won't, but maybe if you haven't seen a Marvel movie yet, it's not going to be like a trailer that gets you in the theater. It's going to be like word of mouth after the movie comes out. It just feels like they have such a dedicated fan base that these trailers can be something a little bit different. Um, but I agree that they, we know nothing about this movie. We really don't know anything about these characters, but there's so many of them that it's like, who would you showcase in the trailer? Like, what character could we even get to know here with the amount of time we have? So I'd rather this high-level overview than for them to zero in on a character or two and then for it to feel like, oh, the movie's not even about them because from all everything that I've heard and read, this movie doesn't, this movie maybe doesn't have a distinct main character. Like, I think that there's going to be a lot for many of these characters to do here. So it's like, they don't want to lead you in any direction to deciding who this movie's about because they don't want people to be like, oh, that's not the actor who I wanted to be the lead. So I'm not going to see it. Or they don't want people to be like, oh, your trailer told me this movie was going to be about, you know, X person that ended up being more about Y person. Like, I think that they're just with a cast that this that is this huge, I think that there's a very careful line to walk with introducing characters in the trailer rather than waiting for the movie to actually show you who these people are. That's or a, who these Eternals yeah, are, excuse that, me. No, that's a fair point. I'm sure that we're probably going to, like, once they start doing TV spots, like 30-second TV spots, we're going to get individual character TV spots. That would make sense. Like, here's our 30-second TV spot with, uh, you know, Kinga. Here's the 30-second spot with, uh, you know, Gilgamesh or something. That makes sense. It's just, maybe they should have just focused on, you know, Cersei, Icarus, and, and Dane Whitman or something. And then. I and, wish that they would have focused on the relationships between the Eternals and each other. Yeah. Yeah. I do going too. Going into this. I do too. That's what I'm totally getting. I'm, I'm getting at that. And then maybe throw in like at the end instead of that stupid fucking, you know, joke that they threw in, maybe throw in a badass like 15 second clip of Thena kicking ass. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been a cool way to go out with Angelina, G- Angelina Jolie just kicking some ass, you know, during a battle <laughs> or something. That would have been cool. I just, I really felt like, yeah, I get it. Marvel can hold back because we're all going to see these Marvel movies. But man, just based off of this trailer, it was a, like that first time watching it, Jake, it was a snooze fest for me, dude. Yeah, I was shocked. I, honestly, the first time I saw it, I was like, really? That's it? I mean, we've been waiting to see some moving images of this movie for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of anticipation. And, and yeah, like, Jesus, can we get just a fucking pinch, like just a dash of fucking action in this trailer? <laughs> we like, did. Is that too we, much to ask for? We got a little bit of action. We'll get, we got a little bit of action. And and, and we're, I'm gonna, we're going to start breaking this down. I want to start breaking this down because I am way more excited to actually break it down than I was upon my uh, first initial watch. 
Um, so let's break this one down. The teaser, it starts, we've got the Eternals, they're showing up for their, with their, like, it's, it, it's what we believe is their first encounter with humans. So they arrive and they, and they meet early human civilization and they're in this ship that decloaks itself and it, it's different when it decloaks itself than what we've seen from like anything from shield. And it, it has these gold lined symbols and they start to, it starts to appear and you start to see these gold lined symbols and it's the same symbols that you can see on their, on their suits. You see it on Sprite suit and you see it later in the trailer when the Eternals are doing this, uh, when energy is coming out of their body. Um, and you can kind of like those, those symbols, you can kind of like, I guess it's, it, maybe it's like an earlier, like it's the first introduction to like cosmic power, magic into this universe. And like, we can maybe even think like this might be the origin of like the magic that like this, you know, the ancient one starts using, um, in the MCU. This might be like the beginnings of that. Like this predates everything is what we're seeing here. And, um, but they are using cosmic energy and that is going to be a huge deal in the MCU. I think going forward, um, people are comparing this scene because you see like it's, this ship is just like this kind of like flat metal, you know, ship that they're flying through. And people are comparing the scene to, uh, the scene in Stanley Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey when the apes Mm. see the monolith. And it's basically like this exchange of technology. And that's kind of like what we're getting in this scene. Um, this might not be, and I found this interesting, it might not be their first introduction to humans, though. Um, it, it might be or it might not be. Because there's a chance, and I think we do see it, and I'll talk about it later, but there's a chance that they visited ancient, the ancient city of Atlantis possibly before this. Or this might even be that scene. Um and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. And this is, of course, before Atlantis is like submerged. But um... that's really cool because I mean, we obviously know that the Atlanteans are going to come into play eventually. Uh-huh. And this would be a nice place to kind of just introduce the concept of them, right? And this might be where Kit Harrington's Black Knight, you know, gets his hands on the on the sword Ebony Blade, which in the comics was first wielded by Namor of Atlantis and. That's how we, that, that's how, you know, um, later on, um, Dane Whitman gets this sword. They might get this sword. It might be some kind of an exchange. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, and then this also could tie in with like the underwater earthquakes felt by Wakanda that they mentioned in Ed Game. And then I think if you watch an Iron Man 2 and you look in that map behind Nick Fury and Tony Stark, you actually see Atlantis on the map. So they're aware that it exists in the MCU, according to that map. All right. I had (laughs) completely forgotten that there was a reference to Atlantis in the MCU. Because I watched a couple of explainers on this trailer uh, when you said we were going to do a breakdown of it. Mm -hmm. Since I'm not super steeped in MCU lore, and I told you guys before we started recording, I like tend to forget some of the details of these movies, even though I've seen them a ton of times. So when I was watching this breakdown, and they were like, look, Atlantis, and I was like, oh, I forgot kind of that Atlantis was like 
a real thing in mythology that the MCU would also use and not just like the place where Aquaman lives since I finally started watching DC movies. No, yeah, it's real. And then like, well, in Iron Man 2, Jake, I think on the same map they showed Wakanda. So, oh, like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's an easy thing to forget though. That whole map is very Easter eggy. It's not like it's yeah. like in your face in Iron Man 2. So, I mean, I think you're, you can forgive yourself for not remembering <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. From the second fucking Marvel movie. Uh, let's see here. Let's jump in. I want to jump in a little bit of the history here with, uh, with the Eternals, uh, before we get back to the trailer. The humans and Eternals were created by the Celestials. We saw the Celestials in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, we know that, that, uh, what's his fucking name? Ego was like, like half Celestial or did he just consider himself a full on Celestial? Um, I think wasn't he like a baby celestial? Like he was one, but he wasn't like as old as the other ones. So that might be true. I he was like a not shit celestial. You should know this, Jake. <laughs> you should know this. You've watched that movie probably more times than any of us. I don't think he thinks of himself as a full blown celestial. No. Okay. All right. Um, but we've been introduced to celestials. We saw like the video monitor in Guardians of the Galaxy where they did show the celestials on screen. Um, and, you know, they talked. Uh, each one of them had like a different color and people were trying to like compare it to the infinity stones and everything. Um, but humans and Eternals were created by celestials. Humans have been like living their lives on earth and celestials, um, as created Eternals and the Eternals are watching us and we're not, they're not supposed to interfere. They're basically just viewing humans like the way that we view. Are they not supposed to interfere yes. in the comics or they do. Okay. They do. I'm, I'm going to get to all this. They do okay. interfere 100%. Cuz I've been taking it as they just don't want to. Not that they are have like a directive to just observe. In the comics they are not supposed to interfere. Okay. And I mean basically it's kind of like the way that we, you know, view ant farms. Like we just sure. kind of like put them in there and we watch them and <laughs> like my feelings were getting hurt a little bit. Like uh are we just like a weird science experiment to you, Eternals? <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I, I will get to everything. We'll get to everything. Um, the Celestials also created the Deviants. And so now we've got, we've got our two kind of like super powered groups here. We've got the Celestial, uh, the, the Eternals and we've got the Deviants. And both of these were genetic mutations. Um, but, you know, the Eternals, they, they're beautiful, they live forever, they possess superpowers. And then you have, like, the Deviants who look like monsters. They're very intelligent, but they don't live forever. And each generation of the Deviants are different from the generation before. And so they never have this true sense of culture or identity. And they're always kind of fueled by their jealousy of the Eternals because of that. Um, they have kind of lived in the shadows and, and quietly amongst the humans, um, but they have intervened. And we will talk a little bit about some of the intervention during this breakdown. And I also wanted to point out that an Eternal with... We've been introduced to an, like, to an Eternal before, but the, the, this Eternal had a deviant gene and was born on Saturn's moon of Titan, and that was Thanos. Yep. 
So, yeah. I don't know if we're going to see, like, you know, people are speculating we're going to see possibly baby Thanos in this movie. I don't know if we're going to see that. I mean, um, I wouldn't be opposed. It's kind of cool. I mean, it would tie everything in. But I don't know if we're going to see baby Thanos. So in this scene where we see this giant ship arriving to Earth and humans seeing it, the humans are basically seeing, like, these god-like creatures, like humans with powers. And so they, they start to see them as gods. And then when the humans see the deviants for the first time, they look like monsters. And so now they're seeing basically what they believe are demons. And so when they see the Eternals battle the deviants, they basically took it as gods battling demons. And they, this created our earliest like mythologies and a lot of the eternal characters are like based on Greek mythology. You've got Athena being linked to Athena and then Icarus um, to the, you know, the legend of Icarus and, um, you know, Gilgamesh going back to like, you know, uh, Babylon and all this stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of these characters that are actually like linked to, you know, like, um, you know, Greek mythology. Um San Diego Comic-Con 2019, Camille Nanjiani said this. He said, we were sent to Earth thousands of years ago to protect Earth from these monsters, the Deviants. By this point, we've been on Earth for a long time. So, um, yeah, they, they've basically been here from almost from the beginning, from the earliest civilizations, and they've kind of like, you know, they've kind of carved uh, their themselves into each of these cultures. Um, we see the eternal Icarus in the ship with Cersei played by Gemma Chan. And she says, that, you know, it looks beautiful. And um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like when she says that and she's kind of like, you know, taking in the beauty of Earth and all this stuff, you get kind of a worried look from Icarus when he's looking at her. And and then there's show scenes later in the trailer of the of the two like embracing at first and then another scene of them kind of like going through like looks like a like a wedding ceremony and then like another time and each time she's like pulling away from him more so he's more into her than she is definitely into him and we know from the comics that she actually there's a there's a love triangle involved with certain characters she actually falls in love with a human we'll get to that a little bit later um we then see a shot of Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos and he's the group's technology guy and a lot of people are saying that he might have technology ties with Wakanda. Mm. So that he's given them technology? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that might be like, you know, like the uh, the the start of their civilization. He might have given them an edge with technology. Um yeah. when you see Oh, go ahead, Steve. The sound effects that he's using as well, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be linked with that specific scene that he's in, but it's very similar to um, Doctor Strange's uh, sound effects as well when he uh, uses magic. Okay. I feel the sound effects are very similar as well. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't pick that up, but that's cool. Um He's yeah, he's he's their he's their tech guy as Fastos. It's like their tech guy and like we see him creating some sort of like technical like tech device in front of us in the trailer. Um we also see a scene of Salma Hayek as Ajak 
and uh, she's the member of the group. She serves as a spiritual guide, and she's still in contact with the Celestials, so she still has contact with the Celestials. Um, if you look in the trailer, if you look behind her, there's like this greenhouse garden of what looks like alien plants, and she could have been the one that introduces... It might be her or Cersei, depending on what you get from the trailer. Um, but might be that one of the, might be introducing Earth to some of these alien plants. And this might be where like the heart shaped herb came from in Wakanda that gives the Black Panther the special, uh, like special physical abilities that the Black Panther has. So. Okay. It's like a, like a botany thing. And that's where these plants come from. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, so, um, but it all comes from the Eternals, like all this stuff, like it's, it's all rooted in the Eternals. Everything that we've seen so far is, it, it can all be traced back. Everything that's happened in the MCU can kind of like all be traced back to the Eternals, like from, you know, maybe the Wakandans and their technology, um, Atlantis and, um, every, everything that we've seen, even like. The, there's a scene where a weapon is handed over to a character, and like I've, I've heard of people like, like comparing that all the way up to like Tony Stark becoming like a weapons guy. Um, but everything they've kind of shaped history, they've kind of shaped earliest civilizations, and um, helped us along. And maybe they shouldn't have. Um, there's some well, moments, or maybe they should have helped more. Like, how much are we going to find out about like? what were these beings during the Holocaust or like for MCU? Like where were they during the Thanos thing? Like well, that's, that's what makes this, that's what make, we think that's what makes this interesting. I think that yeah. they're going to address all okay. that stuff. You know, it's like, you know, like even it, it, I think they're going to address everything. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. We're going to get those answers in this movie. Um, I mean, they sent Steve back and they were like, oh, no, he just lived in the timeline again, but it's fine. He did nothing. So I just am like, I worry <laughs> that they are, when it comes to like real, they put these, these, you know, beings in, into like the real, the quote unquote, like real timeline. I just worry that Marvel gets a little like hand wavy with what they've been doing. And at some point it's like, all right, you guys have been leaving us hanging. <laughs> when, when is it big enough, a big enough problem for you to come uh, give all earth a little hand here? Well, I mean, okay, if they're under direct order from the Celestials, which basically you have Celestials, yeah, which it's their job to, like, determine whether a, whether a race of, uh, 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 you know, creatures on a planet have the right to even exist. I mean, I, I think that you're not going to – if they've basically given you, like, directives that you cannot intervene, and I feel like some of these characters have intervened in certain ways – but I mean, like, uh, are they wanting to go toe to toe with their creators at this point? I mean, this it's not their it's this is not their creation. They are just yeah. They are products of the Celestials. Humans are products of the Celestials, and the Deviants are there as well. This is all this is all from the Celestials. And like even in DC Comics, you know, you've got you know uh, Jarrell telling Superman that you know you're going to be living among them, but I don't want you dictating you know historical events and stuff like that. So yeah. it's not like Superman, like it's the, not like, it's not like Superman is going to fucking end World War II or end yeah. Vietnam. You know, like I that's the like shit the that fucking Alan Moore saved for like the Watchmen and shit. Like when, <laughs> when Dr. Manhattan stopped Vietnam, you know, and, and shit like that. Like you're not going to see that in like the Marvel universe. 
if these characters are going to be going forward in the MCU, I really hope that this movie does a good job of untangling the dynamics of these relationships. Because even just during this trailer discussion, I'm like having a really hard time. I'm not. Like, I think, I think, around the whole. I think everything hierarchy. I think everything before in history and in most and in most comic book stuff, everything that's happened in history, uh, unless you're dealing with like a like a fringe universe kind of story, um, most everything they're going to have to have it blend in with our with our real history. I think we're past the point where like we're like the Marvel universe is in a history now where they've every people have gone through the snap. People have come back. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want to now. This is basically just trying to introduce these characters into our present time and then also show us what they were doing in the past and why they couldn't intervene and what they Mm -hmm. did when they did intervene, why it has shaped the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is now. So it's like, oh, that's why we have this heart-shaped herb in, you know, Wakanda. That's why Wakanda has this technology. That's why, you know, this is going on here, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it'll all tie in, I think, at the end of the day. I just don't think like I don't think it's an interesting story for like okay World War Two happens and they're gonna, the Eternals stop Hitler you know like we right. still have to have our history happen and I think that all comes down to the Celestials giving them a directive that they can't intervene and I do th- I think that they've intervened I think Cersei's intervened you know I think I think many of them have intervened throughout time and. And I think we're going to get to see those moments, but I, I you know, I, I don't think that they want I don't think Marvel's wanting to change, you know, history in general. Is, am I making sense? Yeah, oh, you make no, perfect yeah. And sense. I, I get that. That's not exactly what I was thinking about it. More, it's just like, if you're like, I went, <laughs> I said I like this trailer, but now I just wish I knew what this movie was going to be about. Like, <laughs> Because when you're thinking about like, oh, we're going to go through the whole entire history of humanity and we're going to look at when they intervened and when they didn't and why. And I actually do think all of that's really interesting because I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, emotional push and pull there for these new characters. Um, But it's like that can't be like the main thrust of this movie. So there has to be some other whole thing going on. And like, what I, is it? <laughs> I am I am working my way up to that, Melissa. You got to trust me. You got to trust me. You have got to trust me. I didn't I didn't spend I didn't spend five hours breaking this fucking thing down not to give you like what's going on in this movie. Okay. You have got to trust me here. You have just okay. got to trust me. What's, we, what's interesting before we move on is kind of it seems like the way they do this movie is one of the ways they could have done an X-Men movie. So it kind of strikes that off the list where it's like, oh, they've been around this whole time. Here's what they've done throughout history. Like it would seem like a rerun of how they're dealing with the Eternals if they were to deal with those characters that way. So it definitely feels like you can strike that off the list of, you know, the mutants have been around this whole time throughout history. And here's what they've been doing that whole time, because it would seem kind of redundant to have that plot line when that's basically the exact plot line going on here. Um, let's continue. I want to get to the, we're going to, well, one more thing before we move on is I I did want to talk about Ajax, but we got a bunch of sidetracked. I I think Ajax is one of the most intriguing characters to me. Um, being it's the only character that has that direct link to the celestials. Mm -hmm. Um, the first thing I think is, are they interpreting the stuff correctly? Are they misinterpreting on purpose? Like this is a character that could easily change the will of what the celestials want just from the point of greed. Like I could easily see Ajak ending up not being a good guy. 
Uh, I don't, mm. I don't see that. I see there's a bunch of characters. I think there's a bunch of characters in the Eternals that could make that, make that turn. I maybe maybe Ajax, maybe Ajax. Um, just you know, having that direct line mm-hmm. to the Celestials. That's sure. a lot of power. What she says is what they said, and no one else can tell any differently. It's not like they can just go ask the Celestials if that's sure. what they really said. Yeah. So it's it's that direct line that could easily be corrupted. It just makes me think it possibly will be. Uh, we in the trailer we see uh, we're still in history and we see the gates of Babylon in the trailer and uh, in the comics this is where Athena played by Angelina Jolie began a romance with a deviant General Crow who uh, is in the trailer it looks like um, I, I think that I'll talk about that later but I think we get I think we get Crow in the trailer and I could be wrong it could just be a random deviant. But we know we're getting Crow in the movie. It's been confirmed uh, by Eternals tie-in merchandise that has been released. Um, I have no idea who's going to be playing Crow, but I think that that is the main villain of this movie, The Eternals. And um, if you go to the 1 minute and 28 second mark in the trailer, you see this Minotaur fighting uh, Kinga, and it looks like um, it looks it looks like a Minotaur. And Crow's a shapeshifter. And so I believe that that could be Crow in that scene, taking the shape of a minotaur. And that could be like, you know, if he's, if Crow's taking the shape of minotaurs and stuff like that, that might be like where people have come up with minotaurs and stories and centaurs and all this stuff. It might have been just, it might have been deviance throughout time. Um, and then the eternal Gilgamesh has ties to Babylon. Of course, his name comes from an ancient Babylonian poem. And in the comics, Gilgamesh is the bad eternal. He's known as the forgotten one. And he might be working with crow and betray the eternals. He was excommunicated from the eternals at one time. Don Lee is playing Gilgamesh and Don Lee. You'll remember him if you've seen train to Basan, and he was fucking great in that movie. Um, and he's Gilgamesh is considered the one of the most powerful Eternals, probably as powerful as Icarus, who's basically like their leader. Um, we get we see Thena played by Angelina Jolie. She's battling a shielded warrior, and then if you look at the warrior's shield, it looks like Cap Shield down to like there's the there's the stripes, and in the center there's the star. And so. <sighs> Some people are speculating that, you know, Howard Stark talked about, you know, this shield and how he became, he came in possession of it and how he, you know, it was the last of its kind in the world. And so some people are speculating that Fastos, the inventor for the Eternals played by Brian Tyree Henry may have gifted it to Howard Stark somewhere along the, along the way. That's really cool. I, I was really trying to stretch my brain wondering like what the connection is. Like how could the Eternals even have this thing? They're the but, ones that yeah. created it. Or, and you that know. kind of ties back into what you were talking about, about how they could have had their hand in Wakandan technology. Right, right. Because we know that that technology was used in, in some ways to help with the shield creation as well. We see the fall of Babylon in the trailer. Um, I, th- I think this movie, is, it's just going to travel all over history at the beginning. And I think that that's going to be very cool. Um, and then in the, I think it's in the fall of Babylon. We see Thena battling Gilgamesh. So at one point in time, you know, Gilgamesh is going to like 
be battling against Athena. Um, and so maybe he's teaming up with Crow and the romance falls apart and he's teaming up with Crow. Uh, we get sh- quick shots of two characters here. We get Makari and then we get Sprite. Makari is, um, the eternal that is supposed to be the inspiration for ancient gods. And she's the speedster of the group. Um, and Makari has, uh, she's going to be the first deaf MCU superhero. And we see her in this trailer reading really fast. You guys remember that scene of that character on that, on that throne reading really fast. Mm-hmm. So she's learned all about like every civilization she's encountered. And in that room, there's a bunch of like artifacts throughout, you know, like throughout world history. Um, the Holy Grail is in there. Uh, there's like a cat statue and people are linking that to the black Panther. Um, we see medieval armor in there and possibly a connection to Kit Harrington's black Knight. Um, there's so many different artifacts in that room. And then we see Leah McHugh as Sprite. And this is the, the, the eternal that looks like a young girl and kind of like the, kind of like the Loki of the group. She can't be trusted. And, and, um, she eternally looks like a child, although she's not a child. She's, she's very much like an eternal being and has been around for thousands of years. Um, there's they a, use Sprite as kind of a villain in a lot of this stuff too. Like in the, I haven't read too much Eternal stuff, but I did mm-hmm. read like the the Game and Run, and that character does really villainous things in that in that run. In the Game and Run, and that this might happen in. Here's another thing. A lot of like you know, Melissa, you asked the question of like you know why haven't they done anything? Everybody's been asking why have the Eternals not been doing anything when Thanos was attacking? I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into that. And and Jake. One of the things that people have been saying, like in the game and run, she erased their, she, she erased their minds. So they didn't know that they were eternals and that they were supposed to, you know, protect, protect humans. Um, yeah, she seems bitter to be trapped in such a young body in the comics. Like that's like a thing that she's not all that happy about. Yeah. I, I I just don't, I don't know if that is going to be like the catalyst for what she's doing here. I think that some Eternals are just like, we should not be intervening. And some of them think that we should and that we should help. And I think that's going to kind of split the group possibly. Um, uh, I'm going to get into, there's a shot. It's, it's a really quick shot in this it's a shot of a volcano and if you look at the there's smoke and ash that's rising out of the volcano and it's there's a shot with sprite and she's got this lava covered in the background behind her there's lava all over and so i'm connecting the scene of the volcano and behind her all this lava and then she looks very upset in the scene and Maybe this volcano erupting causes the city of Atlantis to fall in the ocean. And that leads to Cersei handing over the dagger that we see in the trailer. There's a scene where we see a hand giving a dagger to a human. And that dagger we see in the trailer has 10 kind of like circles on it in the shape of a pyramid. And the 10 circles probably stands for the 10 Eternals. So this person getting the dagger, we could find out much later, might be Namor. 
and it could be what he puts on the tip of his spear going forward. Um, and then if you look, if, if you look at that shot of the volcano, I don't think that this was like a natural eruption. If you look at the smoke and the ash that's rising out of the volcano, you see on the, on the left hand side, you see this flash of gold. It's out of place and it happens very quickly and you really have to zoom in. You see a flash of gold on the left and then you see a white flash on the upper right side of like the smoke plumes that are coming out. And then there's a bunch of smoke on the left side that just disappears. So there's, I believe that there's actually a battle of the Eternals fighting deviants within the volcano and they might be what has this volcano them fighting within the volcano might spark the eruption of the volcano and kill a bunch of innocent humans. And so, I mean, also the disappearing smoke, we saw Druig in this trailer, make a tree disappear. So that might be Druig in this battle. And this might be like the catalyst for Druig not wanting to intervene with human history after fighting the deviants here. They tried to stop the deviants. They couldn't stop the deviants. All these people died because of a battle that they had with the deviants. Like the, all these innocent, because they intervened and they fought the deviants. All these innocent people had to die because this volcano erupted. Because later in the trailer, we see Druig played by Barry Keegan. Um, I can't pronounce, I'm just going to say key again, cause I don't know how to say his name, but you see him and he basically in this trailer, we see him walking out of like this, um, like a tent or something or a shed or something like that. Um, and we see these humans, they're all dressed the same and they look like they're in a cult. And I think, if you look later on the trailer, one of them's holding a gun and his eyes are glowing. So I think like Druig by this point in the future has gotten to the point where he is leading a cult of humans that he doesn't want them to, uh, he wants to cut these people off from like gifts, like the Eternals gifts of technology and cut them off completely from you know, all the things that we've tried to intervene. But then also on the flip side, it's like he's he's brainwashing them and controlling them. Seems like a really interesting character that he's so like separated from the ideals of the rest of the Eternals. Yeah, yeah. And that's Kogan, by the way. I looked it up. A Kogan, thank you. And Sprite might be the same way with all of this. Like, that's why Sprite was like, every time we've tried to intervene, people have died. Um, and maybe that's why Sprite, maybe they do take the gaming approach and Sprite wipes their minds. And while everything is going on, like with Endgame, they just think that they're humans. Yeah, that's a great way to explain why they wouldn't interfere Mm-hmm. If they have no idea that they even could interfere, why would they interfere? Right. Because there is, there's the tease of the Unimind, which we get in this trailer, and, uh, we see, we see in the trailer, Druig, and this yellow energy starts to come out of his body, then we see, like, the same energy release happening with other members in the group, and then we see all of their energies, like, combining, merging on screen together, and, I looked it up like the the Unimind is made of light, mind, and pure energy. It is created when several Eternals 
come together and join their will and intelligence. And so it was first introduced by Jack Kirby back in Eternals number 12, the prime eternal, normally the only one able to summon the ritual of the Unimind, determined either by heirdom or by combat in the Hall of Eternal Judgment. If you look at Sprite's suit, Sprite has like all these symbols on the chest of her um, suit that she's wearing. And so the symbols actually look like the same symbols that are coming out of them when they are going into the Unimind, which in the comics the 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 prime eternal is um i'm trying to think it's two different characters it's not it's not sprite it's two different characters that they've had in the past but i'm thinking in this version sprite could be the prime eternal and when she has them go into the unimind she actually wipes their mind and go oh, go ahead steve that would make sense because I think also in the comics that she's the oldest as well out of all the Eternals, I think. And, okay. and yeah, it's Neil Gaiman. I think I said Grant Morrison before. Yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. It's, it's the one I read. So yeah, it'll be interesting as um, the mind wipe. And also they have this – I know the new 2000, the 2021 version just came out. Neil Gaiman's run as well. There's like the way they – uh, regenerate in like the South Pole as well could be another reason that they use as well for why they're around sometimes but not another time because of how they have to yeah they, they, they go into like a hibernation or something right it's something weird like under the ground in the South Pole and stuff and like yeah it's really interesting the way they use it so that's another uh, yeah. option yeah use well. I also know in more model in more modern comics with the Eternals, they've kind of backed away from the whole um, prime thing where it's just kind of like the more of them that combine together, the bigger the, the Unimind is. Yeah. And you don't yeah. necessarily need a prime in, in more of the modern stories. I th Well, I mean, I'm thinking that, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, let's say Sprite is the one that wipes their minds. I don't really like that either. I'll be honest with you. I think it just, it just rings of fucking Captain Marvel not remembering who she was the entire fucking movie. And I don't like that. Yeah. I don't it's like it. It's a bit it. of a repeat. The thing, the thing I'm so looking forward to with Captain Marvel 2 when we get, you know, um, uh, is it the Marvels? Yes. What I'm looking forward to about that movie is that we're going to get a Captain Marvel that knows who she is. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun because we're past the the origin and we can we can actually dive into the character without yes. worrying about that kind of shit anymore. I mean, well, I'm, most of that movie, the character's just being gaslit, you know, by everybody in the team that's working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, Jude Law and just everyone. Yeah, and so it's like we never really get to see like we get to see Captain Marvel, but I feel like I feel like we don't really we haven't really gotten to see what the character can do like outside of the origin story and all that shit. And you can say that we saw it in Endgame, but in all honesty, when they filmed, they filmed Endgame before they filmed Captain Marvel. All her scenes for Endgame were filmed before Captain Marvel even came out in the theater. So it's like they didn't really, I mean, even at that point, they didn't even know exactly, I guess they had an outline of like what they were going to do in that movie, but it still didn't feel like she, she hadn't been playing that character. No, Captain Marvel has zero character moments in Endgame, really. 
It's mm. it's the spectacle. Of she's the got, she's got anything. when she shows up to battle Thanos. That's like the biggest thing, right? When Thanos is just kind of like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I mean, that's as far it. As like her and who she is as as you know, yes, a person and what her ideals are. Like it's it's really there's really none of that. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I do like the idea of Sprite being the most innocent looking character just because of the youth factor also being potentially the most nefarious character i I think that's a fun mix we've got i mean we've got multiple eternals that could be nefarious in this movie jake gilgamesh sprite druig you know correctly was druig and ajak specifically in the in the game and run where they were they turned out to be villains and gilgamesh was more of like uh, I'm washing my hands. I'm not dealing with any of this sort of thing. So okay. yeah, there's yeah, there, there's yeah. They, can, they can build a lot of history. And how long do you think this movie is going to be? Do you think this could be like a two and a half hour movie because mm. we're covering six thousand years of history? Uh, yes, I, I think two and a half hours sounds about right. Two and a half. I mean, what were we looking at with uh, Endgame? How long was Endgame? Three hours, fourteen minutes, maybe. Yeah, it was long. I think like two forty-five with credits. But I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. This could. De- I th- it's definitely going to be over two hours. <laughs> we got a lot, and we've got all these eighty minutes. We've got all these. Oh, I mean, we've got you know, we've got all these characters to to establish this whole world to establish. It's got to be a three period. hours, two minutes was how long in game was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest questions that we were talking about is like, why didn't the Eternals show up in Infinity War Endgame to help battle Thanos? And, you know, I mean, this seems like a pretty big threat. Um, and here's the thing. It's the Celestial. Are the Celestials a bigger threat than Thanos? Yes. Comics, I mean, if they decide they hate us, probably. <laughs> I mean, you know how Galactus is. Uh, in the comics, three Celestials killed Galactus. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Steve, I'm actually thinking like this. All this could introduce Galactus. Like, if we get, to, let's say we get to event, could see it. Let's say yeah. we get to Avengers Five. Avengers Five. Uh, we we get into Phase Five and we get Avengers Five. And let's say in that movie, the Avengers, with the help of the Eternals, everybody comes together. They defeat the Celestials. Yeah, that, I mean, that is full on. The Celestials come back and they're pissed of what's going on on Earth in general. Yeah. And the Eternals are like, calm down, everybody, calm down. The Celestials are like, fuck this. And they start like just creating havoc. So now with the Celestials gone, you've got Galactus out there. The, you know, the, and, and, and without the Celestials basically staking a claim to Earth, makes perfect sense that Galactus would come for Earth, right? Yeah. Yeah, the buff is open at that point. Right. We get a young Odin and Hela working together because one of the reasons the Nine Realms exist is because the they couldn't take care of the Deviants, and that's one of the reasons Odin comes into play in the comics. So that's another reason why Earth gets protected by or gets brought into the Nine or Seven Realms. I forget what uh, what it's exactly nine, called. Nine, I think. Yeah, it's Nine. It? Yeah. So that we could see a young. Uh, Odin and Hela working together like we saw in the paintings of Thor Ragnarok. Oh, and and, we're, and we know we're getting Zeus in the, the 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 newest Thor movie. Oh yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't. I, it's there's no argument. I think the Celestials are way more powerful powerful than Thanos. I mean, at the end of the day, Thanos was only powerful because of a device. When it came down to it. Thor just showed up and fucking boom, he's dead. Like there's Thor's not showing up at a celestial's house and just 
<laughs> throwing down the fucking axe and that's it. I, right. Thanos was really only he's as Thanos without any clothes on or any glove on. He's he's fucking nothing. Well, I mean, think about like when we when we visited nowhere in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, a whole civilization of aliens are living in the head of a celestial Jake. That's how big oh, yeah, and the powerful scope they are. And the size. I, I can't, that's kind of a classic Kirbyism. It's just these immeasurable objects and beings. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to see how cinematically they pull that off. Well, I can't wait to find Well, he, that's what he did here. He did this for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then, excuse me, Marvel. And then when he left Marvel and went to DC, he created the new gods. Oh, yeah. Almost mirror images of each other. Exactly. Exactly. So we had celestial in Guardians of the Galaxy. We when, did uh, the collector showing that them. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, but we see Thanos then too, and, and we see how that changed. True. 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 Well, we see a version of the. We can say they can say we saw a version of the Celestials, whatever that could mean. So, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the creative team is is bogged down or tied to those images that we saw. Though I, I think they're free to interpret there's a bunch of reasons why that the eternals didn't intervene maybe their memories were wiped um maybe like they felt like you know um that uh they thought that maybe the avengers could defeat the thanos on their own and that if if they intervened that that may warrant you know the celestials to destroy earth. They thought maybe they think like if we, if, if earth can prove itself that it can defend itself, maybe the celestials will not destroy it. And so they just let the events play out. And then now, you know, Ajax lets them know that like, this is not the case. And maybe like they're to blame for meddling too much in earth's history. And, and you know the celestials are going to to destroy Earth. There's the celestial Arisham, the Judge, and maybe Arisham, the Judge, is, has you know made up you know his mind to destroy Earth. How crazy would it be if because they're the Eternals and like they're they're like part of like the creation of the universe and everything? How crazy would it be if like with the snap? We see a scene of them, and because like because they are eternal or whatever, they don't actually dust away, but instead they just lose their powers or something, uh, or something taken from them, and that's why they can't intervene for uh, the snap version because everything's very quick with Thanos showing up and everything on Earth. Like yeah, like to us it's two or three hours, but to everybody on Earth, that's like a 10, 20 minute battle. I feel. Ah. Uh. I would say, honestly, at this, I would say that, like, I would go, I would lean more towards the fact that they've lost their memory at this point. Like, they could, they, like, they couldn't be snapped away by Thanos, no matter what he did, but they've, they've, I don't know. I don't, I, yeah. What's the logistics of the snap? Like, did you have to have foot on Earth for it to, for you to be part of that math? I don't think so. Or, no, not at all. So, the whole universe gets put in half, not just Earth? I think it's the whole universe. I think everywhere, like everyone's, we're going to learn, like with Captain, with the Marvels. I think we're going to learn how other plants and civilizations dealt with it. Wasn't it animals as well? Like it was humans, animals. It was everything, wasn't it? Yeah, they yeah. they confirmed it was animals. But I, my question is the what's the like galaxy scope of it all? Like, did half yeah. the celestials disappear? Did like no, no, no. I don't. I don't, honestly, I think like every half of everything in the universe probably did disappear. But I don't think this. I don't think that. I don't think that even as powerful as Thanos was with the gauntlet that he could do anything with the Celestials have gone after the Watchers in the comics. Like they're fucking 
do we think that like half of the watchers disappeared? Yeah, I mean, in the comics, the the gems together is pretty much painted as all powerful. Like it's potentially. Yeah, I mean, you would think people like characters like Eternity would at least feel the snap as like a, a ripple in the in the in the in the galaxy or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, man, we're going down some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've hit some parts of uh, MC, like Marvel comic lore that I've never even heard of. What's a Watcher? <laughs> oh, you saw the Watchers in uh, in uh, what is it? Guardians Two, Jake, the Stanley scene. Yes. Yeah, they're you've seen. Oh, okay, I have to be constantly rewatching these movies, or the information just flies out of my head. <laughs> They're like an alien race of secretaries, basically. Like they, <laughs> okay. they, they straight up are not allowed to interfere. But right. then they always do. Like in the comics, the very first time we meet the Watchers, they're the ones that warn the Fantastic Four that Galactus is coming to destroy the Earth. And without that advance warning, they wouldn't have been able to prepare their defense to stop Galactus. So it's like Watchers can only watch, but every time they're involved in the story, it's because they're doing more than watching. It's always that that thing going on. Yeah. Comics are like there are omnipresent beings and they're all obsessed with Earth. <laughs> Well, watchers, they watch everything. They're like, and there's different watchers for every like sector of the galaxy. So it's, they're not just all paying attention to Earth. E- each one has like their own assignment. It's like the people who work in the little time office in Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I don't know that reference, but sure. <laughs> it does get really cheesy in the comics, though. At this point, where like when they when Watu does show up, Spider Man's like, "Oh crap, something bad, really bad's happening because he's here." Melissa, so, Melissa, yeah, the characters themselves recognize that something's going to happen when they see a Watcher. Melissa, yeah. I would compare the I would compare the Umbrella Academy people to the Time Variance Authority that we're going to see in Loki. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I've thought about that comparison. As well, when I am trying to wrap my head around what's going to be going on in Loki. Yeah, we'll talk about Loki. Which is like, I should just wait to see these things because. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to drive yourself crazy. I'm driving. (laughs) I drive myself crazy with these things, too. (laughs) Um, Um, Just real quick, speaking on like just like Loki and the other properties, I think we're also not seeing a lot in this trailer because we still have Black Widow and Shang-Chi coming out before the Eternals. So. I'm sure Marvel's not trying to put everything out before we even see the other properties. Yeah, but how much is this going to be tying in with those movies? I think there's enough that they could have shown in this trailer that's not going to tie in with those films. True. But they don't, I think they don't want you to get too excited and then be like, I'm not going to see the other two. I'm just going to wait for the Eternals. Yeah, I get I'm just, it. You know, I'm not going to see any Marvel movies until the Eternals. What's the point? Uh, I kind of dig what Steve's saying. I don't know about that. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, and we've got plenty of time until November to to show to show more trailers. So I'm yeah, like too... how many more trailers will we get? We'll get two. We'll okay. get we'll get two well, more trailers, and then right when I looked it up today, no, it it's a teaser. Cool. It's a teaser. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's considered a teaser trailer. Um, and we'll get we'll get this, and then we'll get it like we'll get it like a slew of TV spots that'll give us like additional scenes. Do you think one of their? Do you think like the reason the Eternals don't help is as simple as they're snooty jerks that look down upon humanity, or at least a lot of them do? Honestly, I think that some of them do. But Jake, like at the end of the trailer, they've been watching us like a like a reality show, and I think that they've kind of fallen in love with us. 
Okay. You know, like, just like when we watch, when we watch reality shows and there's certain characters that we really fall in love with, I feel like at the end of this trailer, it kind of reveals like, you know, like, oh, who's going to lead the event? Like they're into this, man. They've been, they've spent so much time here. They've followed (laughs) us. They're watching us like they're watching like, you know, Survivor or the real world or the circle. I mean, you know, I, they've fallen in love with Earth. I, I think some of them have fallen in love with Earth. Cersei definitely has from the beginning. We first see her in the trailer and she's like, it's beautiful. She eventually falls in love, you know, with, uh, Dane Whitman, who eventually will become the Black Knight. Um, we see her in the trailer, uh, irrigate that farm, bring water and life in the desert. And she rubs her hands across like the, the corn and uh the plants there and you can mirror that with thanos when he's rubbing his you know gauntlet against like uh you know um the plants on that alien planet and what's crazy about that is like you know he wiped out 50 percent of life and she's fucking bringing more life into the universe in that scene that she's that she's involved in when she irrigates that farm in the desert and everything and so um, yeah, that's a great point about about them just kind of falling in love with what's going on. I mean, Kingo's obviously a character that's very much that way too. Oh yeah, he kind of just falls in love with the culture and becomes a part of it himself. Yeah, becomes a Bollywood you know actor and dancer and 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 yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you think we'll see them like cheering on when Steve picks up Mjolnir? They'll be like, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna, they're going to be in the theater just like everybody else. <laughs> they're going to re- record a commentary track for Endgame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, oh man, let me see here. Is there any? Th- oh yeah, there are a couple other big things that I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, the love triangle. There's going to be a love triangle between Cersei and Icarus and Dane Whitman, and so I, that's another character that I can see, kind of like you know, dividing the group is Icarus because losing fucking Kit Harrington always in the love triangle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think at the end of the, so I think, I I think the love triangle thing is going to be, is going to be interesting. And I think this is definitely going to be setting up the black Knight. Is the black Knight going to be a movie Jake, or do you think we'll get a Disney plus series of the black Knight? Feels more Disney plush ish to me. I would agree with that. Um, I do, do you guys think that there, we're going to see a battle with the Celestials or do you think that that's going to be for a bigger team event? Uh, and this movie is just going to be a battle with, uh, Crow and the Deviants. I think it's just going to be Crow and the Deviants and they're, they're, it's just, they don't have enough time to set up the Celestials and have their ultimate battle with them. I think that's further down the line is a big team event. I think, yeah, this is, is, do you think Celestials could be, do you think Celestials could be an Avengers movie? Do you think that they're as interesting as a Thanos at the end of the day though? I think we need to find that one key player Celestial. I think just as a big threatening group, it's kind of boring. Like it's Chitauri level boring. I think they have to step it up. Like we have to at least kind of be introduced to one key villainous celestial player. Yeah, I was guessing Ashamir, the judge, because he was one of the two celestials that had the right to basically destroy Earth if he wanted to. I think that's a perfect candidate. So I don't think I think. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. What do you think they're doing? Like, what do you think they're doing with when they do the uni? I'm, I almost said unibrow, but unimind. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they're doing that for? Just to fight the the deviants? Are they trying to stop the volcano? Is there like some big catalyst thing? that's going to cause them to do that? And what do you think that would be? Well, I think that we'll, we'll probably see them form the Unimind before... I think we'll see them perform the Unimind uh, a, a, a few different times in the movie, Jake. Okay. Maybe once we'll get to see, like, what it does and, like, how they take down an enemy with it. And then maybe the next time we see it, it'll be when Sprite wipes their memory, possibly. Okay, I could see it. I don't know. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about this uh, at the end, the end scene when they are talking about, uh, you know, um, Captain America. They did refer to him as Captain Rogers because they are aware because they've been watching just like us on Disney Plus. They've been watching. <laughs> they, they know that we've got a new Captain America, so they call him Captain Rogers. And they specifically say that he's gone. They don't say that he's dead. So, yeah, everybody, if you were, if anyone was wondering if, if Captain America's dead, he's not dead. He's just gone. He's gone. And even the Eternals know this. He's going to come back, Jake. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and then I showed this to you guys. I sent you guys some things that I wanted you to look at. When you're watching the trailer, it shows the movie release month, November. And then in big, you see November in big letters. And within the O, you see a double helix fi- figure that might be hinting, um, at Eternals and Deviants changing human DNA. And this might be the creation of the X-Men that we've been looking for. And um, you can also see the double helix on both sides of the screen when they show Makari reading her books at super fast speed. So you can see the double helix again there. Um, and so I would, if, if you're watching this movie, I would 100% be looking for Easter eggs contained in the Egyptian scenes. We know we're going to get Egyptian scenes in this movie. Look for Easter eggs for Ensabanur, also known as Apocalypse. I don't think we're going to get any X-Men in this movie, but I think that we are going to be getting the early fucking seeds, the Easter eggs for the X-Men in this movie. And I think we definitely could be getting some Easter eggs for Ensabanur here if we're going to Egypt. And so, I mean, this might be setting up Apocalypse later on down the road. And I'm talking way later down the road, guys. I'm oh, apocalypse done right. Praise Jesus. Yeah, I think they're show us Celine before we get apocalypse because we, everybody knows who apocalypse is, and Celine is the the oldest uh, mutant on Earth. Uh, so, if we're going back six thousand years, I will be. I won't be surprised if we actually get introduced to a character or just like a a little something or a nod to like how we get a Miles Morales nod in. Um, in Spider-Man, uh, I won't be surprised if we had like a Celine uh, call out or something because that's that is she's the oldest mutant and she like feeds off of your soul and everything to stay alive. So it'll be very interesting if they at least introduce that. When was that character introduced? I'm not familiar. I don't know. I only know about her because she's been brought back to be used and stuff for uh, X of Swords and other things in Hickman's new uh, X-Men okay. run. 
That's the only reason I even know that she exists because uh-huh. she was brought in as a straight point for something. Yeah, Her first I've, appearance was 1983. 1983. It's been around a while. Jake, I've always thought that Apocalypse was the oldest mutant. Yeah, I was thought Namor was the first mutant. Namor was the first mutant. Yeah, yeah. According to like what Hickman's saying, Apocalypse is the oldest version of the mutants we know now. Celine is the version that the Eternals create. So that, that's just Hickman changes. Hickman's the king of yeah. retcon. <laughs> right. That's just, that, but, that's Hickman yeah. retconning stuff. So yeah. Okay. I get. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd have no problem with that. As long as they're introducing like the earliest stages of a fucking mutant dude in this movie, if, if we're getting that tease, Jake, it's gotta happen. We've got to, I think, and I think it makes sense to just have Easter eggs at first, dude. Oh yeah, of, co- of course. Get people buzzing just with the, with the Easter eggs. Like don't make them so fucking hidden that no one sees them, but don't, you know, slap yourself in the face with them either. I, I, I hope they kind of do it really, you know, with a delicate touch. What, what else, what else does the double helix mean though? You know, there, there's, there's a reason they fucking put that shit in there. Yeah. 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 I, and I think they kind of try to pass it off as, being the same images that you know come from the ship, come from when they use their powers, come from when they do the Unimind. But I, I think that's a little bit of a trick of the eye. I think it's definitely some double helix action going there. Yeah, and like even when you watch the, even when you watch the Eternals, like the the logo when it starts to move and come together, mm-hmm. um, it's it's two sides of something, and it's those two sides coming together to form the letters. So it's like. Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit disorientating the first time I saw it because, like, both the sides are coming at each other, and it's like you're trying to pronounce this word that you can't even say, and it's like, oh, I see what's going on with this effect now. Right, it was one of the neater effects I thought with the with the title card. Yeah, they even ship a little bit. I felt, yeah. and then of course we did notice that in the in the trailer uh, we see in what uh, you know in Kingo's fucking like karaoke room or whatever it was, we did see the antique. Um, cap shield, the original shield hanging in the corner. And so, you know, you can say like, okay, well, isn't that shield in the Smithsonian? Well, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we actually heard from Sharon Carter that the art in museums is fake. Rich people secretly own the authentic works. Hmm. So I think that's kind of tying into... You know, Kingo probably actually owning the re- the real original Cap Shield, and the the one at the Smithsonian is probably a fake. That's cool. A little bit of a collector. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that goes back to them being fans, man. Some of yeah. them being fans. I really like that aspect of it of them just kind of fanboying out to just our mythology and our lore, and I, that that could be really fun for a few of the characters. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's guys. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot in this trailer. There's a lot in this trailer, and there's a lot about the Eternals that we don't know. And I, I, I was super down on the trailer, guys. I get it. But at the end of the day, Jake, I don't think that my reaction for this trailer is going to be like the end product. And I have full faith in the director Chloe Zhao that like she's going to make a beautiful movie here, dude. I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to love this, man. And I think this is one of, this is going to be one of those movies, Jake, when it comes out, dude, we're going to be able to, dude, we're going to be able to pick this thing apart for so many Easter eggs. I think this is going to probably be, be one of the most Easter egg laden movies that Marvel's ever put out. 
Yeah, it, it's perfect for that. Just because they're going to all these different historical points, like it's just so easy to lay in all these like subtle Easter eggs. I, I, it's definitely perfect for that. And I, I'm right there with you. I tossed this trailer as well. I, I think this is at the end of the day probably going to be a fantastic movie. I just, ugh, it, the trailer was just such a snore fest for me. I'm gl- and Melissa and Steve. I'm glad that you guys enjoyed this trailer, but. Um, and I, and I honestly think, and, and Jake, it's not like at the end of the day, we were wrong, dude. I, we, we're just, we're just giving our trailer rating, man. That's it. We're not giving a movie rating. No, I fully expect this to be a Tupperware movie. I do too. I really do. I, I really do. And I think my full expectation of that is kind of what makes me toss the trailer. It's like I know they have the potential to give us two minutes of a lot more than this right. without just straight up spoiling the movie. Dude, even fucking Ant-Man, I was just like, dude, okay, guy, guys, big dude, the small guy now, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but like at the end of it – What? What? I love that line in Civil War. I can't remember who says it when Ant-Man becomes like huge and they're just like, he's big now. (laughs) It's like, it's like we get what Ant-Man's about, but man, I don't think that this movie, and I get it, man. I get it. Like Kevin Feige and these Marvel movies have proved themselves and they can hold back all they want to, but man, they really held back on this one. In my opinion, I think that that, but Melissa, you brought up some great points earlier. Like, how do you showcase ten fucking characters in a movie? <laughs> it's a lot of characters. Well, and then when you were saying the thing about how uh, uh, in one of the comic storylines, Thena falls in love with the Deviant King, and we might see him in the movie. Yeah. And it's like, is that a character? Do we get to know this person too? Like, are the Deviants? If the Eternals are going to be characters going forward. It would be way more interesting to me if the Deviants were actual characters going forward, but I'm yeah. like, where's the room for them? Well, here's the thing. It's like, even in the, and, and that's what worries me about this as well. Cause like, even in the comics, like the, like the Deviants and the Eternals find out that they're not so different. And they like, like, you know, they kind of like, you know, in some of the comics, they reconcile and shit like that. And that's, that just like, that's, that just, that is more of Captain Marvel with the scrolls, right? Yeah, yeah. I get what you're thing. saying, but at the same time, my ears perked up because I love enemies to lovers. So I'm like, <laughs> all the Eternals should date deviants now. <laughs> oh, I heard a rumor that Fina adopts 13 deviant children. <laughs> <laughs> that is a beautiful tie-in to Angelina Jolie's real life, Jake. Uh, yes, that was the, <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> I get it, Jake. No, I was explaining it for the listeners that don't get it. Because I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so, you know, so that's the Eternals. You can't have 13 because then we have to have 13 more characters in this movie. So she needs to cut them kids like in half. Cheaper by the dozen. Whoa. Not <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that's not what I meant. She does use, she does use a staff, Jake. She could definitely cut them in half. Let the, what were you going to say there, Steve? I don't know which half is she keeping, but the, the joke's over. The the probably the half that doesn't poop, right? Yeah, the, the head half. half that talks. <laughs> oh god! Not anymore. I'm about I'm about ready to cut this episode in half, and that means like this whole first part goes <laughs> out the window. <laughs> I thought it meant you were kicking Steve and I out. Yeah, well, I thought it was just me. 
No, actually, me and Jake, me, me and Jake are gonna leave. I'm gonna let you two finish. <laughs> I love All right, it. Steve and I are getting drunk. <laughs> We're just gonna see what happens. <laughs> Guys, that's the Eternals trailer. We're gonna come right back. We got good pop, bad pop. back to the show <laughs> here we go again here we go again with this bullshit all right let's see here oh jake have you heard the anti-rick roll no yeah uh never gonna give you up uh there's an anti-rick roll out and uh he gives you up he does all the things that he's never gonna do in the original song you gotta listen to this dude it's fucking amazing <laughs> oh, that, that sounds like a hilarious edit here we go What a great song, am I right? Oh, all time. <laughs> it's unfortunate what's become of it. This is turning my world upside down. I don't. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Fuck. He's gonna do all the things that he he wasn't gonna do, Jay. What a fucking liar! I believe him all this time. <laughs> Rick Asshat is more like it, right? Yeah, fucking a Rick Fuck ass. Shit. <laughs> Rick asshole. Jesus. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, Rick Astley gonna. It's called. It's called gonna give you up. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So cold. <laughs> All right, good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, you heard our rating system earlier. I'm not going to replay that shit, guys. Um, let's see. <laughs> let's see here. I uh, went to the theater again. This is my Friday ritual, and I, I saw Fast Five for the first time. Awesome. This is uh, Dominic, Dominic Toretto, and his crew of street racers plan a massive heist to buy their freedom while in the sights of a powerful Brazilian drug lord and a dangerous federal agent. And, uh, yeah, this movie... Uh, everybody came back. It like, er, Jesus Christ, Jake. It was like, I felt like this was like the Avengers of the Fast and Furious world. 
Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. Dude, fuck it. Tyrese comes back, dude. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see him, and it's kind of legendary, like the, the fights him and uh, the Rock had on set. Uh, Tyrese came back. Gal Gadot was back on this one. Han came back. Fucking Vince came back from the original movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Fast Five feels like what you have been waiting for when you do what we did and go back to the Fast and Furious and rewatch all of them because everybody knows what type of franchise it is now, but it didn't start that way. So once you get to this movie, you're like, oh, I see it. It's like it was a rocky setup. They didn't exactly know what characters, but once you get to five, they're like, here's our favorite children. Here's the rock. It's going to be insane <laughs> from it, here on out. Oh, my God. It was. It was fucking – here's the thing. I love the movie, Jake. I thought it – like, honestly, like, it had one of the coolest action scenes at the end with that fucking vault that they are pulling through the streets, and it is fucking wrecking shit. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. That the is, sound on that is just crazy. <laughs> Dude, it turned into, like, an Ocean's Eleven heist film at the end. And I was just like, I'm, I am so – I'm down for this, man. And it was cool. Um there is a part of me, though, and they I guess they tried to appease those fans. There is a part of me that missed the racing, though. There's mm-hmm. a, you know what I mean? Like, I like those, the, mm-hmm. and, like, they're not doing anything that they didn't do in the first movie. Like, this has always been a part of Fast and Furious, these heists. Like, they, like, Dom was doing this shit in the first movie, but we didn't really get to see a lot of that. You know, it wasn't the main part of the story. We got to see more of the street racing. And I did, I love the street racing. I'm a big fan of the street racing. And so I really loved one and three for the street racing. And they kind of took a, the street racing really took a backseat in this movie. We got to see a little bit of it when they were fucking like hijacked those police cars and they were fucking racing each other in the police cars. And that was fun. But I did miss the street racing, but the movie totally made up for the lack of street racing with that fucking scene at the end where they are just barreling down the road with that fucking vault and just just, just destroying shit. And I had a blast with that action scene. That is one of the coolest action scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It was very, very fucking cool. So I'll Tupperware Fast Five. I really fucking dug it. Melissa, I know you've been going through the same. Have you seen these movies before? Um, I think I am in the same boat as you in which I had seen the first three around the time that they came out. And then I hadn't seen any since then. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, like, right now, I think the first one is still my favorite. And then this one. Okay. Um, Two and four are kind of boring. And Tokyo Drift is fun, but, like, it's bad. Oh, I know it's fun. I love I love Tokyo Drift. I like there's something about the the those drifting cars, the way that they were racing those. It was so cool. Yeah, all that stuff is really, really and cool in that movie. It was based in Tokyo, which I think I, Tokyo is incredible. Ugh, I agree, but it's like it is not Tokyo natives who are the leads of this movie, which is kind of fine, but also 
There is no universe in which that man is in high school. And I couldn't get over it the whole movie. <laughs> and then they come back and they say, oh, the timeline's actually different. This is in the future. Da, da, da. And I'm like, then get these girls out of these skirts. I mean, come on. Well, you didn't see you didn't. Of course, then you didn't grow up watching <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210 because none of those oh, actors no, were in high school except oh, for I know, except for I know. Uh, Kelly. Uh, but uh, fucking Gabrielle Carteris who played Andrea was Andrea Zuckerman was 29 when she was playing <laughs> that part. I just don't understand God. why the character in Tokyo Drift needed to be a high schooler. Um, if he's going to look, but, that it had, old. but hold on, Melissa, it had fast cars drifting, yo. It had very fast cars <laughs> drifting. Can I, we, can we not give it, can we, Hey, it had yo, DK. Drift King. Yeah, can we not have? Uh, can we not give Tokyo Drift? Can we not give it a pass? Because it had. Cool... I said I liked it. All right, no, but you had all these like little nitpicks and complaints and shit. I feel like I have to. Yeah, that's true. I do. It's a, it's in the middle of the pack for me as far as how much I like these movies with the asterisks that that man is not in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither was, neither was Luke. Neither was Luke Perry. He was fucking twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I, I do. He had a, Luke Perry had a fucking receding hairline in high school. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. I, I do agree with Melissa that it's it's made worse by the fact that later on you find out this is in the future. Like it, it just makes the whole like you can buy it in part three, but then once they like add it onto these other like timeline events, it's like okay, that's ridiculous. Well, but then in the grand yeah. scheme of like how they built this franchise, I kind of like it too because there is no rules over at Fast and Furious franchise headquarters. <laughs> no, <not> yeah. <laughs> I love these movies also because there's like this running uh, theme of like Dom can just turn cops to the bad side with the force of his friendship. <laughs> Everybody, dude, I want to be friends with him. I know, me too. I don't even like Vin Diesel that much, but man, when he shows up at the end of Tokyo Drift, I was like running around oh, my living room. <laughs> I've already fucking, I've got it planned out. I've already, I'm getting a tattoo of Dom on my shin and I'm calling it Shin Diesel. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I've already got it all planned out, dude. I'm getting, a, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a Dominic Toretto tattoo on my shin. Shin Diesel. It's going down. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I'm loving these movies. I can't wait for. Uh, it, it, they just call it Fast and Furious Six. Is that what the next one is? Uh, it gets so confusing with the names. Uh, Seven's Furious Seven. Is Six just Fast Six? I think it's fast. It, it, it's like it's Furious Six or Fast Six. It's one of the two. It's something. Seven's like. the one where it goes to Furious. I, I know that. Then maybe. Uh, oh, this is also number five. Is the one where Dom makes the empty promise of taking care of Vince's kid. Because <laughs> I did the oh, last year for Hobbs and Shaw. Well, he gave a bunch of money to the mom. He True. did. But by the end of the movie, he's like, you know, this kid's going to be out. Like, he's going to be. It was almost like this kid's going to show up again somehow. But like, this is never brought up again. Like, it's been like, you know, so many years later. Like, where's this empty promise? Maybe that's who John Cena is. (laughs) That's his brother. Fast and Furious Six apparently is just called Fast and Furious Six. Yeah, Brian was right. And then Seven is Furious Seven. And eight, and eight is Fate of the Furious. Is that correct? Yeah, eight. They give up on numbers altogether. Oh, I guess Fate is supposed to be like eight. Yes. 
That's fucking, that's almost like Dom came up with the fucking title himself, dude. Yeah, the titles are the worst part of the franchise. No, I love the fact that it sounds like Dom came up with the title because I love Dom. <laughs> I'm so fucking, I'm so pro Dom. Like, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not into subbing at all? Dude, I, fuck. Oh my God. I am so all about him in these movies. Oh, God, this is my favorite franchises. But even I'll even I'll say like you know we could we sh- you can stop at seven. There's no reason we had to go anywhere past that. Uh, I thought eight was better than seven. How dare you, sir? Yeah. Now that we're in this, now that we're in this era of the franchise, like five and beyond, like why ever stop? Because they're not grounded in reality anymore. So who cares? Keep going. Just keep going. I, I'm, I'm a huge Brian fan. Oh yeah! Oh, I got bad. I can't believe that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's what's the knock on the name Brian? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the knock. There's no knock on the name Brian. It's just like it. Every time he says that's what his name is, I'm like, you don't seem like Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the only Brian I know is a complete asshole. <laughs> well, no. Well, I kind of think he's an asshole, but that's just because he's like a he. I, I struggle with his character because he just like. Is he ha- he has very confused loyalties, and I'm like, I get that he's a cop, and I don't want people to be loyal to cops, so like, whatever. But he goes back, he goes back and forth a lot with it. And have you ever seen Point Break? No. Okay. Uh, this is a, I, I feel Fast and the Furious. The first one's a huge. Oh, that's what I said after I watched it again. Yeah. I was like, I remember when I watched it the first time. It's 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 fucking Point Break with cars. Yeah, I heard that like it's Fast and Furious. I've seen like you know since like for years, but like I I saw Point Break a few years ago, and I kept hearing about the whole um, uh, the what's it called the uh, comparison. And when I finally saw Point Break, I was like, oh, I get it now. And Point Break is so good, man. Oh, so I love uh, Point Break is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I love Point Break, Jake. I've been- only seen the 2015 version. Shut up. You're a liar. No, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I call bullshit. Um, Jake, I know that you've been uh, watching. Uh, I just found this out. You've been watching Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, my it was, God. It, it was one of those things that I, I've always been huge fans of of this cast, and I just had never gotten around to watching this show. Brian's hyped it every season it's been on, like while we've done this podcast. And I just never got around to it. It wasn't the most accessible thing to watch the first couple seasons either. So that kind of worked against its favor. But yeah, I, I'm a huge Catherine O'Hara fan. I'm a huge Eugene Levy fan. So I just kind of knew eventually I would get around to oh, it. Chris Elliott. Oh yeah. I didn't even know he was in the show. Watching <laughs> it. Oh, I love, dude, I need to do a cabin boy rewatch. I was oh like, God. if he says everybody loves Raymond, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> yeah, what an amazing show, though. I mean, Tupperware all around. Um, Moira is definitely my favorite character by mm-hmm. by far. She just cracks me the fuck up. I think the best scene in the whole series is her wine commercial taping scene, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, abs- absolutely hilarious. I actually saw a hilarious clip this week where um, Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, mimicked the the wine commercial scene and does her own version of it and she just nails like moira's like pronunciations and the way she acts and all that stuff and i don't know it's it's a great show it's nice to see an actual character arcs happen on sitcoms i know that's more common these days than it was like back in the 80s and 90s but i mean these characters kind of start as 
despicable assholes. And then, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of it, you're just kind of in love with them to the point where, you know, you get kind of emotionally invested in the arcs that they go through. Yeah. And you, you almost don't even see that being possible in the first season. Yeah. Like, uh, they're just kind of basically despicable in that first season. The David- yeah, if you would have told me that I would be sobbing through a making of documentary at the end of this after I watched the pilot, I would not have believed you. And yet it happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, the David and Patrick relationship is, like... My still, like, I think, like, that, like, as far as, like, sitcom relationships, I think it's my favorite. I think it's that, and then it's Sam and Diane and Cheers, and then maybe Niles and Daphne in, in Fraser. Yeah, that's fantastic. David is just absolutely hilarious. Like, oh, he's yeah. just so snooty. And, like, and like I said, like, he's kind of a despicable character when you start, but by the end of it, you're just in love with him. You love him. Yeah. I started, um, so I'm glad, I'm glad you finished it. I'm so glad that you watched Shit's Creek finally, Jake. Thank you for watching that. I'm so glad that you watched it. Yeah, it's, I immediately just wanted to watch it again, honestly. <laughs> it's such a good, like, bedtime show if you do that. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I I can't wait. Like it's, you know, hard to find time to watch that much TV, but it's definitely within the next year I think I'm just going to go through it again. Steve, do you watch Solar Opposites? Yeah. Did you I, I'm I've started Solar Opposites season 2. Did you finish it? Yeah, I'm all I'm all caught up. You're all I'm caught up. I've, I've I'm through four episodes of Solar Opposites season two. I'm really enjoying it. Um, do you think we're gonna get a Solar Opposites season three after the Thomas uh, Middle Ditch kind of? I feel like it's much easier to do so because it's animation. It's just a voice actor. So. Do you think that they could just like get rid of the character of Terry and bring in somebody completely new? I mean, I could I could see them bringing over. Not necessarily an alternate reality, Terry, but maybe just an alternate version or something. Like they grow out of their own lab sort of thing because you're, you're how far? In, yeah, so like how in season – or even like in season one when they create that um, that little dude or whatever at the end of season one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that so you bring in a new voice actor for Terry. And it's like the same person, just a different voice. Wouldn't it be crazy if they brought in Ben Schwartz? Hmm. That would did, be funny. You know, well, they, I mean, I love Ben Schwartz. Well, they did Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix, that, that comedy. Yeah, I guess we'll find out how, uh, loyal Schwartz is to his friend if uh, he's gonna take his character. He's not very loyal, uh, right now because he far, he, like, if you go to his Twitter, he's fucking taken Thomas, uh, he's taken Middle Ditch and Schwartz off of the list of credits on Twitter. And it was there. Oh, wow. I'm disappointed because I had Middle Ditch and Schwartz on my list because I, fucking love Ben Schwartz, but then that Thomas Middleditch stuff came out, and I'm like, all right, missed the boat on that one. I'm like, I'll never see Man from Uncle now. <laughs> oh, man. I Yeah, that Middleditch and Schwartz fucking act was fucking brilliant. It really was good. And uh, Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And the, it just sucks that, because I love Solar Opposites so much that I don't, I hate it when, like, something I love has, like, somebody that's, like, controversial involved in it, because then, like, mm-hmm. you don't know the future of the series and it's like yeah middle ditch you kind of fucked this up for not you fucked up your life number one but number two like you kind of fucked it up for everybody that's involved in this show that has jobs on the show the mm-hmm. animators uh justin roiland everybody who's involved in this show you kind of fucked it up for them and so i i don't want to see like one guy kind of like just like fuck up a whole show for everybody which is kind of like why 
like, you know, like when the whole like Roseanne thing happened and they kept the show going with the Connors, like I was kind of like, yeah, that's a fucking win. That's a fucking win because like not everybody has to lose their fucking job because everybody else mm-hmm. put so much goddamn time into this fucking series. It's a goddamn shame that like everybody else has to lose their fucking job and be out of a job now because like one person does something fucking stupid. So I'm really hoping that Solar Opposite season three uh, has. Do you guys know if it has it been greenlit? Oh, oh, it is. It's been renewed already. Interesting. He's not attached, according to IMDb. So I'm not surprised. And there's also suppose um, uh, there's something else that might actually. I don't. I don't want to spoil something for you. But, okay. Uh, yet, but um, they might also have something else besides season three, uh, cooking for Hulu. But yeah, who I'm 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 sure they'll just re they'll hire someone that sounds like him, and they might not even say anything. Okay. In the, in the, my, not even uh, like point pointed out. They might just have some guy that sounds just like him and just move on with it. Yeah, they could replace him with T.J. Miller. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be great. That'd be good. Boy, the Silicon Valley cast, right? Like seventy percent of them are basically like giant newsbags. <laughs> Looking like it. Oh man, yeah, I'm digging the second season, dude. I love the whole fucking like uh, the community, like the, like like the. the there's Jake. They've got, they've got like we talked about ant farms earlier. Uh, one of the aliens in Solar Opposites uh, shrinks human beings and puts them in like this ant farm kind, and and <laughs> just watches like their whole like lives play out. And so basically, just finds a bunch of like this alien finds a bunch of people. Like if you if you're at a coffee shop or if you're out at a store or something like that, if, if a human's acting like an asshole, they just shrink them and put them in this like ant farm that they have in their home and then they just watch these people play out like their new life in this ant farm this that they've created remember the band alien ant farm jake yeah they they famously did that michael jackson cover yeah annie are you okay are you okay annie and it was really fucking good i didn't know that that was a cover for like five years oh my god I was addicted to Moonwalker as a kid, so I you couldn't have got that one past me. Ah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ah, uh, but uh yeah, the whole second season there's like this uh there's a serial killer in <laughs> inside this this human ant farm, Jake, and it's a really Is he still killing in the ant farm? In the ant farm, yeah. And it's really oh it, God. it's a, like a whole like and they and they try to they play it for jokes, but they also play it like you're watching like Mayor of Easttown or something. You know what I mean? Like they, it's I like love it. it's serious, dude. And it's really it's a really fucking great show, dude. It's uh from the the Rick and Morty creators and it's on Hulu, Solar Opposites. And uh, I love it. Crime Scene Kitchen. Did you guys watch the first episode of the new uh, cooking game show, Crime Scene Kitchen, hosted by one Joel McHale. I did watch I, this. I did not get a chance to. I, I'm very, very jealous. Steve, did you watch Crime Scene Kitchen? No, I did not have time. Melissa, a culinary guessing game in which bakers must decode what type of dessert was made. When all that's left are few, a few clues, they have to recreate the recipe, and the jury will determine how closely it matches the missing dessert. And, uh, so yeah, basically you've got, uh, I think it's like six teams or something, um, pairs, six pairs of teams and, uh, they walk into a kitchen and 
there are clues and then there's other clues that that actually aren't clues like it's supposed to trick them and shit like that so like you'll look inside of a refrigerator and you'll see like a package of of raspberries and like the raspberries might not be opened and so some of these people are taking this as a clue and they're incorporating raspberries into their fucking dessert that they're making and then they find out that well the package was unopened you fucked up dipshit way to go you fucking lost and so, so, but you go around, they look, they look at like the, the aftermath of like somebody making something in the kitchen, a, a dessert in the kitchen, and they have to put these clues together to, to, to try to recreate what they believe that the original pastry chefs made. And it's really, I'm having, I had a fucking blast with this show. And some of the people you can tell are very skilled at what they do. And some are just kind of like, I would say not novices, but they're just not, they're not like master, uh, bakers. Um, but, uh, I was super impressed with the couple and they didn't even end up winning in the first episode, but the couple that made that farmer's market ca- carrot cake. And the they, Vegas people <laughs> with the barrel that they like, I couldn't believe it. it. I know they like didn't win because they were too good at making. Desserts. Right. They like over. Achieved. They went for extra credit when there wasn't extra credit being offered. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love this show though. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I had a blast. I thought Joel McHale was really, really good in this. And like, you know, I guess I'll compare this, I guess, with like the Lego show that Will Arnett did. For as much as I love Will Arnett and much as I love like his interactions with the people in the Lego show, I only watched that for about three episodes and dropped off. This is something that I think I could actually watch every week. I, I like who they've cast here as like our bakers that we're watching every week. And and I, I like the whole premise of like these people trying to guess like, what is this dessert? You know, and like, you'll have people that, uh, that, you know, they think they're making the right thing and like, and then all of a sudden they find out that it's a completely different dessert or you'll find out that they hit it on the, on the mark, but they fucking, they fuck their dessert up. It, it's shitty. So, um, I'm really dig, I'll give it a Tupperware. I loved it, Melissa. I don't know if you watch this kind of shit. What did you think about I- this? Yeah, so I normally don't watch any reality TV. Not that I, like, am judging it or I don't think it's worthwhile. It's just, like, if I'm going to sit down and watch TV, I want drama and, like, scripted, directed, you know, storytelling. So this was, like, something so different for me. I know you love Joe McHale, so I was, like... I have to watch this because I knew that this wasn't going to be something that like you put on the list and then didn't watch. And then I knew that you were going to really like it. And so I wanted to have seen it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I felt like Joel McHale fits perfectly into the show. Like he will look at the camera and say like little comments where I'm like, that's really fucking funny. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, and he's like kind of snarky. I mean, he literally is just doing the Joel McHale thing, just like on this cooking show. Um, the guessing of the desserts is super unique. That's like a way better shtick to me than some of the other stuff, like run through the grocery store and collect shit or hear surprise ingredients. Like I think guess the dessert and hope you're right is adds way more tension. And it's cool too, because it's like, in the first round, everybody guessed the everybody guessed a different dessert basically. So it's like 
anybody have the chance to win and you would get the advantage if you get if you guessed correctly, which I thought that was really interesting. By the second round, people are kind of learning how to play this game, yeah. which I think is like really fun to watch because as I'm watching it, I'm thinking about how I would do these things. And so when I see somebody implement a change I personally would have made and then be rewarded for it. I'm like, yes, I could do this. <laughs> Even though I don't know like the names of any of these desserts. And like I, in one of the rounds I had been like, I think that, you know, group X got it correct. And I'm all in with them and they ended up being wrong. So I felt like I was losing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You start to, you start to like, they convince you that they're making the right dessert, right? You know? Yeah, And I'm like, I'm all in. I got money on you. You are a genius. You are a detective. You have never made any bad choices. And then the judges are like, Oh, wrong dessert. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. <"That's me." laughs> but yeah, it was really fun. I had it on while I worked. Um, and it was like, it was perfect for that. It was, it was fun characters. It was delicious looking desserts. Um, I like in these shows when mishaps happen and you can like kind of watch people deal with that. Like, um, the two women who were in the military, they, they did the first spoilers, I guess, but like their first round was like really bad. And when they're doing their little talking head interview, they're basically like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> It was not great. We did not do good. We need to figure it out. And I, I really liked that too. Yeah. Give, this show gives people a lot of opportunities to like figure it out and I love the, go they, forward. Jake, they've got really good guest judges too. Um, and I think, I don't know if they're just guest judges. I think that these might be the judges going forward with Joel McHale every episode. They got Curtis Stone and you'll remember him from Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big Top Chef guy, too, and he's been on there a few times. Oh, yeah, he's been on Top Chef. I, I think I like Curtis Stone quite a bit, so it was good seeing him on this. So I love – I Tupperware it. I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I will watch this week to week, and you can watch it. it. It premieres on Fox, but then you can watch it the next day on Hulu, which is which is really cool. So I'll be watching this on Hulu every week, I think. Can I ask yeah, a question it, about this? Yeah. Yeah? Is it um, – is every episode – all new contestants or is it like a continuation? It's a, con it's a continuation. It's a continuation, but, but they did say that next week they're bringing in six new teams. Okay. Oh. So it's kind of like a, a elimination. Eventually the right. beat those six teams down with the other original six teams. And yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have six new teams come in, I believe the next week. And then I think they're just going to combine everybody. You know, into like a uh, like a championship round or something. Okay, so they're not. No one's won the prize yet. No, I, no, I've, no, no. I've seen the ad, and it's like, oh, it went a hundred thousand dollars. That's not every episode. No, it's no, it's like a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the tournament. Okay, yeah, I, I'm super intrigued by this show. I love Joel McHale. I love reality shows. I love it, especially when they're competitions. I'm big into all the cooking ones, so mm -hmm. yeah, I'll definitely be checking this out. Yeah. Oh God, I haven't watched Top Chef in years, but I used to watch that for like three or four seasons, and I loved it. It was really good. This current season is a season we're jumping onto. There's only been about five episodes so far. It's uh -huh. Top Chef Portland. It's been it's been a fantastic season. Yeah. Uh, I did watch, uh, the first part of the knockout, the, uh, uh, Mike Tyson, the knockout, and it's on, uh, ABC. It premieres on ABC, but then you can watch it the next day on Hulu. And it's a, uh, two part television documentary series about the life of boxing legend, Mike Tyson. And, um, I think that this is a pretty goddamn thorough, 
look at his life and uh, goes back to him as a child and talks about, you know, like his first fight in the streets, man, where fucking there was a, you know, he used to take care of pigeons and shit. He came, his mom was uh, an alcoholic and, 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 you know, drug addict and everything. And his escape was taking care of pigeons. Like that was a thing in Brooklyn that people did. They took care of pigeons. And like, um, one of the kids that was picking on him, uh, fucking took a pigeon and ripped the head off of one of his pigeons. And Michael, Mike Tyson went nuts and fucking got on this kid. He's like just a little kid gets a much bigger kid and just beats the shit out of him. And, um, that was like his first fight. And it goes into how he started to get into boxing, how he met, uh, you know, cuz and how cuz trained him. And then it gets into like his marriage, like his, like just how dominant he fucking was in boxing. And, um, then it gets into like the interview when he gets married to Robin Givens and the interview with Barbara Walters that went fucking crazy, Jake. I don't know if you remember that, but, um, she basically, I don't, well, their marriage, like he's talking about, you know, like how they, you know, they have arguments and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, like, it was just supposed to be an interview with Mike Tyson with, with, with Barbara Walters. And it was supposed to be an interview where Mike Tyson kind of like, makes his image look better to the American public because things have been coming out about him and his marriage with, with Robin, that they, they've been fighting, that he'd maybe had been hitting her and stuff like that. And he said that he'd never, you know, he's talking to Barbara and he's like, I've never hit her. I may have like, you know, we, I've may have shaked her a couple times and we've, we've, you know, we've, we've had our differences and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, dude, they did not plan for this, but Robin Gibbons is there watching this whole thing. And she's like, I got to step in here and, and, you know, I got to step in here and tell the truth and get the story straight. And Barbara starts to interview Robin and Mike's just sitting there watching this interview go down. And she's like, the fights get out of control. He's got a temper. He throws things. He has hit me. And you can just see Mike just fucking like this look in his eyes. Like he is just like, he can't move. He can't say anything. You can see his chest just fucking getting ready to, he's like breathing heavily. He's like freaking, there's nothing he can do. And he's, and at one point he's just like, yeah, he's like, this is the point where everybody wants to see Mike Tyson freak out on camera. He's like, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you. So he like remains calm. Yeah. It's come out years later that they both fucking were abusive to each other. She was abusive to him. He was abusive to her. He's admitted that he hit her. And, um, I mean, these are, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a really good documentary though, Jake. I mean, you really get to see like why he is the way that he is, but you get to see like this. It's a weird thing, man. It's hard when, when somebody comes from like this upbringing that he came through. And, um, you get to see like, uh, there's a part where he's going to fight in the Olympics and he's been this dominant fighter and he's going to go to the Olympics. He's going to fight for the USA and, it, and they're filming everything. And he's talking to like one of his trainers and he's crying like this big dude, man, he's like fucking like 19, 20 years old and Mike Tyson's crying. And he's like, everybody knows me as Mike Tyson. Now they love me. What if I lose and people don't like me and he's crying. And, um, 
it's a story about, man, it's a story about a guy who just fucking had way too much success, way too much money. There are vultures swarming like Don King wanting to jump in and get and be a part of this. Cuz died. One of his fucking handlers died, his management. And then Don King swooped in. And, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole Robin Givens thing, I mean, I, a lot of it, I feel like, I feel like a lot that it was just a toxic relationship between those two. I think that, you know, she may, she may have married him for the wrong reasons. And, um, but you know, I, I can't speak to that. I don't know. And then it ends on the Buster Douglas fight. And it's a two-parter, right? There's one more episode. There's one more episode after this. It ends on the Buster Douglas fight, which I was fucking, it was 1990. And I, and I believe you were watching it too, Jake. We were both watching it live back in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched almost every Tyson fight live. My, um, yeah. my family was super into it. So I was just always there for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. He had that deal worked out with HBO and all the fights were on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that as well. My, my aunt lived with us and she worked for the cable company. So we had all, if it was pay-per-view, we got it. If it was on HBO, we got it. Mm-hmm. You know, all the showtime. So yeah, we, we were a big boxing family when I was growing up, like for the first like 15 years of my life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This I'm... is the one that Tyson kind of rallied against, right? No, 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 no. There's, uh, this is the documentary. There's a, uh, there's a, uh, another Hulu series that's going to be, um, I think it's an eight part biopic series and we're going to talk about that one later so there's this is the documentary there's the eight-part docuseries like a biopic that's going to come out and then there's the jamie fox thing okay yeah easy to get confused so much tyson material right now Mm -hmm. yeah and then there's the chicken when you go to the store there's the tyson chicken Oh yeah, that doesn't really taste like chicken. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Blue Miracle. Who watched Blue Miracle? I give the knockout. I give it a Tupperware. It's fucking fascinating. Like even if you don't give a fuck about boxing, just why? Like, and that's the thing. I always talk about this. I talk about like if you don't care about basketball, watch The Last Dance. Melissa, I think if you watch The Last Dance, I think you'd get into it. I really do. I think I would too. I um. I don't keep up with basketball. Well, I do in phases, kind of. Like, when I was graduating from college my first couple years, like, living on my own, I was really into Bulls basketball because I could just go to a bar when a game was on and there would be friends. And so that was really fun. Um, But, yeah, I I don't have, like, real memories of the 90s Bulls teams, but I have, like – stories of memories from when I was really small. My dad's a huge basketball fan. So yeah. Yeah. I like, honestly watch, I think anybody could watch the last dance and get into it. Honestly, I think anybody could watch Mike Tyson, the knockout and fucking get into it. You could watch any fucking Muhammad Ali documentary and get into it. You don't have to care about boxing. You don't have to care about the sport. Um, I'm not a big football guy, but man, I watch football movies all fucking day. This next movie, I'm not into fucking fish, fly fishing. But I watched Blue Miracle. <laughs> Blue Miracle. And I it, watched Blue Miracle. It is not the story of the making of Viagra. That's what I thought it was, Jay. <laughs> I thought this was about the... Easy mistake. Easy mistake. I thought this was about the blue pill that makes your dick hard. <laughs> 
and it has nothing to do with the creation of Viagra. It does have to do, it's uh, to save their cash-strapped orphanage. It's based, it's inspired by a true story. To save their cash-strapped orphanage, a guardian and his kids partner with a washed-up boat captain for a chance to win a lucrative fishing competition. It's directed by Julia Quintana from a screenplay by Quintana and Chris Dowling. The film stars Dennis Quaid, Raymond Cruz, Anthony Gonzalez, Jimmy Gonzalez, Dana Wheeler-Nicholson, Fernanda Urelhola, and Bruce McGill. And, uh, hey, Steve, did you get a chance to see Blue Miracle? No, I did not get a chance to. Melissa, we both watched Blue Miracle. You got uh, Dennis Quaid here in this movie. I'm not familiar with anybody else really in this one. Jimmy Gonzalez plays uh, Papa Omar. I'm not really familiar with him. I thought he was really good. This, it's just, it's, it's, it's based on a true story. I think it's just like a, it's like one of those movies that has like, you know, um, a guy who's got a past and, and he's got some issues that he's working out. But, you know, later on in life, he started this orphanage and now the orphanage doesn't have enough money. He's $117,000 in debt and they get this opportunity to join this black and blue competition, which is the, this this fishing competition where if you can reel in the biggest marlin, you can win. Uh, is it like a million dollar purse? And so um, it's based on a true story, and at the end, they show the pictures of the real kids and the real guy. I found it interesting, Melissa, that they didn't show pictures of the real captain. Was that captain story completely fabricated? Yeah. Actually, I thought that they did show pictures. Oh, no, they didn't. I was thinking of the guy who they showed, like, laying on the boat after he reels in the fish. Um, but that's not the captain. Uh, yeah, you're right. They don't show him. Maybe he... Uh... I feel like, I feel it's like, problematic. yeah, well, I mean, I have no problem. Like you can, you, they, 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 these fucking, these fucking based on a true story things, like they'll, they'll hit the notes, but they'll embellish shit. And it happens in a lot of movies, like the fucking Rudy movie, the whole Jersey scene never fucking happened. We found that out later. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, last week, Jake, I talked about Rocky Dennis and, and, and that mask movie, like half of that shit didn't even happen. There wasn't a romance involved in that guy's real life and i don't even think that guy fucking graduated high school if you i think he died when he's like 16 and he never graduated high school so yeah, they, that would be bad for the movie though to to have him be a high school dropout yes well he died during uh, high school he didn't he dropped out because he died jake <laughs> no excuse well stay in school kids <laughs> <laughs> Death is not an excuse. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Get that education. <laughs> you are so out of touch. I'm heartless. <laughs> out of touch. He, he, Jake's like, he should have doubled up on classes before he fucking died. Yeah, uh, he yeah. knew he was sick. He what would have that diploma done for him, Jake? He's, he's, he's still gonna die. Look good in an obituary. <laughs> Jake's just Jake's just thinking about the obits. 
<laughs> oh man, maybe this guy, the the captain, just didn't sign a release for them to use his photos or something. I mean, that that's always a possibility. Too. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. like he does some like fucked up shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the worst, but you would eventually find out his, of course, like traumatic backstory. And once it got down to it, I was like actually pretty kind of surprised by his backstory. But I could also see why he wouldn't maybe want to say like this is a hundred percent factual and true what I did. Yeah, <laughs> this it, it's a, it's like a feel good kid story, you know. It's almost it is just this side of being like a secret Jesus movie, you know, when you watch a movie and then halfway through you realize they're about to start like singing about God and like the moral of the story is going to be like Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? That was this almost the whole time I was just waiting for it to go full Jesus movie and it never really did, <laughs> which I'm proud of it for that. Never go full Jesus. <laughs> what? So like when they pull the Marlin on the boat, they're gonna like there's gonna be multiple Marlins and they're gonna feed the masses? I mean, yeah. <laughs> there there was a lot, a lot about praying and they there's physical representations of prayers in this movie. Like there's one little kid who is the cutest freaking kid. Oh, and they crucify him. Yeah, I can see what you're saying now. I get it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Melissa and her anti-Jesus rant may be my favorite thing in PCL history. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, hi, I'm coming, even though you said no kids allowed because God told me to. And they're like, okay. <laughs> we really need to stick to the no politics, no religion thing on this show, Jake. That really- I didn't yeah, yeah we, we're learning why real quick. Yeah, <laughs> we really need to stick to that, people. We All can right. read between the lines, Melissa. Yeah. unless we're talking about the south park jesus sketch i think that's where we need to stop (laughs) i like i like this movie i thought it was a cute little fucking kids kids feel good movie you know but it's it's it doesn't do anything that i haven't seen in any other movie you know so i'll give it it's fun to watch yeah i'll give it i'll I'll give it i'll be generous i'll give it a high taste i did enjoy it though me too. Um, there's a scene that I like legitimately really love, um, where there's a storm coming and so they're all huddled in one of the rooms and the kids are kind of, uh, roasting each other a little bit and they're giving the cute little kid shit for being scared and the mom is like so serious and she's just like, hey, it's okay to be scared. And I'm like, you know what? It is okay to be scared and more people should say it. And I'm happy that that was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! All right, let's uh, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, let's take. We're gonna take a quick break. We got some more things I want to talk about. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come right back. I'm gonna talk. We're, we're gonna talk about a quiet place part two when we come back. That's a big one, Jake. Nice. I'm excited. All right, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. 
not 100% sure. Yeah, to all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snapping into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother, when Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you? All right. Hey, welcome back. We are going to be talking about Jake. Maybe this will ring a bell. I don't know what it is. Can you tell me? <laughs> big, big bang theory. I think it is. Oh my, it's a big bang. No, Jake. <laughs> Don't you just want to clap every time you hear I that? Did. Yeah. <laughs> they play that song at my job, and sometimes I clap just to piss people off. <laughs> oh my god, we got the uh, the Friends reunion that dropped on HBO Max. We have actually added a guest to the podcast. I actually this was uh, this was a uh, this was an ask from me to Jake. I said, Jake, uh, you know. Uh, would Michelle, your girlfriend, want to join the podcast? Because I know she's a huge fan of uh, the show Friends that ran from 1994 to 2004. They had this fucking huge reunion 17 years after the show ended. And I was like, man, we got to get a fucking super fan on this episode. So I asked Jake, we had Michelle on this episode. She fucking declined. And then Jake had, Jake, Jake had to force his hand. He went full Mike Tyson, Robin Givens in that conversation. Oh, <laughs> he said, no, you're going to be doing this. And he shook her a little bit, and then she agreed to get on the show. Welcome, Michelle. <laughs> hello, hello. So, Michelle, I'm going to ask you, um, like, is this was this one of your most anticipated uh, events of 2021? Yeah, I was up there. I knew, I, I didn't have super high expectations. I was very excited about it, but I didn't really know what to expect um, as far as, like, the formatting. And, and, you know, I was very excited, but I don't know if it was my most anticipated thing. <laughs> I like Friends the original, but, I mean, it's 20 years later at this point. But I was very excited, yes. I don't know if it's my most anticipated thing. Oh, fuck, that question was dumb, wasn't it? <laughs> I know that, that one really went in the gutter. Yeah, I mean, it's your most anticipated thing of I was, 2021. I, I, I'm more excited about Loki. I think Jake, I was I was just hoping to hear a yes, and then it went into this. <laughs> I'm so excited! About this. I couldn't wait. I didn't. You know, I I've been watching the news about this. I knew all of the rumors and all of the guests, and I had my timer set so that I could watch it as soon as I got home that day. Now you're just, now you're just backpedaling to appease me. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, it's Jake. You want me to go hit her some more? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you turn this podcast into a den of lies? Why? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. So, okay. Well, you know, no, I should I've, I've loved Friends. I've watched it. <laughs> 
Um, uh, no, I'm going to cut you off. We're just going to have you, we're going to have you come back for we're going to have you come back for Loki. How's that sound, Michelle? Um. Okay. No, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Go ahead. Okay. I apologize. Okay. I don't know if my nerves can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how many times have you seen Friends all the way through? Oh gosh, I've watched it at least once a year for the last ever since it came to Netflix. Mm. And I had them on DVD, mm-hmm. so I watched them at least once a year since I, I don't even know, probably about 15 times all the way through. Wow. That's a super fan, Jake. That's a super fan. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, a, definitely. It's, a, it's definitely a comfort show, and that's yeah. what people really love about it. Yeah. It, it's a group of friends. You kind of, if you like the show, you do feel like you're in the presence of friends when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it draws in a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, here's the thing. I, I, I watched this reunion and then, you know, I watched the show when it came out and everything. And have you ever rewatched it? I haven't rewatched it. And I started last night. I started with episode one and oh, I think gosh. like this is going to be the thing that I'm going to be watching every, every day now. Cause like, you know, I, I think what, I think the reunion kind of like it really kicked in for me, like, this show is like worthy of a rewatch at this point. And I was just like, holy shit, I got to go back and watch. I got to go back and watch friends, man. Like it, I, because I really enjoyed watching everybody here in this reunion all together again and talking about like their friendships and the experiences that they had. And I was just like, holy shit, I really want to go back and watch this. So, so I started watching it last night as a matter of fact. So I think I'm going to do a complete rewatch of, of friends here, but uh, I learned a lot. I, I don't know. Michelle, did you learn a lot from this that you didn't know? Uh, there were a few things I didn't know, but there were things that some people were surprised about that. I felt I had already known, like um, when they talked about how nobody really had hooked up, that was something I had read about numerous times because I talk about it. They've, they made it like a pact that they would never hook up because it would kind of ruin the chemistry of the people on the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I knew that, but there was something I didn't know where I had misunderstood. And I'm sorry, I'm talking about specifics here, but um, in the casting for Rachel, um, from my understanding, um, Courtney Cox really wanted to be Rachel, but... I guess that was wrong. That was wrong information. I don't know where. I think I might have heard it on a Friends podcast or something like that. But uh, apparently that was wrong and that uh, Courtney Cox really wanted to be Monica, even though she was trying out for Rachel. So that was a bit of information I didn't know. I'm sure there were other things I didn't know. It was really nice seeing some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff and um, trying to think of stuff I didn't know. I don't know. I don't think there was much I didn't know. So I okay, Steve, you watch. I'm a super fan. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're doing great. That was. It wasn't a transition. Like I'm trying to bail you out. It was. It was. A, I just wanted to hear from somebody. I'm sorry, it wasn't new information. I'm sorry. This was brand new information. She's 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 worrying about those Jake beatings that are coming later. <laughs> she's like, oh no. Oh no, I can feel it. Um, Steve, were you a big friends guy? Did this, did, did you watch this? (laughs) (laughs) Still not able to see the reunion yet. I made a promise with my wife to watch together. We have not been able to see it yet. 
but I am a huge Friends fan. Friend uh, is the Friends is the first show I like stream or like binged in a, in a sense. Like back in uh, back in high school, and was already off for a few years. You know, just watching it over and over again, falling asleep to it. That's probably like the first series I like. I just like you know, binging wasn't even a term yet. I think, and then uh, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I'm hearing there's I'm hearing there's a lot of good things from it. I'm uh, I'm very surprised of how long it is though, because it's like an hour and fifty minutes, and uh, like I was expecting it to be like the Fresh Prince one and be like forty minutes. So I'm really surprised of just the length of itself. So I'm I'm looking forward to it though. I'm hearing I, a lot of good things. I personally think it deserved the length oh. that it got. That's my opinion. Jake, uh, what did you think about this? Yeah, I'm not the biggest Friends guy. I've kind of always just been a casual fan. I've never seen every single episode. I would just watch episodes here and there. When there was big, like, must-see TV nights on NBC, I would just go ahead and watch the whole block. But I've never watched every single episode of every single season. Um, You know, I know all the the famous moments, of course, all the big pop culture moments. You know, I know the pivot. I know the were they or weren't they on a break. (laughs) Right. So, you you know, I... I was able to follow everything going on here, but I thought it worked really well. I, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I was always entertained. It was an hour and 43 minutes long. It felt like an hour. The time just flew by. Um, I thought it was really cool how they went through such lengths to keep the cast away from each other until filming this special. And I thought a lot of the oohs and ahs from this special came from seeing all six of these people reunite for the first time and having it be like genuine you know that really was the first time that they were all having a conversation together and not only that but it was on a you know a recreation of their original set which just had to be so surreal for them yeah you could just kind of feel those surreal vibes from them so i thought the whole thing was just produced to the nines like i don't think they could have gone about this a better way i think they I, I think Friends fans will probably Tupperware this, and I think non-Friends fans will still find a lot to like and enjoy from this. And I, like Michelle, I especially liked seeing the stuff that happened behind the camera. I thought the hardest I laughed was seeing the stuff that happened in the pivot scene after the camera stopped rolling. And I was just in hysterics watching the, the, the two actors just crack each other up. Like yeah. David Schwimmer is still screaming pivot in an even more ridiculous voice than you ever yeah. see in the episode. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Perry is just dying. Like I, I'm surprised he can keep holding that couch during that. Oh man. It's, 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 I, you know, like, you know, I've seen like some of them in certain things, you know, over the years, but like to see them all together and see them all like, aged and older now i was like you know what they've all aged pretty well they've all aged pretty well they all look pretty good you know um i mean matt leblanc of course looks completely different but he he looks like he looks like sexy grandpa now you know so (laughs) (laughs) i think i think everybody aged really well and it was just it man you could really tell that they really did have like this amazing bond when they were filming this fucking show. And I thought Matt LeBlanc was super hilarious 
talking about like, you know, uh, Courtney Cox hiding her lines in the apples and shit like that and <laughs> writing her lines on the table and how he erased them that one time. And I was just like, Oh my God, they, they just sounded like a bunch of great kids getting together and, and making this amazing show. Melissa, are you, did you watch friends? Did And, and what did the reunion mean to you? Well, I've never actually watched Friends all the way through, although I've seen a lot of Friends. And like Jake, I feel like I know most of the like pop culture touchstones from the show. Um, so I don't feel like anything from Friends could be like, quote unquote, spoiled for me. And actually, I watched the Friends finale on cable last week. <laughs> Before I even knew that this reunion was going to be on the list for this episode. So it was funny because I was like, oh, look, I accidentally did the homework. Um, <laughs> but I I really loved this. I'll give it a Tupperware. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I cried not a small amount during this reunion, <laughs> even though I'm not like a friends person. I texted one of my girlfriends who is a friends person and she had made plans to watch the reunion special specifically like with her friends person. And I just texted her and I said, make sure you bring tissues because I don't understand how you're going to get through this thing because <laughs> I'm crying like a baby. <laughs> And this isn't even my show. <laughs> it was, it was like, I was like, I was like, I was like five minutes in and I got like the friends being oh like, my God. you know, they're all just... being reunited on the set and I'm just like, oh my God, like this is the sweetest fucking thing. And, uh, you know, yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely tearing up while watching this. I'll give it a Tupperware as well. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. I really am obsessed with the fact that they made an intro for this reunion episode um, <laughs> and they like remixed the original show's intro. So it like this new intro that they made kind of made this reunion episode part of the series canon. And I'm just really obsessed with that because it is kind of meta and it's not exactly like the actors and what they've done, like, it's not exactly a part of the Friends canon, but actors are part, are, excuse me, are as much a part of my experience of fandom and of my experience of watching things as the shows that they're in themselves. So I thought that was, like, a really cool part of it to be, like, these people and the lives they've lived since Friends are as much a part of the show Friends as the show Friends is, and they deserve to be. Yeah. How pissed off are the Rembrandts that they didn't get a call to come play the song? Like, what could they have been doing? <laughs> what, are, what are the Rembrandts doing? I guess just <laughs> living off the royalties, right? At least they exactly. didn't have Justin Bieber cover it. Ugh. Well, they had him, he, he showed up in the reunion special. Yeah, what was he? I forget. What he was, was he? wearing he was that Spudnik. fucking Spudnik oh, okay. costume, yeah. I, I thought it was, I liked the, I liked the fact that they kind of like went through the casting of each of the friends and, you know, how difficult it was to, to put this group of friends together. Um, you know, you had, you had, uh, Matthew Perry who had already been committed to a show, which I'd never even heard of LAX 2194, which is that about. That show looks hilarious. It looked terrible, Jane. <laughs> 
It reminded me of Red Dwarf a little bit for some reason. Yeah, I could see that. It had that very, like, fucking PBS science fiction look to it. Yeah, it was about the LAX airport in the year 2194, and it looked fucking ridiculous. The baggage claim. The baggage claim of LAX. Specifically Uh, the baggage claim. That is, like, that's, like, yeah. If that gets one episode, I'd be surprised. If, like, if if, did it ever fucking air? No, I don't think so. I, I could be wrong, but I think they said they like they didn't really film anything but the pilot yet. And then I know, like the the whole um, Jennifer Aniston, she was committed to another show that she was doing on Fox, and the, the producer there, she was like, "Can I? I want to leave this show. I'm I I'm not in. You know, I don't think that this show is for me. I just want to leave this show. I want to do Friends. I'm having so much more fun doing Friends. I think this is the show for me." And the producers like. Uh, I, yeah, I've seen that show. That show's not gonna make you a star. This show's gonna make you a star. And that show got canceled. <laughs> and I thought that that was pretty hilarious. And then, like, Matt LeBlanc, like, I know, like, this guy, he was, he was struggling as an actor, trying to find something. I remember hearing that he had done, like, I think it was a, a Coca-Cola commercial and he got a huge payout for a Coca-Cola commercial. And so he thought like, okay, I did Coca-Cola. I'm going to have jobs coming in like crazy. So he fucking goes out and buys a Ferrari. He buys a fucking Ferrari after the Coca-Cola commercial and then jobs just didn't come in. So he's like all this money that he could have fucking used to like, you know, that year to like, take care of rent and all this shit. He blew on a fucking Ferrari and it took a long time before he fucking landed friends. So, um, they didn't talk about that on this documentary, but I'd actually seen that on another show before, but, um, he was pretty much the perfect casting that they could have gotten for that role. Like he had the looks, but he also had like the comedic timing that you were looking for, for like a, like a, a, dumb character and wasn't he one of the boyfriends on um married with children one of kelly's he was yes one of kelly's boyfriends. yeah because <laughs> i i know they talked about like his small role that he had on just the 10 of us but i remember him from married with children he was one of kelly's boyfriends on that show and like they couldn't have done a better job casting Joey than fucking uh matt leblanc perfect casting i love this michelle when they were talking about like if they ever were to come back and do more seasons of this, what were your thoughts on that? Would you want to see this cast reunite and give us maybe another season of friends? Of course I would, but um, I do respect Marta Kaufman who um, also creates created one of my other favorite shows, which is on Netflix, uh, Grace and Frankie. Um, If they're going to say we would have to tear apart the threads of what we created in order to have a, um, a story. I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a cop out, but, um, and yeah, I would love to see another season, a movie, basically anything. I really love these characters. I think each of them were casted perfectly. Um, I knew that Ross was created for David Schwimmer. That's something I did know. And he, above all, I think has the best physical comedy throughout the show and I would love to see it in the reunion. I could see he fell right back into character. I thought 
him, um, Lisa Kudrow, and Matt LeBlanc were the three who most easily fell back into their characters. And it would be nice to see that. But the, it, it would be a show, and then they would have to like introduce the kids and all this shit, right? You know? And we'd have to get oh, Paul yeah. Rudd. We would have to get Paul Rudd for that because, you know, Phoebe is married to Mike, and there's no Mike without Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my favorite authors, Rainbow Rowell, has talked about how her fans always ask her for sequels to her books, and she's like, you don't actually want that. You just want to be around these characters while they live in their happy endings. But if you get sequels, you get your characters being disrupted and you get more trauma happening to them and you get like all these other things that they have to like work through. And so I've, I've kind of been trying to internalize that because I do always want sequels to books. And then when I get them, I get mad whenever the characters are like really going through it. So when they were talking about on the reunion episode, I did kind of get that because it's like, I don't want any of these happy endings disrupted because I'm a big sucker for a happy ending, but it's like, like you mentioned, they have kids now, so it's like they could be chilling, and the stories could be about their kids. Maybe I don't oh, know. Fuck that! I don't want the fucking. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say I don't even know if people would like that, but it's like they're not. I don't think that they could make a show that's just these characters living their happy lives, which is what I would actually want to see. <laughs> Because what if they started and it's like, oh, so-and-so got a divorce. And yes. Like, I'm furious. Yeah. <laughs> I am furious. Relatable, but I'm furious. But then it would be about the story of, of Monica and Chandler getting back together. You know, will they or won't it w- they? Now? It would not be Monica and Chandler who divorce. <laughs> <laughs> they are a very strong couple. It would definitely be Ross and Rachel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they would do that shit again. Fuck me. Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Monica and Chandler are strong. Yeah, are like- you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. One hundred percent. It would. It would definitely be. It would definitely be Rachel and Ross that would fucking have gotten the divorce, and then I gave up my dream job for you. Yeah, that was like twenty oh, years yeah. ago, dude. They both show up to like Chandler and Monica's kids, like fucking you know, graduating high school or something, and yeah, I don't know. Fuck that. Okay, I, I had no idea I, that. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I didn't get a chance to rate this. I know we talked about how excited I was to see this or how un- and, you know, um, unexcited I was, not excited, whatever. I, I, it's, um, it's no Loki. Yeah, it's no Loki. But, uh, <laughs> right. I would actually, I would actually Tupperware this. All as right. I said, most friends fans would. Um, I think there were a few things I thought were missing and that was, I wish they had Carol and Susan. Um, and I wish Mike and Ben showed up. I did really appreciate the guests, especially Judy and Jack Geller. Um, oh, they were so great, Mr. and Mrs. Geller. Do you think um, that, do you think that they, do you think that they invited Bruce Willis? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm just curious. I'm just curious because he's like kind of like notorious for not wanting to get involved with things again. Yeah, I feel like if they, I feel like if you're going to get Bruce Willis, you're going to get Carol and Susan. I, you know, um, I also did appreciate Janice was there. She's, Janice is my favorite non six character. Um, she's a seventh friend in my opinion because she's there in every season. Um, I, she's so hilarious. The actress who plays her is 
so amazing. <laughs> I love her accent. She makes me laugh every time she's in a scene. I loved her talking about creating that laugh <laughs> from like being starstruck, basically. Like, how am I going? How am I going to act against this person who I love? Like, she's like, I just looked at him and that laugh came out of my mouth, and there it was. And I, I just love that. Um, something I something I really loved about this, and we were talking about Chandler and Monica being a strong couple, and I always appreciated them most as a couple. However, watching the reunion, something kind of happened with me that I didn't realize. Um, I feel like the relationship that Ross and Rachel have is much more emotional for me. Um, and I knew this because when they were doing the table read for um for the episode where they kiss the um the one where every the one where Ross finds out um that made me tear up and then at the end when they show the finale and she gets off the plane and she says I got off the plane and I just started crying again and I didn't realize just seeing those two scenes together their scenes always give me chills yeah. and I always kind of downplayed their romances because, you know, it was always, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? Whereas Monica and Chandler were, a, you know, the couple that you would want to be in. And um, I, I really appreciated that. For um, And I, I just, as somebody who'd seen this each season multiple times and seen them get back together and break up multiple times and... I just never realized how emotionally invested I actually was in their relationship. I was kind of downplayed my feelings about it because, you know, I always thought it was a little ridiculous that they just couldn't get their shit together and get mm-hmm. together when they belonged together, you know, but uh, I didn't realize how much the payoff was for it. I just, oh, there's I just a- recognized it last night and it's so crazy for someone who had seen it so many times over my life that just just last night is when I got it or not last night when I watched it. That's always been the relationship that I <laughs> fucking I was like super invested in. And 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 it's I think it goes back to the episode where you know I think they're all going to the prom and Rachel's date backs out on her and yeah. Ross is like going to come in there and he's going to be, you know, it's a flashback scene and and, and of course, L- Ross looks ridiculous with his hair and everything. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be like, he's, he's going to step in and he's going to take her to the prom. And so like, he's getting dressed and ready and stuff like that. And he's going to come down the stairs and, you know, he's going to be like, you know, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to take you to the prom. And then of course her fucking date shows up and she goes with the other guy. And then we see the shot of like Ross at the top of the stairs wearing the suit and just like looking sad and defeated because he he had a super crush on her. He had a crush on her at that point for four years. Yeah. He was in the ninth grade when he got a crush on her. And and when that happened, he was a freshman in college. I think it's like it had been four years with that scene. That's kind of like, like that's what endeared me to him is like, he's like this hopeless romantic and, you know, and then you even see it kind of like follow through, even in like, when you go back and watch the first episode, that there's still kind of like a little bit of a, you know, he's holding onto those feelings for her like this, this, you know, and I, 
that was the relationship for me. I always, I was always kind of drawn to that. And I was always, I was always drawn to the Daphne and Niles relationship on, on Frasier too. You like him longing for Daphne and always, you know, having feelings for Daphne. And so it, it worked for me on Friends as well. So, but yeah, I Tupperware the, I thought that this was fantastic. I loved it. But when they were talking about all coming back together and doing like another season of this, I kind of got why they wouldn't want to just go out on top. Exactly. I feel like there could never be please at this point. There would be never. We wouldn't be able to please everybody with the amount of content that is out there. Um, yeah. I feel like it could only be a disappointment. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. I just want these. Like this is what fan fiction is for. Like I just want these characters to be living in like domestic bliss, <laughs> which doesn't make interesting TV, but. One of my other favorite parts of this episode was the smelly cat with Lady with Lady Gaga. <laughs> that was I I like that too. And they made it like the scene um yeah. like that there was an episode where Chrissy um from the Pretenders Chrissy Hind, I don't know what her last name is, Hind. I think it's Chrissy Hind. Um there was an episode I think in season 2 uh the one where with the baby on the bus um where Chrissy Heend is playing on the at the coffee house, but apparently everybody was asking for for Smelly Cat. So at the end of the episode, she plays Smelly Cat with Phoebe, and Phoebe's not the musician. <laughs> she's not the same caliber of musician, but she's still. It's still very. It, the scene with Lady Gaga was very reminiscent of that scene where you know where at the end Phoebe's like, I still think I did it better myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> however, this is Lady Gaga who's like one of the best musicians. Right. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize that Lisa Kudrow was in character during that because I was like, these reactions seem weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what movie I fucking love her in is uh, Romy and Michelle's High School yes! Reunion. I was hoping you would say that. That's my favorite movie. I, I was hoping you were going to say Easy A, but I like Romy and Michelle's too. No, Romy and Michelle is such a great fucking movie. I love that movie so much. And the fact that Lisa Kudrow's character like created this lie that she created post-it notes. <laughs> It's so ridiculous and funny to me. I love fucking Romeo and Michelle. Myra Sorvino, those two were so good together. It's like, why, 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 okay, here's the thing. Why do we not get like more team ups of like those two in movies? I'd rather see a sequel to that than I would to see. A friend. Me too. Uh, <laughs> why can't we get Romy and Michelle's let's like another reunion? Let, like, let's get their thirtieth high school reunion or fortieth or whatever. <laughs> you know, I would love that. That would be so fucking cool. That uh, would be great. Oh, uh, Justin Throw was in that. He was the cowboy. That was something I didn't realize until one of the last times <sighs> I had watched it. See, I need to watch it again because, like, <laughs> Justin Throw at that time was not a name. Yeah, and, and he's. I think he's dating uh, Janine Garofalo at the end. She's like, she goes into their store and she buys a dress. I think for their date. I don't. I don't know. I think that's what the ending is. And but, the friends um, and the friends <laughs> connection to that is Justin Theroux was married to Jennifer Aniston. Now they're separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, am, am I giving out correct information? That is correct information. <laughs> that's Max. <laughs> All right. Michelle, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was so exciting. We'll talk to you again in another five years. 
<laughs> We're not going to bring her on for Loki. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the qualified one to talk about Loki. As as excited as I am about it, she's Jake. She's already taken herself out of the running. <laughs> well, you let me know. I'm sure there are more people clamoring for it. <laughs> you know, Jake, let's force her to get on the Loki episode. <laughs> I like it. Let's <laughs> make. I, Michelle, like when you were first on years ago, people fuck. I got I got a ton of people fucking sending me emails about how much they enjoyed having you on. They wanted you back, and then it it didn't matter to you. You were just like, no. You were like the friends saying. <laughs> you were like the friends saying, we're not going to do any more episodes of Friends. <laughs> you were like, no. I went out. I went out on the perfect note. I went you know, out. What did we talk about? That was uh, Lego Batman. That was a Lego Batman episode. <laughs> what else was happening? Can we not get oh, you on wow. for something better than Lego Batman? Lego Batman was incredible. It was a great movie, Michelle. I think I Tupperware. I Tupperware did as well, Michelle, which was shocking to me. You, <laughs> Michelle, I saw that shit in IMAX, and I fucking love Lego Batman. That Will Arnett was a great fucking Batman. He was better than fucking Val Kilmer and George Clooney combined. He's currently my favorite Batman. Oh, get out of here. Uh, no, not get out of here. <laughs> I like that Batman. <laughs> you know what? I will accept that. I will accept that. That is a, that is, a, I, that is a totally acceptable answer. Will Arnett. I love Will Arnett. I will accept Lego Batman as your favorite Batman. I, I'm a little too young for Michael Keaton to be the best Batman. Oh, God, then you're definitely like, fuck Adam West at that point, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've seen any Adam West. What, Jake? What, Jake? Jake, you need to, you need to. There's plenty of things to to show her that aren't Adam West Batman. Trust me. (laughs) That's true. That's true. What's the other Batman I'm missing? There's Val Kilmer. There's George Clinton. I've seen that. I've seen that. There's Christian Bale. I've seen that. There's, uh, fucking Kevin Conroy. Who's that? <laughs> He's the animated, the, the cartoon. Batman. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I've never seen much of those. Yeah. The next movie I want to show Michelle that she's never seen is Midnight Run. That's the number one on my list for oh, great movie. So, oh, so funny. Uh, with Groden passing away this last week, it's really like brought oh. it back to my mind. Oh, she God. Really needs to see Midnight Run. Isn't that fucked up? Dude, we're losing all these amazing actors. Fucking Charles, Charles Grodin is not with us anymore, Jake. Oh, I know. That one really hit me. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Clifford, man. Yeah. I was always a big David Letterman guy and he was always on there. Yes. Being the uber straight guy and David Letterman. Me too. So, oh, yeah. man. That one really hurt. There were a bunch of guests that I loved. There's a bunch of guests that, uh, God, there's some great Letterman guests. Like anytime you could watch Cher. With Letterman was fucking great. Chris Elliott's on that list as well. Chris Elliott, but but Letterman and Cher were like notorious for battling each other on episodes. And same thing with Letterman and Madonna; they would go at it too. Oh yeah, yeah. They had some very famous interactions. She was she like she showed up. She showed up on one of the one of the episodes, and she she made a like a snide comment about his hair. And he came back at her, and this is back when she had short hair and it was slick, slick back. And he said, she said something super shitty about his hair, and he said something. He goes, 
He said something about her hair looking like a swimming cap. <laughs> and I lost, I lost my shit. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we have fun. Me and Michelle, we do movie nights, and, and we alternate who picks the movie. But we pick two movies, so the other person gets a little bit of control. So, yeah. you know, I would pick, like, Midnight Run and Psycho Gorman just to force her to watch Midnight Run. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you enjoy those nights, Michelle? Yeah, because I get a chance too. I forget the last. I, I, what was the one I really thrown you? Oh, promising young women. I'm like, I'm just going to choose a really shitty movie to go with this. And he was like, Well, let's just watch it then. I'm like, Okay, but you can't do this to me next time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not like Promising Young Woman? I loved no, it. Oh, okay. No, her her goal is to put the movie she really wants me to pick next to something she knows I won't pick. Oh, so okay. Forced to, so it's like I don't have a choice. It'll be like you know. Yeah, we can't do that woman. anymore. We can't do that anymore. That's how we broke Monopoly. Stop. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna move on to a quiet place part two. Uh, Michelle, thank you for joining us for the friends reunion. Yes, thank you. It was no. It was truly a friends reunion because you were here. Oh, Brian, I miss you. We haven't seen you in real life since, uh, what was it, Star Wars? The last time I saw you guys was the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. shit, I was sleeping the last time we saw Brian. She is the... It takes like... <laughs> to be fair, it was our second viewing in a row. It was our second we viewing. Were, we were in reclining. Yeah. Uh, we were in a reclining. <laughs> <laughs> <That was, laughs> I, I, I am laughing so hard because I totally forgot about that. But yeah, that happened. <laughs> Jake fell asleep during this second viewing. <laughs> I will. I needed that shit on fucking two times speed. <laughs> no, we'll have we'll have to we'll have to do a get together soon. I, I'm yeah, we'll have to do a get together okay. soon. Sorry, you keep trying to let me go, and I'm just like, oh, just keep talking to me more. Okay, I know, and you're so scared to get on here now. You don't want to fucking leave. Move <laughs> <laughs> me off, why don't you? Boot it, it, me off. Yeah, no shit. Like, can we do that Gong Show shit, Jake? Where we fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Michelle. Seriously, it's nice to hear from you every fucking half a decade. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay okay i miss you brian i'll talk to you later absolutely nice seeing you or speaking with you melissa and steve you too michelle okay have a good night night <sighs> goodbye bye <laughs> <laughs> guys a, qu- <laughs> a quiet place part two who got to see it jake i know you saw it yeah it was my return to the theater in over a year okay yeah, mine too. All right. Melissa, did you see it? I did. 
Yeah, following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. The sequel was written and directed by John Krasinski under the studio Paramount Pictures. Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe. Uh, re- reprised their roles from the first film, and Killian Murphy and Jaiman Hansu joined the cast. Krasinski also returns for the fir- uh, from the first film in a small role, seen in a flashback sequence set before the first film. Um, Platinum Dunes, Jake, still involved in the in the production here. You saw that at the beginning. Plat- did, did Jake? I, I think I read that Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes. I think Michael Bay is not involved in in, in Platinum in- Dunes anymore. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Michael Bay, Platinum. Du- Hold on, I gotta, I gotta. Michael Bay was involved in A Quiet Place too, though, wasn't he? he uh, no, well, he might have been. I d- because I-, I feel like his name must have been in the credits because as we were leaving the theaters, my friends were like, "Oh, that was Michael Bay, da da da," and we're kind of, you know, talk making jokes about how the movie could have been if Michael Bay was doing more things for the movie. So it's, I figured well, his name must have been in the credits. It's just, it was just his production company. It wasn't like Michael Bay was directing or had any. Yeah. So, but I, I think I heard he's not a part of platinum dunes anymore. I don't know that for sure though. I think I heard it, Jake. Yeah. I was trying to Google it the whole time and I, I haven't yet found any information on that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Platinum Dunes, which was basically one of the shittiest fucking production companies out there until A Quiet Place came out. And, you know, like, Jake, before A Quiet Place came out and I saw that it was Platinum Dunes, I was just like, this movie's going to fucking suck. As soon as I saw Platinum Dunes show up on the screen for A Quiet Place, I was like, oh, shit. And then I watched A Quiet Place and I was like, holy fuck, this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I see the sequel. I was seriously kind of like, like I wasn't trying to hype myself for the sequel. I was, I, I kind of tempered my expectations for this one. Um, and I'm glad that I did. And honestly, even if I would have hyped it, hyped it up, I, I, I don't know if it would have been a, a, a different outcome. I, I thought that this was an incredible sequel. I really thought that this was like, even, even without John Krasinski being a major player in this movie, and we're just, uh, you know, we've got Emily Blunt, and we've got the son and the daughter, and uh, they're introducing Killian Murphy and Jaiman Hansu in this movie. I thought that this was a very, not, not just serviceable sequel. I thought that this is, like, honestly, like, at the end of the day, if I've watched this a few more times, at the end, of, this has the potential to even be better than the original for me. I think the original had so much to do with setting up this world and understanding like what's going on. And it did it very well. And it, it's a fucking amazing movie. But this second movie, I thought it was just, and, and Jake, that's what I, that's what I'm seriously kind of like wondering about like how you viewed this movie you are like not all sequels but you're notorious for the sequels not living up to the original in a lot of like i think like 
modern movies that we've been watching over the past year, few years. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of sequels. Very few sequels. I, I yes. like more yes. or as much of the original. And I'm not saying that this goes back to like 80s and 90s sequels, because like I can guarantee that you could give me some 80s and 90s sequels and maybe early aught sequels that you fucking thought were you know fucking just as good as the original. But as far as like since we've been doing this show starting back in 2013. There's not a lot of sequels that we've watched and covered on this show that you would say are superior to the original. Um, I can maybe name one, and that might be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for you. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Probably it. So I'm like seriously dying to hear what you thought about A Quiet Place 2. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hear from Melissa here. But I fucking thought that this was fantastic. I really felt like... They gave the reins of this movie to the daughter who felt like she really slid into that John Krasinski role. And we're talking about a girl that in her real life is deaf. And I think that this girl for like what she did in this movie, she's fucking incredible. And I love the fact that she carried the torch of a character that I loved so much in the movie, in the first movie. Like we're talking about fucking like, you, you're talking about like fucking Luke Skywalker and you're talking about Ray carrying the torch of Luke in those fucking sequel movies for the like, you know, the Star Wars movies. And that fell apart, dude. For as much as I fucking love Daisy Ridley in the first fucking movie and the second movie, it all fell apart. This girl fucking took the reins and took John Krasinski's character, his essence, and his memory of that first movie, and she carried it in the second movie, dude. I thought she fucking killed it, and I loved her performance. I loved all the different side stories that were going on here. I I didn't I was not I was not bothered by bouncing between the different stories and what's going on. We're bouncing between like what the boy is going through. We're bouncing between what the mother's going through. We're de- bouncing between Killian Murphy and the daughter's story and what they're going through. It all worked for me, man. I thought that this was an incredible sequel and like just a great way to kind of like follow up what we had in the first movie. And I, I Tupperware this movie so fucking hard and I'm going to have to watch it a couple more times. But I think like in all honesty, this could be even superior to the first movie upon second, third watching. Uh, I think it's a little premature for me to say that right now, but I fucking love The Quiet Place Part 2. Melissa, what did you think about A Quiet Place Part 2? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. Um, this wasn't the first movie I've seen back in the theaters because I saw a handful of movies um, throughout the summer when it was an option. Um, but this is the first time that I went with a group of friends, and this was also the first time that there were actually enough people in the theater to have, like, a theater experience and man it was so cool i mean i just love when people love movies and this was such a perfect movie for that because everybody has to be participating in the experience because people have to be quiet when it's quiet and this movie uses a lot of jump scares um i think it lends itself really generously to that style of like scary tactic, I guess, because it doesn't really feel like it's being overused or shoehorned in. If you're living a silent life, any noise is going to jump scare you (laughs) in reality and in this movie. Um, I definitely agree. 
I am like obsessed with Millicent Simmons now. She is an incredible actor. It's so exciting that they put her in the forefront of the sequel and that she was able to just carry it perfectly. Um, I she fucking so she handled a, she handled yeah, scenes with Killian Murphy like nobody. So, weird so good to be a fan of children <laughs> like <laughs> wow jupe is so talented and i like want to watch everything that he's in but then i'm like here i am just following the child's career like that always trips me up a little bit but like man both kids in this movie are incredible i think that jake i was like i was like settle down there michael jackson <laughs> no, no, no. I know. My list of things weird. Melissa hates this episode He's so far. the Jesus reason it's children. weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I, I'm really impressed with how much story they chose to tell in this sequel. Like, mm-hmm. they could have gone so far, but the first movie covered a short amount of time, and this the sequel covers a short amount of time yeah, as well. Yeah. And I was really impressed by that choice. Yeah, yeah. Steve, what did you think about A Quiet Place Part 2? I thought it was really good. Uh, I'm giving it a high taste it. Uh, I thought um, I real, uh, the kids were really good. I liked the story. I liked, I liked the beginning uh, with everything that happens there. Um, I wanted a little bit more with um, Killian Murphy's character specifically, uh, and there was one death specifically that really annoyed me, just the way it was set up and everything. Um, but other than that, this was a really, really good sequel. Um, I don't know if we're going to be going into spoilers or anything. No, this is so new. We're, we're not going to go into spoilers on this one. Uh, this is definitely worth the movie ticket. Um, you know, if if you feel safe and you want to go out and see this in theaters, this is definitely worth it. Um, Melissa, like you said, it was a really it was nice to get the theater experience again. I definitely had some assholes that started to talk a little bit um, during the film, but I but what I think what stuck out and I liked a lot about this movie and you know my rating might go up the more times I see it because the first movie to me is near perfect. So. Like that's like a Tupperware of Tupperwares, like the way um, John Krasinski handled the original. Um, with uh, this one, I really loved how um, they mixed the sound in this one, where um, they used jump scare tropes that you would expect in in good ways for the audience, where they they don't treat the audience like an idiot. And um, I just think it was really well handled when with the sound mixing in general, not giving too much away. I just thought it was really because, you you know, the first movie, the whole thing about the movie was not saying anything like everything in the theater. You can't eat popcorn because you don't want people hearing you chew like that's how quiet it is. And in the sequel, it's not exactly the same thing. And they know that you can't go in go, doing the same thing again. So I liked the way they use the sound in the sequel. Jake, I am dying to hear what you thought about this one because you're notorious for not being a fan of of sequels, and like this goes to even John Wick too. So yeah, um, I'm right there with Steve. I'm pretty ah! boxed up with what Steve's saying in this one. I um, I also think the first one is near perfect. 
Um, I thought this was really good and a very good sequel, but it, it still was just a high taste it for me. It mm. just, I don't know. You just can't. I, I'm glad that they went back to the well and I wanted them to go back to the well and I want them to go back to the well again, but you just can't recreate that initial world building that happened in that first movie and just kind of the phenomenon that that was. Um, but yeah, I, I did love this. I mean, I, I have very little to complain about. I, I thought it was, I, it really made me want a TV series. Like that's what I, I came yes. away from this going. I kept thinking that myself. I was thinking about a TV series of A Quiet Place and how like that. And and Jake, I was thinking like not even going like eight episodes. They could go like even. They could go even leaner and go six episodes. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And that's what this felt like to me. It felt like episodic TV, like especially with the length of the movie. It wasn't a very long movie at all. I feel like it was maybe only ninety minutes. Really made it feel like an episode of episodic television that I'm potentially going to have to wait two, three, four years to see the next episode of. So it was kind of frustrating on that level. Um, I also agree with Steve that I need to see this a few more times. Honestly, it just may be the holding it right next to part one. That's not quite letting me Tupperware it yet. I think if I watch these movies back to back and see this movie a few more times, it may eventually grow on me a little bit more. Um, I was very surprised at how much of a back role Emily Blunt's character was in this movie as well. And that our two main characters were, you know, the daughter and Killian Murphy kind of felt like those two had more screen time than anyone else. And that that really wasn't what I was expecting. Not that I didn't like it, but it, it just kind of took. me. That's what I loved about this movie is that we're following the main daughter and they gave her the reins of like the main character like that that was portrayed by the father in the first movie and how she fucking slid right into that role so well that's what i loved about this so much yeah i I definitely need to revisit this this was a crazy week of pop culture for babies being in danger um with this and mayor of east town this week i was like jesus these babies can't catch a break <laughs> and then Jake watched the boss baby as well, and he was like, Oh my god. I wanted that baby to die. <laughs> and then he watched two babies. I was like, please no. <laughs> and then he watched the whole Look Who's Talking catalog and it was <laughs> But yeah, and I also agree with Steve that I thought it was really cool that they didn't play the same trick with the sound. This movie definitely had much more of a pronounced score than you ever heard from the first one. Um, Honestly, the score really had a real lost feel to me. There was lots of heavy trombones and clicking sounds going on. That definitely gave me a real lost vibe, Um, especially when they get to like, you know, the encampment that they've made. Like it it felt like they were in Dharma town all of a sudden. So I thought that was really weird. (laughs) It did feel like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm watching this... Lost for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm you just got now figuring town. out. Yeah, I'm just now figuring out how to relate everything back to Lost because I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the score of this whole movie was click 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 click. I was like, what the fuck? I, I was waiting for the smoke monster to show up. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very well done sequel. I don't think the well's dry yet. I I expect and want there to be a part three. And honestly, oh, this- I third movie script has apparently been completed okay awesome but yeah i'd almost rather they go the fucking short limited series hbo max approach at this point i don't want to have to wait this long in between 
episodes when they're definitely going to feel like episodes. I mean, this took oh, place I right mean, after this the movie should have came out last year. It was the pandemic that pushed it. So, I mean, that's true as well. But even that it was was too long to, to wait, kind of, for the route they took here. So, I yeah, I really just want this fast track. I film two at once or do fucking something. I I've been saying that about fucking Stranger Things, and you thought I was nuts when I said that. And now these kids, now these kids look like they're fucking, they're, they're shaven and they're in like the thirties now. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought you were nuts when you were saying that because of how much I disliked the second season. Oh, like, okay. I disagree uh, that they needed to, I mean, obviously they needed to fast track that with the kids aging up. I mean, it's yeah. going to look like they're Beverly Hills 90210 cast members by season five. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you you are so funny this episode. <laughs> I'm just so tired. I think sometimes when I get really tired, it, I think it's going to be my worst episode ever. But I just like it makes me really loose, and I say a lot of <laughs> dude. You are you. Jake is funny. Oh my god, I love. <laughs> oh, you tied it back in the night of two and zero. That was funny, dude. I know. I know. I know. People think that I'm not being serious right now, but I found that very funny. Yeah, and, and I'm sure they'll be in high school in those episodes. <laughs> mm. Guys, uh, yeah, yeah, a quiet place too. Jake, I don't think we're ever gonna fucking watch a sequel that lives up to anything that you ever wanted. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I never <laughs> went into this one thinking it could be better. I kind of felt it like it was an impossible task, but. I also never went in thinking it was going to be a bad movie, and it definitely wasn't that either. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I fucking loved it, and I can't wait for the fucking third movie. And I hope they – I don't know. But I was – I'm was. I, I'm in agreement with you, man. I was thinking like, man, this would be a great TV series. There's so many stories within this world that they could fucking explore. I'll tell you a sequel that I guarantee will be better than the first one that's coming out this year. What? No, hold on. I gotta hear this. What's this? You, um, Suicide Squad. <laughs> Is that even a sequel? I'm counting it. I'll, okay. <laughs> Jake, okay. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Um, Panic. Steve, did you watch Panic? I did not. Melissa, did you watch Panic? Yes, I did. How many episodes of Panic did you watch? I watched three. I watched the first two. Panic is on Amazon. It's a uh, Amazon original series. Uh, no one knows who invented Panic or when it first began, but in the forgotten rural town of Carp, Texas, the game is the only way out. Every summer, the graduating seniors risk their lives competing in a series of challenges that force them to confront their deepest fears for the chance to win life-changing money. It's created and written by Lauren Oliver based on her 2014 novel of the same name. The series stars Olivia Welch, Mike Faist, and Jake, Jessica Sula, and then fucking uh, Jack Nicholson's son is in this too. Who does he play? The fucking the the fucking the jerk in the movie that fucking is oh, like oh you know what I mean that Ray. he looks he looks just like a super young Jack too he He's, was recently on the cover of a Lana Del Rey album and I was shocked at how much yeah he now like that you're Jack. saying it I see it he look yeah it's fucking he looks like a young Jack Nicholson don't he and he he plays an asshole in this movie uh, in this show um, Melissa what do you think about uh, what do you think about Panic. Oh man. 
I love a teen drama. <laughs> this show <laughs> hooked me. <laughs> I committed to myself yeah. to watch two episodes of it when you put it on the list. Right. But I ended up watching the three, and I am 100% going to continue and finish out this season. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Not really a Tupperware because I, the whole thing about Panic, the game, like so in-universe Panic, is very shaky. It is not realistic at all. It's so weird. You really have – like for me personally, I really had to get over that, especially because I grew up in a small town. I am like the person who won Panic apparently because I moved away from my small town and I don't live there anymore. But it's like I didn't have to do this shit to do it and neither did my friends. And I lived in a town that is legitimately less than half of the size of the town that they apparently live in. So I'm like, this is not realistic, okay? Like, this is a decent-sized town. Like, this is not a place that you have to get stuck in. So the the setup of the game is, like, you just have to get over it. And once you do, the, the characters and the drama that ensues are enough for me to kind of forgive that outlandish conceit of the game panic. Yeah. I don't know. I think this it's it's like I had fun kind of like watching this, but like there's mm-hmm. certain moments where I'm like, this is fucking stupid. A hundred percent. Right. This I'm- is. Yeah. I mean, this is this is that genre of TV. This is um, Pretty Little Liars, Riverdale, Motherland, <sighs> Fort Salem. You nailed uh, it. You've nailed it. You've nailed it. What's the the wilds that was also on Amazon? Like this is a teen yeah. drama. This is yeah. fraught relationships. Who's going to kiss? betrayal conspiracies just juicy drama and i love it (laughs) well okay there's this game that this town has and so graduating high school seniors can participate in this game and um the game is made up of like many different challenges and all the challenges are different from year to year and the first challenge in this one is to like do a cliff jump into uh you know these waters and you know, there's a there's a chance that if you do this cliff jump into the water, that you could land on some rocks and die. Um, you know, and 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 so, but like the higher up you go on this cliff, you can get additional points. And if you go to like what do they call it, like uh, Dead Man's Peak or whatever the fuck they Devil's called it, Drop or like Devil's it Drop. Yeah, if you go all the way up, <laughs> you get an extra fifty points, and plus you get immunity for a future challenge. And you've got a girl who's trying to get out of this town. She saved up about $5,500 and uh, she needs $6,000 to go to this particular school to get an education and to, you know, fucking pursue this career that she's interested in. Her mother, who's an alcoholic and a drug addict, ends up stealing her money and using it to fix the transmission in her car. And so the girl is kind of like, fuck, I've got a do this panic challenge in order to get the money. And she enters the contest at the last moment. She's got a friend who's in this and, and then, you know, you've got the, jumping off this cliff. Yeah. If you lived in this town, you'd be jumping off that bitch every weekend. That's true. And then here's the thing. The cops are trying to, they're trying to put a stop to this because people have died doing this challenge. So the police force is trying to put a stop to this. 
And it's weird that like in the second episode, they have so many clues of like where this is going to take place. But they talk about like how the second challenge is going to take place at the granary, but no police officers show up to the granary. They show up late. They, they show up the clue. I know. Oh, they. It said it's going to be tomorrow, but they wrote it yesterday. It was dumb. That was fucking Please. dumb. They just didn't. Know, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't know the time that this challenge was going to take place at the granary. But like, why didn't they have a cop there just fucking scouting the granary the entire time? Small town cops are stupid. Oh, it was ridiculous. But I, 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 Melissa, I enjoyed this enough to give it a taste it, but I don't know if panic is enough for me to go back. That's fair. That's really fair. Yeah. This is, um, also another thing that I love about this show is it's an Amazon original and it dropped all at once. Um, it's 10 episodes, but they're 43 minutes. So and that's the best part about watching dramas that have been carried over from cable is that 43 minutes is the perfect length for most TV episodes. And these streaming services, because they don't have like broadcasting rules, they're like, we're going to do everything at 60 minutes. And most shows can't sustain an episode for that long. And so it ends up feeling long and drawn out and it's like this is the problem with a lot of netflix shows but amazon said even though there's no commercials in this we still we really like that 42 minute mark and i respect that immensely i would respect this a lot more if it was 23 minutes melissa i i can agree with that too there's a like you could take out everything that the police are doing in the show and just give me just give me the panic drama just give me the teen panic it. drama. I don't yes. need the fucking police. Yes, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, the police I'm gonna I keep watching. It I, got me. I love the fact that this stupid fucking show has sucked you in. Oh my god. If you if there are multiple couples and it's three episodes in and no one has kissed yet and I don't even know for sure who's gonna kiss each other, I'm watching your stupid TV show. I, I have to know I who love kisses each other first. No. What I what I love about this is like there are so many fucking people that watch like all these dramas and they're just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck about this teen romance bullshit. I hear that all the time from so many people that I don't give a fuck about teen romance. Leave the teen romance out of it. I don't need it. And I know. And I love that about you. You're just like, no, I just want to fucking, I want to see teens going through all these sexual awakenings. I want, I, I want all, I want all the sexually awakened teens in these shows. No, and I respect that because here's the I thing. Do too. Here's the thing, Melissa. Here's the thing. With all the people that are saying like, oh, I'm watching this show and you got the teenager and you got the romance and I don't need the romance and all this shit. I think you're getting so old and curmudgeon that you don't remember what it's like being a teenager. And that's basically what it is like being a teenager. It's all about the like the only thing you care about when you're a teen. Exactly. Who and when yes. is kissing. It, boom. You nailed it. And I think I think we forget that as we get older, Melissa. I think a lot of people forget that. And especially when we're watching these shows where, you know, you've got you, you do have younger kids in it and, and you've got like this teen romance and you got these teen dramas and all this shit and people are like hey, I don't give a fuck about the romance give me the panic give me the panic is what they say 
and they're just like, I don't, I don't care about the teens and the romance and shit. Jake, man, I remember being a teenager, man. It was all about like, who am, yeah, who am I gonna, who am I gonna kiss next? Who's gonna be my girlfriend? Who likes me? You know, I like this girl. Does she like me? That's, dude, that's what those teenage years are about, man. It's about, it's about self exploration. It's about, you know, all these sexual awakenings and all this shit, Jake. And that's what panic, it's exploring that, Jake. And, uh, I love the fact, I, this show's dumb, but I love the fact that, (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that Melissa appreciates that. Melissa, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a gold star for that. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to put that right here on my shirt and I'm going to wear it all night. Yeah. No, seriously. Like I, I, no, like that, (laughs) that, that needs to be commended because I think like as we get older, we, we start watching these teen shows and, and we're just like, man, I don't give a fuck about like these teenagers and love and shit. And I think, I think we kind of forget about like what it, that, that is like one of the most important things when you're, when you're a kid and growing and that's, up. like the basis of most stories too, because even in adult dramas, it's, sure, it's, it's relationship drama. So like think about like Mara V Sound, like she's got relationship dramas in that show, but it's not what it's about. And so it's like a teen drama is like, pure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah these problems i mean these problems are very real i don't know i just love teen dramas because it's like everything is allowed to be the most important the most dramatic thing that has ever happened in the world because that's how teens experience things and i think it makes for like it's 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 dumb for sure and i can it, multitask when the show is on but it just makes for like really engaging tv for every single thing that happens to be like an end of the world level event it does it it, it makes you think about like when you were younger and like what was the most important thing to you you know back then and stuff uh, so i appreciate that i i love the fact that they're incorporating like all the the teen romance and shit i do dig that I, that's why i loved riverdale that's why you know I mean, that's what I love about those shows. So, yeah, I, I will not be. Continu- we can, we, we can, uh, oh, sorry. I will not be continuing panic though, but Melissa, I'm happy that this show has hooked you. It's fucking, it's gotten, it's gotten, it's gotten into you. You cannot, you cannot stop watching panic. <laughs> I am panicking about when I will get to sit down and watch more panic. And you're just like, holy shit, that kid looks like fucking Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I know, and he's awful, but I'm pretty sure there might be like an enemies to lovers relationship happening <gasps> for him. And totally, I just cannot wait for totally. him to be so redeemed by the power of love, <laughs> dude. There's like a fucking. I think there's going to be a sexual awakening for that girl and that dude. <laughs> don't you? Yeah, dude. Definitely. Seriously, there I think like, like a he- shitty backstabbing ass friend in this show. She's definitely going to have some come comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. I just think like, yeah, he's a shitty guy. He He's a shitty guy. You got this new guy in town, Dodge, and he's the mysterious guy. And, you know, and then and he's cute and he's competent. What's up with you, Dodge? Who are you going to kiss? Oh, yeah. who? Oh, Dodge is going to kiss her best friend. Is he, though? Because he's had some moments with Heather where I'm like, eh? Is the drama between the friends going to be about the boys or going to be about the game? I think she's going to... I think that the main character, she's going to fucking be all about fucking Jack Nicholson, dude. And I think I think that he's going to make her vagina tingle within the next couple. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do. I think, I think her, I think, seriously, I think that her vagina is going to tingle over dude within the next couple episodes. I, yeah, I mean, let's, I've seen three episodes. I'm like, by episode five, there's going to be some vagina panic happening. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some vaginic going on. Vaginic. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my drink on that one. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to say that I added another thing to the list of things Melissa hates this episode. Small town cops. <laughs> oh god, yeah, true fact. True fact. <laughs> All right, shit. Um Let's take another fucking break. Um let's take another fucking break. <laughs> Come back and then we're going to finish up this bullshit. Making pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon We're back. We got more good pop, bad pop, because this shit doesn't fucking end, Jake. It just doesn't fucking end. I fucking I assign you guys too much bullshit. No, you know, there's some weeks where it, it doesn't matter how much you assign us. There's some weeks where it's like five things, and I'm like, oh wow, we're gonna have a pretty pretty quick good pop, bad pop yeah. segment this week. No matter how many things it is, we we can always talk about it for three plus hours. We just rant, and it's just stupid, and I fucking I hate it, Jake. I'm fucking I'm fucking no. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're pretty long winded. I think the key to making this one quicker would have been to drop Steve. <laughs> oh shit, we're recording. I'm sorry about that. Steve. Yeah. Am I coming in? God damn. You are you're unfortunately you are coming in, Steve. Um I'm kidding. I love having Steve on. I was I was completely joking too. Yeah. Intergalactic, this dropped on Peacock. I did not get a chance to watch this. The only person that watched this that did the fucking homework was Melissa. <laughs> Melissa, you're the only one that did the homework. The series did another gold star. You God, don't press it. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> you got what like Siri. It's all about gold stars with her. It's she just wants to collect gold stars, Jake. She's like Mario. You, you give me the opportunity for overachieving in homework, and I have to take it. It's my toxic trait. Oh, it's Dude, I've seen this like a million times. It's one of my favorite Beastie Boys videos. I love the giant kaiju they get in. Oh, the dude. The suits they have on. That fucking song is dope as shit, dude. <laughs> dude, that's that part where he's like, uh, another dimension, another dimension. I always thought he said, I have an erection, I have an erection, I have an erection, I have an erection. It wasn't until the last couple years that I realized that voice was saying another dimension. It blew my fucking mind. Are you serious? I swear to God, I just thought it was fucking noise. Like, I, it was awesome, and it had a great fucking, like, beat to it. But, like, I just notice that it says another dimension over and over again like recently i think it might have been when we watched the beastie boys doc i thought it was fucking mind dude i thought he was saying hold on i gotta play this shit watch now. the nba playoffs shut the fuck wow. up <laughs> your fucking Ryan commercials and shit you every time fuck you youtube little bitch 
My <laughs> you so ready? Go with Groupon. I'm fucking ready to play this song. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god. Is this the theme song for the show, Melissa? It should be. No. It should be. I have an erection. I have an erection. I have an erection. I have an erection. Jake, three, you tell me three Jewish kids are fucking putting out these fucking beats? I'm telling you, you're crazy. But you know what, Jake? That's facts, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking, oh, the Beastie Boys. <laughs> So good. I, that's a whole nother topic. Dude, dude. That's a whole nother episode, isn't it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Melissa, did Intergalactic give you an erection? No. It no did. lady boners for Intergalactic. Really? It's not good. Um, I give it a taste it. Like, I didn't mind watching the episodes. I am a little bit invested in what's going on in the plot, but I am not as attached to these characters as I am with Panic. Um, okay, let me go over exactly- the, can, let me go over the synopsis here real quick of okay, this one. For sure. The series follows a crew of fierce female convicts who break free and go on the run. The year is 2143 after Sky Cop Harper is framed for a crime. She is placed on board prisoner transport ship, the Hemlock, bound for an off-planet prison. On board, she is thrown into the melee of mutiny, stirred up by a band of hardened female criminals who threaten to kill her if she doesn't fly them to safety. Climate change has affected the planet and the world's cities. Now, mostly under new structures, are controlled by a pseudo-democratic government called the Common World. And, uh... This uh, this did not give you a female erection. What's going on with Intergalactic? Yeah, it's just I'm not as attached to these characters. I'm not really in a rush to get back to this one. Um, How many episodes did you watch? I watched two. Two episodes, okay. I think there's ten. Um, and they released all at once. Like, this is Peacock. I, they could have given this to me weekly, and I probably would have kept Here's it. Here's the thing. This is actually – it's a BBC series that they oh. fucking just put – yeah, it's a BBC series, so okay. fucking they're just putting it on Peacock, so they're yep. licensing other... Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, like, you said that this is a show <clears throat> following fierce female convicts, but, like, after two episodes, it still seems like Harper, the Sky Cops, is the is the main character. Like we're still, it seems like mostly following her and she frustrates me. Um, she is basically betrayed by her cop boss, but, and so she ends up, um, she ends up traveling like the galaxy for lack of a better term with these convicts and she's alone and she will not stop being a cop, like even to save her own life. And it's like, you were betrayed by your own boss and your own government. Like, who are you being loyal to? It doesn't make her decisions don't make any sense. And it's very frustrating to me. Huh. And on the other side of that, there is this so-called terrorist group, ARC, who they are filled with righteous rage about the universe being destroyed by, you know, climate change. 
to the tenth degree. Um, they're called the ARC or the ARC. Um, they, Jake, I got a question for you. I'm ready. You down with ARC? Yeah, you know. Me. <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> um, which I'm like, that's true because I feel like in the show, I'm gonna, I, I want to know more about them because I feel like I'm gonna end up on their side, and yet I'm still following, like, Sky Cop Harper. Sky Cop Harper, who and, you like, do not connect not with that, at all. She's not that interesting to me. I, yeah. She doesn't make decisions that I emotionally follow because if my life is on the line and I find myself involved with a bunch of badass lady cons, uh, I'm following y'all because you guys seem to be able to get yourself out of some shit. And yeah. I definitely need allies. So that's frustrating. Um, there's a character who's been kind of secondary, but it seems like they're building her up to be more of a main character. She is a doctor, and she was one of the founders of this so-called terrorist group. Um, her name's Emma Graves. She, We meet her. She's, like, muzzled in a prison, so I'm like, why don't they want you to talk? What are you going to say? And, like, somebody shoots her at one point, and she just magically heals the bullet, so I'm like, what are your powers? Wow. Why aren't you the main character of this show? So it's just it's taking a while to get to what might be interesting about this show. Yeah. So I think I'm going to wait and just creep around the internet a little bit. And if somebody says like, oh, intergalactic twist, it's great. Then I'll maybe go back to it. But as it stands, it's just, it's not a teen drama, but it still operates um, kind of on that level of all those shows we mentioned when we were talking about panic and it just didn't, didn't get me. Maybe episode four. It starts with this as the theme song. Didn't Steve watch? Sorry, Jake. Go ahead, Jake. I apologize. Steve did. Steve's about to tell me. Steve is about. Whoa, Steve! You watched the whole series? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Whoa, Steve! You're whoa. Yeah, you're coming in really bad, bro. You you sound like you're coming in. Like you're, you're on another dimension. You're on another dimension. Another dimension. Another dimension. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! Go, Steve! Oh. <laughs> yeah! Woo! Sorry. <laughs> I hope Steve's not talking. Steve, you're talking, we can't hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Jake, what Steve it? left. Steve's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Steve's gone! <laughs> Oh shit. oh shit! That brought tears. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to come back because I want him to tell me if I should keep watching the show. I really wanted. To- yeah. Sorry. I'm part. I'm sorry. I got caught up there. Is Steve here? No, Steve left. Legit. <laughs> Yeah, there's Steve has left the building. No, no Steve, he's back. He's back. He's back. Welcome back, Steve. Oh, <laughs> 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 
Hey, Steve. How you doing? Welcome back, Steve. He left again. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I don't know how I wasn't ready for the intergalactic drop there. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> I can hear you a little bit. Oh, I didn't hear him at all. Uh, we're, hold up. Four or five in the call. So Michelle left. Can you hear me now? Oh, yes. shit. Dude. Good. I'm getting fucking flashbacks of that Verizon commercial, bro. <laughs> Christ. Let's, uh, she, Melissa already talked about Jesus earlier. We don't need to do it again, Steve. Uh, intergalactic's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something else, I guess. No, I want you to tell me more things about the end of Intergalactic. Since you said it's fine, I'm not going to watch it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, like, my enthusiasm to talk about it is over. Okay. Yeah. What happened? Did, did I did I upset you? Oh, I mean, no, this call upset me. I couldn't get through into the actual conversation. And every time I tried, I kept hearing Beastie Boys. You heard this? <laughs> Is that what you heard? Can you hear? Hello? Hello? Every time that comes on, it's like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> Jake, I think he heard this. Jake, do you think? <laughs> Hold on, Jake. Jake, I got a question. Stop it. <laughs> Jake, do you think? Do you think that's what he heard? Was this? Do you think that's what it was? High <laughs> <I> chance. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, Woo. Woo. Jake, the frustration on Steve's end. Are you feeling? I legit feel terrible for Steve right now. Dude, it's like his nightmare right now, isn't it? It's like he's trying to talk, and then I fucking like. Every time. Would that would that drive you to the edge of insanity, Jake? Yes, yes. I, <laughs> it was like a combo of the Beastie Boys and the bad Mikeness. It was not working out well for him. Okay, but what if I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna fucking play Beast. I'm not gonna play Intergalactic. I'm gonna play Sabotage. Yeah. Would that make you feel better, Jake? <laughs> I mean, it's more fitting. I think we, we did sabotage Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the last time Steve's ever going to agree to be on the podcast, Jake. <laughs> is he gone? Did he leave again? Okay. He's just not amused. Yeah. Even there, I think we need to pause. I I think Steve is legit having connection issues. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jake is on Jake. Oh, he left. Jake is like, let's Brian, let's serious let's seriously take care of Jake. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> this is like a top ten PCL awkward moment. It totally is. Jake's like, let's really take care of the problem here, Brian, instead of fucking making it. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if he comes right back on, you need to immediately face sabotage. Him. Hey, welcome back, Steve. Uh, yeah! Yeah, I love your plan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I, think, I think he's done. I think Steve is like, fuck this shit. He's gone, bro. Oh my god. It's just crazy like um <laughs> we haven't been able to get him to be part of the conversation for anything and then the one thing that just like watched the entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got me who's like <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Oh man. Yeah. Welcome to BCL, right, Jake? Yeah, this, this is legendary. This is legendary. This is a thing. <laughs> hey, let's. Uh... <laughs> man, Steve was a good friend. I'm gonna miss him. I am too, man. Oh man, you know what, Jake? Since Plan A of having Steve on didn't work, let's talk about Plan B, the movie now on Hulu. That was very well done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, (laughs) Melissa. This is uh, what? Like seriously? Like what are your thoughts on everything that's going on here? here for the ride man <laughs> Steve is definitely not kissing either me or Brian I'm telling you that much I don't think Steve's coming back I don't, I think Steve's done I think Steve tapped out he's like I am out I feel really bad about my joke now about Steve, not having Steve on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> that joke hits a little too close to home now and I feel like an asshole oh man I'm glad that I didn't make that joke. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> plan B. Plan B. Oh, shit. <laughs> plan B. This dropped on Hulu. After a regrettable first sexual encounter, a straight-laced high school student and her slacker best friend have 24 hours to hunt down a Plan B pill. In America's Heartland, this is directed by Natalie Morales. It's written by Prathi Srivinasan and Joshua Levy. And uh, it's from the producers of Harold and Kumar and Cobra Kai. And this dropped on Hulu. And uh, basically, you've got a story here of a girl who has a crush on this guy. And they end up having this party when the girl has her mother going out of town. And her whole plan is to kind of like... You know, see if she can, like, you know, connect with this guy and 
she thinks that there might be a moment where, you know, they get together and, you know, maybe kiss or maybe do even more. She, she really wants to, she really wants to have her first sexual experience with this guy. And, uh, something ends up happening. The, she look, it looks like the guy leaves the party with this other girl. She's kind of upset. She's got another guy in the bathroom that she's talking with Kyle. And, uh, things kind of happen between her and Kyle and they end up having sex. And it doesn't last long. And she finds out that uh, the next time she goes to the bathroom and pees, that uh, the condom uh, has been lost and it's been uh, it's been up in her vagina the entire time. So she's worried about. Uh, so she she the vagina comes that that her uh, the uh, the the condom comes out of her vagina and she's like, oh shit, this fucking cum soaked vagina, uh, this cum soaked condom has been in my vagina. For a long time, and she's worried about being pregnant. She's got a lot uh, going for her. She's, you know, um, straight A student, and she's uh, wanting to get into great schools. And she doesn't want to let down her mother, her her, Indi- her Indian mother, who's like very like all about kind of like you know succeeding and and being a good you know being wanting her to be a good daughter and and all this stuff. And she's really worried about this. So, so like, this whole movie is about her fucking getting on plan B and uh, every place that she goes to, to get this fucking pill seems to either be closed or won't sell her the pill. And it's kind of like a comedy, a teen comedy. And um, it reminded me a lot of Unpregnant If you saw that movie on HBO max, did you watch that one, Melissa Unpregnant? Mm-hmm. Did it remind you of Unpregnant a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this movie fits right in the canon with movies like Booksmart, Blockers, Unpregnant. Like, I would even maybe say, like, Good Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would, too. Um, Booksmart is another one. Unpregnant. Yeah, those are all the movies that I would compare it to as well. Yeah, absolutely. You got your, like, awareness about life and one crazy night and make them have a baby and it is these movies and they hit every time <laughs> jake i dude we fucking steve ain't coming back bro <laughs> <laughs> oh man i was hoping <laughs> he's back steve's back <laughs> does this work <laughs> yes steve we will take extra basey steve over no steve at all I'll try this as well how does that work even better all right, Steve. What's wrong? I don't know if my I don't know if, if I just don't know if you're fucking with me or if my XLR cable like blew out on me. I really we were really quiet. Yeah, we were not fucking with you. We were not fucking with you. Very spot. You were coming in and out, and yeah. it was weird because anytime we would be on a break and you would be like, "How do I sound? Is everything good?" and we'd be like, "Yeah, definitely," because it sounded perfect. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Okay, but I'm I'm coming in now. Yeah, you sound the best you've sound all episode. And and to be honest, before the episode started, you sounded perfectly fine. But then, it's been really bad ever since we actually started. And, okay, well, I'm sorry for all of that and don't, everything else. Don't you don't you ever apologize to me, Steve? <laughs> don't you ever apologize to me? So what I miss? Um. Us, more beastie boys. More beastie boys. <laughs> me, okay. us <laughs> losing our shit. Us losing our shit over losing you on the podcast. Um, I talked about how bad I felt about making that joke about you not being on the episode with what we'd come to, and 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, Intergalactic, uh, it, it, yes. it does, it, it actually makes the, it scratches the itch for Expanse fans. Okay. Um, Melissa, after episode two, I would give three, the three episode test because I think this show did a disservice with starting with the first episode because the pilot feels like what they had to sell to the streaming service to get the show. And the pilot almost feels completely different to the rest of the season because the characters are finally like, turning into what they want to be like um genevieve or tula's daughter like she's very animalistic in the first episode and that really goes away after like mm-hmm. episode two and three it, it's almost like an afterthought and now we're finally actually seeing her as a human because I, I i hated the first episode i thought it was really stupid but by the time episode three ended i was like i need to finish this like holy shit um like it, <gasps> it's definitely like um it's not as good as like the expanse but this is the BBC's or the streaming service in Britain that is uh, showing this. It's their take on the expanse, really. Um, the world building's good. It's well handled. Um, it's definitely not the production value is nowhere near as good as what the expanse was even in season one. But um, uh, what's it called? It's good for what it is. It feels like something that would be on NBC, but they're cursing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is gore. There is death. Shit happens. Um, I don't. I won't say it's as shocking deaths like The Expanse, but there are definitely good parts, and it's just politics well handled. If you if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, if you're a fan of any type of like politics in space on primetime television, this falls into that category. I'm so glad you came back, and I'm so glad that you said these things about Intergalactic because it kind of hurts me to leave a show after two episodes, but like it just didn't really have me, and I didn't really have time. But to I hear wish- that these characters become characters and that these very complicated politics have payoff is like really exciting to me. I, yeah, I wish the series started with episode two and they used episode one as flashbacks throughout the season so we mm-hmm. can keep history and then understand how these quote unquote convicts got to be like what they are as like pirate convicts. I would have preferred that story, but if one if you can get through the first three episodes, you're gonna enjoy by the time we get to episode eight. Because it's only eight episodes, it's not Oh. Well, that's even better. Oh my god, Steve, you're back, and you're back. You know what? Yeah, you you fucking. You, Christ, let me crack my knuckles. He's back with the goods too. Oh, he is. He's back. <laughs> he quiet he, place like shit, man. It was it, it was a quiet place when you left, and now oh, you, man, you, Brian, that that, and, that 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 makes me feel so much better, dude. And now that you're back, you grabbed this podcast by the balls and you took control. Oh. You took control. You grabbed the podcast by the balls. You took control. You, you, Jake, he grabbed this podcast by our smooth balls because we've all been manscaped. <laughs> Dude, very nice plug. <laughs> I don't even have to. This episode is not even brought to you by Manscaped. I was wondering about that. I was going to bring it up a few times. But I was like, ah, oh, he hasn't brought it up. I don't no, think we're doing that. No, it's not. This episode, we're going to do one in June. It is, though. There's a girl here. <laughs> what? I said, is it because there's a girl here? No, 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 no. I would talk about, I, I don't care that you're here. I would talk about my clean shaven balls with you here or not. So I'll talk about my clean shaven balls this whole time on the podcast. Oh my, you've got, you have, about them. questions. Melissa has 
clean shaven twaticles, and I am so happy for her. <laughs> I am so happy That's for you. More like landscape. Dude, I honestly, Jake, I think a, Manscaped makes a pink version. I'm all the way in. I think I honestly think that Manscaped would work for women, Jake. Don't you? Oh yeah, I think so too. I, I don't see anything about that razor that makes it only for a man. I don't either. I don't either. It's fucking. It's, I used to get the razors in the mail for my beard. My wife would use them uh, for her legs. Come which on, ones did you did you go with? Uh, Dollar Shave. Yeah, I think it was Dollar Shave. Yeah, I still I still do Dollar Shave. Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh man. Anyway. Yeah, so stick with Intergalactics. What are you going to rate it, Steve? What, it pays off. What are you going to rate I it? I taste it. I'm definitely going to come back for the second season. But, yeah, that first episode, to me, does it a disservice. Yeah. Uh, but if you can get through the first three episodes, and, and like, it's, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like Star Trek. It's, it's not like anything like that. But, like, if you can get in, if you're a fan of, like, The Expanse or Star Trek or, um, damn it, what is that show? Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, that too, but the, um, the, uh, the, what, no, it starts in O, I think, the, or, the OA. No, the, um, uh, Orville. The Orville. The Orville, then I would definitely. The Orville, really? Well, the Orville gets pretty, like, oh, I know. Cultural stuff and like I, like really cool time wimey stuff as well. But like, I get it. Yeah, two stories. So. I guess I just says, yeah. I you know like the Orville gets pretty serious, but on the flip side, it's got the it's, it's like this show gets like there's some yeah. funny moments, but this is really yeah. that type of drama in space. No, but like when you said the Orville, like my ears perked up because I love that show. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're talking about uh, Steve. We have moved on to Plan B. Yeah. Oh, I saw that as well. Great. Okay. Movie. Okay. Oh, you loved it. You loved Plan B. What did? Okay, give me your thoughts on Plan B. I'm tough wearing it. I loved yeah. it. I thought it was it was so good, so funny, great. I I mean I I'm gonna, I'm going to be talking more about it uh, tomorrow. There's so much I want to get into with this movie. It's so good. I love these type of movies, especially like this unpregnant, like all yes, these like. Yes. Western movies about like just abortion rights in general and like you know this was me like 10 12 years ago like like being in this type of like uh environment so it's nice to finally see these type of movies now later and just like like you know these movies are very educational I feel for the younger generations and they just really I do feel that like like this and like PS to all the boys. Some of these younger movies are showing what like what are supposed to be like perfect boyfriends or like perfect reaction to stuff. I think that's a great thing to have in these movies right now because I think they need it in a way. Everybody needs it just to yeah, see. Yeah, like that boyfriend from Moxie too. Yeah, exactly. It's like for once, like let's for the next couple of years, I don't mind having like what are the correct reactions to these situations so that people know how to fucking respond in real life because you get all these like funny like, oh, no moments. And I feel like, well, that was great for a time. I think these stories now, these movies are doing great jobs, even blockers. They're just great young adult stories that are just hitting comedy and real life situations. And I'm loving it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jake, like you asked me before we recorded this podcast, you were like, dude, I didn't get a lot of time to watch things this week. It's been a hectic week. 
I have time to watch one more thing. What should I watch? And I hadn't even watched it yet, but I thought that this was definitely something that we should be talking about was plan B. And so I threw it out to you and you watched this. And what did you think about this movie plan B? Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. It was an absolute Tupperware for me. I thought I thought the two leads were just so fantastic and just really like brought this story home. I thought it was both hysterical, poignant, charming, touching, inclusive. I mean, it was it was really funny. It got off to a little bit of a slow start for me. I think they probably could have got to the A plot a little bit faster if I were going to make one one small complaint. But it, it was still so funny throughout. And I mean there were moments that just had me laughing harder than anything I can think of in the last few months. That dude. entire scene at the playground with the drug dealer. Oh my dealer. God. Dude, That's with, so they called it, what did she call him? She called him fucking like the drug dealing meth goblin or some shit. I can't remember. It goes so far. Like it goes farther than maybe anything I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot believe what I'm fucking seeing in this right now. She's getting oh, ready oh to fucking God. suck this guy's dick who's got it's like... It's a whole dick. It's a whole, whole dick. dick. That, and he's got a fucking Prince with Albert. A high schooler. He's got a Prince... <laughs> yeah, with a 17-year-old. Oh, my God. It's a se- Well, he's 17 as well, but it's a fucking Prince Allegedly. Albert. She's Allegedly. Getting, yeah. Allegedly. And he's got a fucking Can Prince... Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if anyone's going to agree with me on this or I'm just fucking crazy, but that drug dealer actor reminded me of Rob Schneider. Mm. Oh, I can see that. I didn't. <laughs> I, he's acting more, just like with like his like I don't know, like like just his reactions to stuff. But I can yeah, see it. it just had a real Rob Schneider vibe to me. And no, t- you know, not that it made it a bad thing, but it, it was just so over the top and so goofy. I oh yeah. maybe when like before he got his dick sucked and he said you can do it, then maybe that was like <laughs> the tip off. <laughs> he tried. Wait, he dude, could bring Liberty Bell. I'll tell you that much. I fucking love. Oh I love the. God. I love the character of Doug, the guy that fucking was crying about the moths dying in the fire. Oh my god! She gets oh my him god. at the party because she's just so aggressive with him, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll follow you for sure." You, you, you knew I wasn't serious either. Oh, I loved oh, it. Man. I fucking love yeah. that. Her on the speed was just absolutely hysterical. Uh-oh. She I, said it's a little, uh, it's a little speedy. Yeah, but I think it's making my driving better. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's coming back. It's first. This movie is an absolute Tupperware. I loved it so much. I thought it was it. so funny and like, yeah, it it definitely it's like it's following in a long line of like what I feel like a really funny female led. Movies like fucking Booksmart and Unpregnant, and this is just another one. Plan B is like super fucking good, super fucking funny. The best of all those movies. I would like to rewatch all of them and make a ranking, but I would maybe agree because this is the one that hits the hardest on the things that are like the most important to me, like abstinence only, sex education, purity culture. like deny the fact that a doctor can just arbitrarily deny contraceptive because he doesn't like the vibe of a person across the counter. Like these things legitimately make me see red. And the fact that this movie could talk about them and also make me cry laughing is like, 
Yeah. Give it an Oscar. I don't care. It's a perfect movie. It's really good. <laughs> the guy from uh from Lizards, uh what's it the called? Broken yeah. Lizard, the Broken Lizard oh, comedy troupe from uh Super Troopers. Like Indian Ray Romano. Oh, he's totally the <laughs> Indian Ray Romano. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I this one. I was like, oh my god! Oh, he's so fucking good. I love Super Troopers. I don't care what you say, Jake. Fuck you. I love what? Super Troopers. <laughs> the sequel was great too. I love the sequel too, and I love that fucking show that they got the the fucking Tacoma FD on fucking True TV. I think that that's fucking brilliant. Oh, I didn't know they were doing a show. I need to check that out. Oh, well, he's not in it, but they got the fucking uh, the the one dude, the leader of Cola guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's fucking... Oh, it's called Tacoma FD. It's on True TV, and it's so funny, Steve. It's so good. I love Check it. that out. Broken Lizard's a good group. I love him. Yeah. Plan B, it's a Tupperware. It's on Hulu. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm not going to talk about this one too much. It's called Eden. It's on Netflix. I watched the first episode. Did you guys watch this one? I finished it. You finished Eden? Mm-hmm. How? It's only four episodes. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a, it's it only a, takes it only takes two hours to finish, yeah. and this is actually only the second anime I've ever watched. And the first one was literally like two weeks ago when I watched Yasuke on Netflix. Also, because I love Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> okay, so you watched Yasuke? That was a great fucking mm-hmm. anime. Uh, this is a human girl secretly raised by robots starts to uncover the dark secrets behind her lush utopian world where humanity has all but vanished. Uh, and I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, I kind of get what this show is about. And it's a very kind of like PG kids kind of like anime where humanity is mm-hmm. been wiped out. The world is been, has been controlled by robots over many years. And there's a group of robots that believe that humans are kind of like a curse and evil and um a girl young girl shows up um you've got this whole society of robots that believe that there was once like the creators were humans and then you've got these other robots that are trying to wipe out those robots that believe that you know humans were the original creators and blah 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 i i I enjoyed the first episode quite a bit it just like as you know i've watched a bunch of anime and this one i felt like is going to be good for like younger viewers but it wasn't enough for me to continue Mm -hmm. to watch it what did you think melissa um i'll give it a high taste it overall um I really liked that it was only four episodes because I I just sat down and watched it in a night and I feel like I got a full story. Like there can be more going forward if they want that, but the arcs were completed in the four episodes and I really appreciate that. Um, there, like by the end of it, it really feels like this is just like this is like a character drama. It stays PG, basically. Like there isn't like massacres, like. In Yasuke. Um, and there's like a sequence in episode three that got a couple tears out of me. Um, it, I had some issues with the performance of the main character, Sarah, because her voice performance stays super childish. 
through the whole thing. But by the end of the first episode, she's like an adult. They call her, they, the robots like discuss the fact that in human years, like she is an adult and like she's wearing like a sexualized outfit and like she has cartoon boobs, but she giggles like she's a toddler and that kind of freaks me out. Um, but the whole, the whole story of Eden is really, is actually really interesting and it only takes two hours and there's, there's a pretty interesting twist that I didn't see coming. So maybe people would see it coming if they're more attuned to this style of storytelling than I am, but I didn't and I was, I was surprised. I thought it was really interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, now that I know that it's only four episodes, maybe. Yeah, you know, fuck, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna watch this shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, I'm, and I kept wanting to go back and forth between like the original language and the sub, beca- or in the dub, because, um, like the, the dub, the English speaking is like, actors that they specifically got like David Tennant is in this for example mm. and it's like that was really interesting but I kind of wanted to watch it in like the original language but then I got kind yeah. of tripped up because I'm like is it the original language because all of these people all the named characters have like very Anglo-Saxon names like her name's Sarah Grace yeah like a Japanese person did not name this child so that all of that was like a little confusing but all in all I enjoyed it. What, what would you rate it? High taste it, you said? Oh, uh, probably high taste it, yeah. There you go. Uh, and the last thing that we're going to talk... Oh, uh, Karen Walgren does voices on this. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to point out that Carol, Carrie Walgren follows PCL on Twitter, Jake. Oh, hi. I'm not going to say anything in fear of losing her follow. I don't want to lose her follow either, dude. We used to have the fucking chocolate rain guy following us and he fucking stopped following us. Oh, that one's not my fault. I love that guy. I love that guy too. I don't know why the he why did Chocolate Rain guy stop following PCL, Jake? Oh man. I thought I could blame you. No, I bet it's me. He did a voice on that Transformers show and I did a Transformers podcast with Hepner and we kind of criticized it. Ooh. I bet that's my fault. Let's blame Hopkins. Maybe this is your host's name. Oh, yeah, we just called him Chocolate Rain Guy. Chocolate Rain Guy. I know, yeah, Steve, you're right. We just kept calling him Chocolate Rain Guy. <laughs> oh, fuck, I bet that's it. He used to follow us on Twitter, Steve, and now he doesn't follow us anymore, and I bet it's you're right. We just kept calling, we referred to him as Chocolate Rain Guy. Yeah, he's more than that. He's more than just the Chocolate Rain Guy. There's so much more to him. Uh, All right, move it along, PCL guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, Skull the Mask. This premiered on Shutter, and no one else watched this except for Melissa, who's the fucking overachiever on this episode, apparently. So, what did you think about uh, the ma- Skull? And I'm not saying that. No, Melissa, you fucking killed it this episode. I didn't do shit. I'm the fucking. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the showrunner, and I didn't watch this one. It's a splatter-filled supernatural slasher. A pre-Columbian artifact contains the spirit of Anhanga. The executioner of the god Tahawanatusupe. I don't know. I don't think I said that right. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anhanga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. A throwback treat for fans of 80s slashers and gory practical effects. This is Skull the Mask. On a Shutter original, and uh, Melissa, 
What did you think of Skull, the mask? Uh, Okay. So I sat down to watch this movie, and I had a really hard time getting into it. And I made it through the movie, but someone called me when I had like five minutes left, and I got up to talk to them, and then I never came back and finished the movie. So like technically, I haven't seen it because I missed the last five minutes. But I'm going to give this like a really low taste it because I feel like there might be something here if you're interested in a throwback to these gory slasher movies, which I'm not really. But also I feel like if you're interested in those, you might be disappointed because I feel like those effects are kind of used a little bit sparingly um, because this movie takes its time with like a lot of other things. So there's a bunch of subplots happening. I don't really feel like any of them were properly explored. I feel like there's a lot of interconnectivity between all these plots that could have been really interesting, but there's nothing really to tie them together in any meaningful way. Um, I feel feel like, like, I feel like I gave you too much credit about being an overachiever. I know. And you didn't watch the last five minutes. This was the last. Finish it. I've, there's five minutes I haven't seen, but I can almost guarantee you I know what happens. Oh my God. (laughs) What? You, 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 you did. So you have no idea how the movie ends. Yeah. I I, think I know. Remember the, the, remember the gold star I gave you before? The gold star that. Take one of my gold stars. I still have one left. So. Well, the second one you had to beg for, and I barely gave that one to you. Well, then you can have that one back. So it's not even worth going back to finish the movie. It's not a good movie. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused that she didn't toss it. There was only five minutes left that she couldn't yeah. be bothered to watch. I don't want to. I don't want to because I yeah, feel guilty you, tossing a movie. Because if somebody watched this and it's really good and it's right up their alley, I don't want to be like, ah, oh, fuck this movie. I didn't even finish it. Like it just feels like I don't know. I feel like I should give it an incomplete. <laughs> Honestly, if, uh, if it's I have not to- my genre, but I yeah. was trying to do the homework, and so I looked at my TV while this movie was on, but it's like, I don't... This is a toss-it, Melissa. It's, don't feel okay, bad. Okay, toss-it! Fucking toss-it. <laughs> toss-it right out in the garbage. Light on fire. I don't care what happens to it. Yeah, if you don't care enough to go back and watch it, it's a toss-it, right? It's just really not interesting. Like, there's a fuck ton of characters and none of them seem to really matter and there's a person with the mask on and they're doing the things and they're making the gore and the splatters but it's like really sparingly so it's like if the point of this movie was to have the opportunity to use all these cool gory bloody practical effects like you wasted your time and your money when you wanted to do that making this like a weird kind of police procedural when it's like who cares? Just kill people. <laughs> you know what, Jake? I'm gonna give her. I'm gonna give her her uh, her star back. <laughs> yeah, I think she earned it. I'm gonna give her a star back. I feel bad about taking the star away. Like I didn't even start this movie, so. <laughs> so. <laughs> Guys, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Dude, Jake, this first news story, I was sent this next story from one of our Twitter followers at Atlanta. It's ATL Bone and Bread. And it, and, and he sent me this fucking news story. I didn't know about it. And it comes from Collider. Moonlight star Travante Rhodes to play Mike Tyson in Hulu's Iron Mike series 
If listeners, if you guys remember, this was my pick for young Mike Tyson months ago, and they fucking did it. They fucking, I said, Tervante Rhodes is the guy to play a young Mike Tyson, and they fucking did it, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, that was a real left field pick, too. I, I, I mean, look at, if you look at Travante Rhodes, this guy looks like a young Mike. He looks like a young Mike Tyson. He's very fit. He looks like Mike Tyson. And they've got him to play in Hulu's limited series, Iron Mike. Uh, it hails from the team, I, uh, behind I, Tanya. And it's going to explore the former heavyweight champion's wild, tragic, and controversial life and career. The series aims to go beyond the hype, headlines, and media frenzy to examine a story that deals with racism, misogyny, wealth divide, and the impact of generational trauma in America told through the lens of this boxing legend. Despite being one of the most polarizing figures in sports culture, the hard-hitting fighter has already been the subject of multiple documentaries, including James Toback's acclaimed 2009 film Tyson, and Trevante Rhodes is going to star in this version. And uh, this is the version that Mike Tyson was complaining about that we talked about last week, Jake. Like, this is the one that he was, like, not behind. He's behind the Jamie Foxx one. He's working closely with Jamie Foxx on that movie. But he is not supporting uh, this fucking movie. And uh, it makes me want to kind of, like, watch it a little bit more. Yeah, it's going to get dirty if they're, if he's not supporting it. There must be a reason. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's great fucking casting because this was my pick. This was my fucking pick to play Mike Tyson. Travante Rhodes, I think. Uh, he, he was in Moonlight. He was, uh, um, uh, if you guys have seen Moonlight, he's the, the third guy to play the character. We see the character over three different, uh, parts of his life. He's the third guy to play the character. And then he was also in, uh, Predator, the latest, uh, installment in the Predator films. But I think Travante Rhodes is a great fucking pick for Mike Tyson. I think this is fucking great. So I'll watch it. I will definitely be watching this one. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Call Me By Your Name and Dune star Timothy Chalamet is set to play iconic chocolatier Willy Wonka in the upcoming Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prequel movie at Warner Brothers titled Wonka. This new spin on the Roald Dahl children's novel classic will focus on a young Willy and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. And uh, so, yeah, we're getting... We heard that uh, Timothy Chalamet was in, uh, you know, contention to play this role. He won it out. He's going to be playing a young Willy Wonka. And uh, here's where it gets interesting for me, Jake. Paddington Helmer, Paul King, will direct from a screenplay he wrote with Simon Farnaby. Uh, for as much as I've said, like, yeah, I don't need a fucking uh, Willy Wonka prequel. The one redeeming thing about this story is the fact that they've got Paul King behind this. And everything that I've ever heard about Paddington and Paddington 2 is like, those are fucking great movies. So I know that there's there's a bigger chance that this movie is going to be a huge flop. But what are, what are the chances that this could actually be good with a guy like Paul King behind it? Yeah, very possible. I mean, I've never seen the Paddington movies. It's just not really my speed. Oh um, man. People, people rave about Paddington and people say that Paddington mm-hmm. two is even better than Paddington one. I've got to watch these movies now. Like this is like, oops. Did what's, you see? What's that, Steve? 
hit the news that um, I think it's either Paddington or Paddington 2. It was like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. as like one of the only movies to be 100% with no negative reviews. Yeah. And some submitted one the other day. No, it was it wasn't that someone submitted one the other day. I, I read this. It was that they found one that they didn't include in the tally. Oh, oh wait, that's not an automatically calculated. That's like, weird. where are you finding reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, yeah, it was like a 2016 review or some shit like that. Like it was like an older review that didn't get computed for some reason. That's that weird because like we we Jake we have you know like we've got we've got our own writers. Melissa, you're a writer. And you've you've submitted reviews and like all I do is fucking, you know, post your review and submit it to Rotten Tomatoes. And then it shows that your your review has been added. And then like within 30 minutes, your review is added to the site. It shouldn't be an issue. How dare someone speak ill of Paddington? I've never even seen that movie. And I know. (laughs) <laughs> that you're not supposed to talk shit about it. I, I think honestly, I think that uh, there are. I think that there are fucking Rotten Tomatoes reviewers that just see that there's a movie that's fucking 100. percent So they're just like, you know what? I'm gonna get so, a little bit of fucking bullshit notoriety and give it a rotten review. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. I, I there, okay, it is a new movie. It was. It appears to be an active decision by Harrison, who wrote the negative review, to take down the movie because he preemptively defended himself at the end of the review. He says, oh, this is where I got confused. He reviewed it negatively in 2017 on multiple occasions, and he stands by every word of his criticism. Weird. So he wrote a positive review, but he's on record for neg- like much more negative thoughts, so they're transitioning it? No, he, he said a lot of negative stuff about it when it came out in 2017, but never wrote his review until now. And he has all the recorded proof that he's always had this stance, well, even though he just now wrote the review. He's oh. apparently always been wrong. So he's just a dick. He's a dick, yeah. <laughs> he's just I, I agree with you, Steve. He's just a dick. That's what we're learning from this. Like, if you have you have proof from 2017 that you've been saying this, it's like, so you've been waiting until now to write it? I mean, congratulations and everything, but it's just like, at this point, I feel like you're just... Four years? Four years? Are you just waiting to, like, set up that website and now you're ready for people to find you? I just, wow. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, dude. You're a fucking troll. You're a fucking, you're the worst kind of troll. The only way I give this a pass is if he, like, submits 100 or 150 reviews at once to Rotten Tomatoes. And this is, like, he was, like, just building up and he didn't like it. That's fair. Fine. He's the one person that has... Rotten Tomatoes credentials, and you didn't like it. That's fair. But unless it's like a Tuesday and he decided to upload it because the news has been slow that week, fuck that guy. Well, but here's he the – okay. 200 reviews because he finally set something up, then fine. What are you going to do? The but, guy still sounds like a dick, and we probably wouldn't like him anyway because <laughs> he's the only person that doesn't like Paddington. What don't you like? You don't like the effects of a CGI bear? Like what is it? Here's the question though, is like for as much as I don't want a Willy Wonka prequel. A and, prequel. Uh, no what? one's asking for that either. For as much as I don't want the prequel, no like asking what he did. But can you can Paul King make this a, a fucking movie with Timothy Timothy Chalamet that uh 
that kids will be able to connect to. Cause like, you gotta understand, like, at this point, if we're going prequel, we're not getting the, we're not getting Willy Wonka in the factory. And like, the factory is like, like some of the most fun parts of the original movie. I, I mean, I love Gene Wilder, but the fucking factory is like a character within itself, like touring the factory for the first time and seeing like how they make these fantastical fucking candies and shit is so much fucking fun when you watch that movie. And this is a prequel. This is basically like we're, we're learning about this character and him coming up with, I don't know. Do we need to see like this character, like meeting the Oompa Loompas and all this bullshit? I don't know. No. I, okay. Talk to me. He, I mean, I guess we don't know what happened between Wonka and the Oompa Loompas, but like, it's vaguely problematic what he's doing with them in those movies we already have. So it's like, do I want to see this man meet a small orange race of people and convince them to come work in his factory ostensibly for free? Not really. <laughs> I mean, this is really weird to me too. I, I feel like half the, like the thing about Willy Wonka is he's kind of an unlikable character. In He's every, a dickhead. Yeah, in every he version we've seen. He fucks over children. Yeah, and that's kind of the fun of the movie. You don't like, you don't even like kids, Melissa. I know, the kids in Willy Wonka suck too. That's the thing. <laughs> all the characters in Willy Wonka, in the Willy Wonka movies are all dickheads. They you are, no. Prequel let's of be, how the dickhead became a dickhead? Like. The kids in Willy Wonka are all cunts. And that is exactly. That That's why they're not getting yeah. prequel movies. <laughs> the biggest dickhead in the original movie is fucking Charlie's grandfather. Yes, I mean that guy's well, such fuck a fucking like he can't sponge. Walk. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the mom's like eating fucking like laundry for dinner and shit, and this guy's pretending to be sick, and the whole thing just fucking kills me. <laughs> What sucks about this is I'm going to watch this movie because I love Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. And so I'm like, I guess if anybody can make this a good movie, it's Lil Timmy Tim and it's the the director of Paddington. But at the same time, I'm like, these two people could make a different movie together. Little Timmy Tim. Is that a thing? Um, so <laughs> he went to LaGuardia, which is like that art school in New York. And there's videos of him, like from high school doing like little Timmy Tim things. Like he raps about his math class and he does like talent shows and shit. So, the, the, like, so you guys are not excited for this movie at all. No. I'm not that excited, but I will watch it. Okay. Jake. And yeah, I will I, see I'm... the Paddingtons before I do it. I'm not excited for this at all. I feel like they have they have to make Willy Wonka a likable character. Like, there's no way they can make him the lead in a prequel, and he's still going to be an asshole. And not doing that is completely against the essence of how yeah. the story works in the first place. So yeah. I, I just think it's a terrible idea. I think it's a terrible idea too. I think that the fucking writing uh, team and uh, Paul King have their work cut out for them to make this a fucking good movie i don't think god damn it it's just like i feel like i feel like the gene wilder one is so perfect like it's like the like there's certain movies that shouldn't be remade and like wizard of oz and fucking willy wonka and the chocolate factory are like those movies like fuck off with that shit knock it off yeah i i hated the songs in the tim burton johnny depp version yeah but i really dug 
Johnny Depp's portrayal of Willy Wonka. I hated mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw those Johnny Depp, the Johnny Depp Wonka movie before I ever saw the original. What? And so I kind of have a soft spot for it. Oh my god, that is insane to me. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Let's. Okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's insane. That is insane. Oh fuck. Did you? But you did watch the Gene Wilder one. Yes, I've seen it. And it is superior to the Tim Burton version. Um, I would like to just say yes, but oh my. I don't have reasons, and so I would need to rewatch them both so that I could concoct my thesis. Oh, this is your last episode ever. Ah, I have two gold stars. <laughs> yeah, those are fucking bullshit oh my god no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm fucking wow i'm fucking with you wow oh (laughs) stop it guys let's move on in steve what nothing (laughs) (laughs) let's move on into marvel news there we go that's enough of that uh I got a Marvel email here. Last week we talked about like possible fucking, uh, replacements for, uh, for Wolverine. And I got an email here from Will- Willie Reese and he says, John David Washington. So the star of Tenet, star of Tenet, John David Washington is Wolverine. And I, I read this email and I was like, holy shit. I was like, John David Washington, let me consider this. I love the actor. I think John David Washington's good. Does he have the edge to play Wolverine? And in my personal opinion, I don't think he has the fucking edge to play Wolverine. If I was going to go with a black actor to play Wolverine, I would go with Jonathan Majors. But Jonathan Majors is going to be playing fucking Kang in the Loki series. I would go with Jonathan Majors, man. That's me. I would go with Jonathan Majors. I don't know fucking does John David Washington have the edge to play Wolverine? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question to you, Steve. John David Washington from Tenet from Ballers, John David Washington from Black Klansman, can John David Washington play fucking Wolverine? At this point of time, I would say it depends on the director. Because Christopher Nolan and um Spike Lee got a lot out of him with Tenet and Black Klansman. Like he was good in Ballers, but does he like, have the edge, man? I just see him as like, like a good dude. I don't see him as fucking like having the edge of fucking like Wolverine. Yeah, I think he can. It just uh did you see the the movie Monster on Netflix that came out a few weeks ago? He shows up in that movie for a minute. I have not seen it. He shows up for that movie for a minute where he has to play like a bad dude or whatever. So, yeah, I think he can have have the edge. But I really think it depends more on the director on what to do with it. Because just looking at like all of his stuff that he's done recently, I do feel that like what's going on behind the camera is going to help or hurt him because he's so young still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason. Give it if it was like five more years, maybe give a couple more movies where I can see more stuff out of them. Then I'd probably be going, yeah, because it it kind of works because the way he can he can have those looks. I can see it, but it's just more of I don't know. It's just it's still too early in the movie game of just like a like I can I can't just go yes, but like I can see it for sure. But again, it depends on 
who's the showrunner or who's the director. Yeah. It depends on all their stuff as well. So. Okay. For me, it's just like I haven't seen that fucking like edge from yeah. John David Washington yet. I haven't seen that edge from him. Like if I had to go with a fucking black actor right now, I'd go with Jonathan Majors. I think that I think that that and like they got that guy playing possibly Kang or Immortus in the Loki series. That would be my guy. Like I've seen this. I've seen Jonathan Majors play a fucking badass in some movies. I also, so. I also feel Wolverine has to be like a a thirty five forty year old guy. Re- uh, See, I'm the opposite like, of that. He has to be aged. Like, like by the time, unless the MCU changes things, Wolverine was a full adult during the Civil War. If you were following the actual comics, so I feel like by the time we hit 2020, if we're after the snap in the MCU, then I feel like he's got to be a thir- 33 to 36, 37 year old looking man at that point. Well, John, I think John David Washington fits that. I think Jonathan Majors fits that. Uh, John David Washington, he's 36 right now. I think that's about the perfect age. Really? Okay. They just look, they they look really young, but okay, that, if that's it, I just feel like they have to, the person has to look like they have some history behind them as well. Like you're talking edge. I'm, I'm thinking more of like, these people have had to see things. They had to see the Civil War. They had to see World War II. You know, if if the MCU could follow, a, a and that's why that's why Jake, and that's why I'm so against fucking like I love what Steve's saying here, that because that's why I'm so against fucking uh, Daniel Radcliffe playing the character. I just oh God, I'm just and that's so, also I feel he's a little too young because we have to believe this guy possibly saved um, Magneto or Eric Slencher. In in the camps, they could go that route. I mean, we're talking about the MCU, the kings of making people look older and younger, and, and so I don't really see that being that much of an issue. Like, I don't know. He doesn't look like a young guy to me. Okay, okay. Like he doesn't look like a baby or by any means. So. No, it's not that. I'm just thinking that. Like, um, I I don't know. I mean, I just feel like they have to. I I think that they look younger than Chadwick Boseman did when he came in as T'Challa. I feel like they have to have that that look of like actual presence of like they've had history with this person. You know what I mean? No, no, I understand that. I understand that. You know, so that's how I'm looking at it more. Like the animal edge, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, but it's more of for me history and like like you know when you look at someone's eyes have they seen things and wolverine has seen like you know hundreds of years of shit yeah so no i get that i just feel like you have to cast someone between like 30 and 35 or not younger just so you can have the same actor be this character for the next 15 years okay if we're following that rule specifically then i would say no to uh jd washington i'd say no to jonathan majors i think they're still too Unless the, unless that Marvel sees something I I don't I don't see them having the um, I don't know I I also haven't seen Johnson I haven't seen Majors in the um, the Lovecraft Country show. So no, it's not, I, 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 I'm not even I'm I'm talking about fucking Jonathan Majors in Captive State. Oh, okay. I'm talking about like you know I'm talking about Jonathan Majors from Captive State. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm pulling like my, you know, but, but man, I I just think he has a little bit more of an edge than John David Washington. 
Yeah. It's it, see, that's the thing. It's like I can fuck. I love John David Washington. I think he's a fucking great actor. But man, trying to think of him as like playing Wolverine is another thing altogether. I would, I would rather have Jonathan Majors. That, but you know, I mean, it's that, cast Jake casting the next Wolverine. Is, that those are huge shoes to fill. Dude, I mean, trying to fill the shoes of a Hugh Jackman. <laughs> How is Kevin Feige even going to? How? How? How I mean, are you going? No, there's no decision that's going to make all of fandom happy. Like it's it's going to be one of those. It's like a Batman casting. Yeah, it's like it's a Superman casting. Yeah. It's trying to cast the next Christopher Reeve, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that's a, a, a great analogy. Well, it's been, what, 20 years with Hugh Jackman now at this point? Yeah, we're looking at 2000 when X-Men came out, man. Yeah, it's like multiple generations knowing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Melissa, right. Melissa, I want to know your thoughts. Like, if you had to... If you had to cast the next Wolverine, who would you pick? Like, and well, I don't want anybody to fight me, but like, I love Daniel Radcliffe. I want him to do all of the things. Um, caveat: I have not seen any Hugh Jackman Wolverine movies, so I don't actually know <gasps> what I'm comparing this casting. Wow. To. Okay. Yeah, that is a huge caveat. That yeah. is a huge caveat. Absolutely. Um, also, I love John David Washington. I want him to be in all the things. I love Jonathan Majors. I want him to be in all the things. Here's the thing. So, here's, Melissa, here's the thing. Listen, I love Daniel Radcliffe, too. I love Daniel Radcliffe. I, that- I love John David Washington. I love Jonathan Majors. But at the bottom, the bottom line is... I also love the character of Wolverine, and I want the best actor in there to play that character. Bottom line, I want the best actor in there to play Wolverine. I think, I think, I think Daniel Radcliffe is going to have many opportunities to play many characters throughout the years. Do I want him in there as Wolverine? Jake, you sent me pictures, man. You sent me pictures this week, dude, of fucking. Of, uh, of Daniel Radcliffe. And I'll be honest with you, when you sent me those pictures, you sent me pictures of Daniel Radcliffe and he was looking ripped. He had a six pack. He was looking lean. He was looking tough. And I was like, maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe I'm, maybe I am on the wrong side of things. Maybe I am thinking like, you know, like maybe I am fucking thinking that you only, that we can only get a Tom Hardy. We can only get a Henry Cavill in here. As Wolverine, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong in thinking that. Maybe I'm the maybe I am. Maybe that's that that like Jake. I'm a product. I am a product of '80s and '90s action heroes. Okay, I grew up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and these guys were fucking. These guys were like they were ripped. They were badasses. They they were fucking pumped full of steroids, and. You know, when I was a kid, I was just like, holy shit, like, these are the guys that this, you know, like, when you think of Wolverine, you think, that's what you think of. You think of a fucking guy that's just fucking like, and I know in the comics, when the character was first introduced, he's five foot three and he's not fully just jacked and shit. 
But like, you know, as the comics went on, once we got into like the early, like late eighties, early nineties, like he was fucking just vascular and ripped and veins popping out of fucking every, you know, like orifice on this fucking character, man. And maybe I'm just a product of that generation, 80s and 90s, where we were just raised on Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger, where all of our action heroes were just fucking just ripped. And maybe I was thinking like, and you sent me that picture uh, of Daniel Radcliffe, and I was like, maybe I'm wrong for thinking this. Maybe he could, maybe he could do this. So I have kind of backtracked a little bit on that, man. And like, if, if it came down to it, if they cast Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine, I would be willing to give him a chance. But at the end of the day, if I had to pick my next Wolverine, I'd say, you know what? Warner Brothers really fucked over Henry Cavill. Give that motherfucker the claws. Give him the fucking claws. Give me Henry Cavill as the next Wolverine. That's, that's my choice. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I do like about that is I, I'm all here for that kind of drama. Like, I really love the idea of Marvel, like, shooting a cannonball across Warner Brothers' bow. Right, by right. By taking the guy that they fumbled Superman with yeah, it yeah. as one of their flagship characters. Like, that kind of rivalry I, I can definitely get behind. Like, I, I really like that that aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, but, but. I, I do want to apologize to you and maybe some of the other people. And I don't apologize much on this fucking show. I don't... I, but I do want to apologize to people for fucking maybe dismissing Daniel Radcliffe so early. It's easy to typecast people too. I mean, it, I think it's more than just like what you said about the, what you grew up with attitude about the action hero. Like dude was Harry Potter for eight fucking movies. Yeah. And it's hard to shake that fucking shit. It is. Know? It is. Dude. And I, dude, listen, listen, I am 100% down for fucking Robert Pattinson, fucking Batman, because he has fucking, proven himself in other fucking movies you know that he can he can fuck that he can like high life and what's the other movie that he did with the safety brothers is it big time is that what it's called yeah lighthouse ah, fuck lighthouse that movie was garbage in my opinion <laughs> i hated lighthouse jake the safety brothers movie that uh, Pattinson did is Good Time. Good Time. I and love that movie. My hottest take is that I think Good Time is better than Uncut Gems. <laughs> uh, well, no, that's not that's not a hot take. I'll fucking I'll 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 fucking get on in on that. I'll get in on that action. I I fucking I'll share one of my gold stars with you. <laughs> no, I'll get in. I I lo- I thought Uncut Gems was really good and like to pull that kind of performance out of fucking Adam Sandler was incredible, but right. I'll watch Good Time over fucking Uncut Gems any day. It's just, like, it's such a good movie. It's really So what good. I'm thinking about is, like, two things. So the first thing is that I get defensive over Daniel Radcliffe because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, except fuck J.K. Rowling, but I'm a huge Harry <laughs> Potter fan, and I love Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, he is so funny and he never really got to be funny in harry potter and so i don't think that everybody really knows that about him but he's currently in this show miracle workers on tbs oh yeah kind of an anthology steve buscemi miracle yeah so funny every season and so it's like i don't really want him to get caught up in a character for the next 20 years that's not going to allow him to do that because i really want Danny Radcliffe out here making jokes. And, but the other thing is, is like, what type of movies do people get to prove themselves in? Because 
a lot of these castings, the response is like, oh, but we don't know if they can do that thing. But it's like these casting directors have this job for a reason. And so if they cast somebody, we don't think that they can do it, then they've obviously seen something that we haven't. So it's like, I don't want to say, oh, don't cast so-and-so as Wolverine because we don't know if they can do it because it's like maybe this first Wolverine movie is where we find out that there's a reason we're not hired as casting directors in Hollywood. Well, here's the thing. If he is fucking, if they cast him as Wolverine, they are definitely thinking about having this character play. They are 100% thinking about him playing the character for the next 20 years. Oh yeah. 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 And that's like, I would love to find. No, go ahead. I don't know. I feel like people go back. I, I hear two things all the time. Oh, they haven't proven themselves to be able to do that type of thing. Or I only want to cast unknowns in like a role. And I feel like I would not want to be in the position of these studios trying to make these two sides happy because I feel like we all believe both of those things at all the same time. So it's like I want an, I want an own I want an unknown in the part, but I want to know that they can do the thing. And it's just like Yeah, I get maybe it. don't make any Wolverine movies because <laughs> it's impossible to cast it. Dude, when they fucking when they when they fucking announced that Lily James was gonna be playing Pamela Anderson, I was like, What the fuck are you doing? Oh my god. Right? I said I said I fucking I love Lily James. I, I do. I fucking love her. I think she is fucking talented as all shit. I love a Lily James movie. I love seeing her and shit. I think she's super fucking talented. But when they said she was going to be playing Pamela Anderson, and then even when they said that fucking Sebastian Stan was going to be playing Tommy Lee, I was like, what the fuck? These are the, these are the two dumbest choices that you could ever <laughs> have. Like Courtney Love. That you could ever fucking have. <laughs> Playing these two roles in this fucking Hulu movie or whatever the fuck you're doing. This is dumb. And then all of a sudden, these pictures come out of Lily James and Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee, as Pamela Anderson, and I was fucking eating crow. I was like, holy. We all were. Here's the thing. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know what? It's like fucking they saw that if you put you put if you put if you put Lily James in in this makeup and they 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 saw something that we didn't. They saw something that we didn't. They put Lily James in this makeup. They fucking put they put her in this outfit to make her look like Pamela Anderson. And then they put, you know, fucking Sebastian Stan, they, they gave him all these tats all over his body and shit. And he fucking, you know, it looks like he's lost a little bit of weight to play this fucking character and shit. And then they fucking put these pictures out there. And I'm eating crow. I was so wrong. She looks, she looks a hundred percent like Pamela Anderson. She's got, she's like down to Jake, down to everything, uh, the, the the makeup the the her look every fucking curve on her body when she's wearing what she's wearing in those photos and then even Sebastian Stan you know fucking like got the shirt off got the tats got the eyeliner they both look like both of those fucking people like I was blown away by the fact that there are people in Hollywood that have the foresight, 
the, uh, to, to, to cast these two actors who I think are incredible. And I just thought it was terrible. And now I'm like thinking to myself, like they're doing this, they're doing this fucking Lucille Ball movie with Nicole Kidman. Was I wrong about that too? Is, is right. Nicole Kidman, like when we get the first picture of Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, am I going to be proven wrong? Because I was thinking to myself, no, they should, they should definitely get the, the actress that was, uh, uh, from, from Will and Grace. She's, she, she looks much more like Lucille Ball than, uh, than Nicole Kidman. But at the end of the day, Jake, when we get these first pictures of Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, am I going to be eating crow again? Maybe sometimes we're wrong. Like we were all wrong, in my opinion, about Heath Ledger being Joker. Imagine if they wouldn't have gone with Heath Ledger as Joker. Imagine. It's unfathomable to me that people weren't into that casting. Oh, you know, no, it's not. When that happened. It is really not. Were- it is yeah. not it like for you it's unfathomable but for right. I, I i think exactly. i think for people of my age and jake when that casting was first jake i don't know what were your thoughts when that when that casting first happened i was just like the guy from fucking what was it 10 things i hate about you i was like that's the guy they're getting are you were you, jake were you down with that casting at first i was not i thought it was terrible I- I was in the middle. I wasn't like, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever. I remember at the time I was a big fan of that Lords of Dogtown. Um, he doesn't have a very big role. Oh, I love that movie. He's great in that movie. But yeah, that really had me like with a real wait and see attitude. I was really confused why people were just like really, really, really down on it. I am because even Christian Bale, I wasn't like. 100% familiar with when that movie got cast. Like, I, I didn't see a lot of his bigger movies until after the fact. Like, I hadn't watched American Psycho up to that point. See, I had watched American Psycho. I had watched Empire of the Sun, but he was a child in that movie. Oh, I'd seen Empire of the Sun, too, but I didn't even know that was him until years after the first Batman movie. Right. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite Spielberg flicks and always has been. But oh, I, I love that. Like, make the connection that it's yeah. like the same person you know that's gonna be playing batman they melissa were, have you ever the sun's batman melissa have you ever seen empire of the sun i haven't oh my god steve have you ever seen empire of the sun yes i have oh oh okay you uh, melissa you've got to watch it bar kid what's that you want hershey bar kid oh, <laughs> oh my god i i own that shit on dvd thank yeah. god yeah. that's how i saw the christian bale yeah, like when, I, when I was like seeing trailers for Batman, my parents were like that's the kid from Empire of the Sun. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was crazy that they cast uh, Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe, and then seeing those pictures, I was like, okay, I, yeah, I, I guess that's correct. <laughs> well, okay, let's jump into this. I want to jump into this. Let's talk about the fucking casting of Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter, then, because yeah, I'm ready to prematurely hate this. I can I, see it. You can see I it. I love it. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Well, okay. If you were to ask me. Seen, um, Nocturnal Animals? Not, I haven't, but I have seen Savages. I have not seen Savages, but after seeing Tenet and Nocturnal Animals, he can easily do Craven. Let me look up Nocturnal Animals. I'm not sure if I've seen this one it's, or not. It's my second favorite movie of 2016. You want a good 
horror wow. that really makes you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere in Texas in present day where your cell phone doesn't work. He plays the most villain of villainous people that you'll see in the past 10 years of films. He okay. is so scary. She's oh, that's Amy Adams, right? Amy Adams, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael yeah. Shannon. I've got to watch this. This is this is oh, fucking great cannibal movie. army hammers in this. If you oh, like Unworld, this is a good um, double feature to go with. Holy it. shit, it's got Michael Shannon in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Michael Shannon's great in this. Let me ask you this, Steve. All right, so if I give you the choice of Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven or Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Who are you picking? Are we doing Craven the Last Hunt specifically? Uh, I mean, we don't. I mean, this movie, they've said that Spider Man, the rumor, the initial rumor was that Spider Man would be showing up in some capacity. But let's say that Spider Man does show up, but it is not Craven's Last Hunt. Then Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson all the way. Really? He can, go, he can do it for 10, 15 years, and he can he, – he is scary, man. He is fucking scary. And he has a great beard and tenant, so yeah. <laughs> Jake, what are your thoughts on this? I think Steve's question is really good. I, If it's an origin story, then I could see – going that young um i don't know i'm just i guess i haven't seen the actor in enough plausible things that it really did much for me oh, so, I, I just so kick ass and quicksilver is not enough for you jake no, no i get no. i understand i'm in the same boat as you i'm in the same boat as you i have not seen nocturnal animals i'm looking at this cast i'm looking at this movie this is something that i haven't seen and maybe this is like maybe this is the movie that i need to watch to get me behind this casting because as soon as I heard this, here's the thing that went through my head. I was like, fuck. Oh my God. Aaron Taylor Johnson. I am not a fan of this casting. Um, I, I wanted Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but then I keep thinking to myself, like what happens with all of these fucking castings It's like, we get this casting people piss and moan about it. And then all of a sudden we get Lily James looking like fucking Pamela Anderson. We're like, holy fucking shit. I'm all about this. Yeah. Give me this fucking movie now. Mainline it right now. I want it right now. And I was thinking to myself, like, as soon as we get the first pictures of Aaron Taylor Johnson in the fucking craven garb, we're going to be like, oh my God, he looks. <laughs> that shit needs a serious update though, right? What's that? Oh, the Craven costume? The Craven guard? No! I do not want it to be comic specific. Dude. Yeah, yeah, with the tiger heads. Uh, Yes! I totally want the tiger head, bro. Come on! You might as well cast Joe Exotic at that point. (laughs) No, I totally... I'm Steve. I'm with you. I want the tiger head, don't you? Fuck oh yeah! I, yo, if you're you, laughing while you're saying it, though, so it's very tongue in cheek. They were able, listen. They were able to pull off the Sam Wilson uh, comic book attire with the head, like with the without like the head part or whatever. So like Cyclops, all of it's on the table, man. Everything's going. They could easily make it work. Yeah, I'm I, so excited. I'm laughing co- because I'm giddy over this. That costume needs a serious update. If they go with that costume, I'll be, I'll be gobs. Is there a, is there a boss logic? Has boss logic done a picture of fucking Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven yet? I don't think so. 
See, Jake, if for as much as you don't like Boss Logic, I do appreciate Boss Logic when he does. When be when these castings, no, no, yeah. When these I, castings are announced, the visual, like visual of it, I, I just don't think it's that much talent. I think it does help yeah. us kind of like like get an idea of maybe like what they could look like as these characters. I appreciate that. Go ahead, Steve. Were you also going to shit on no, Boss Logic? No, mostly just like, <laughs> like, cause I heard what you guys were saying about Boss Logic and like, like Jay what he Moore. was saying. I like Boss Logic. I have but, no problem like, with Boss I, Logic. I agree with, like, it is kind of like one note that he's doing this. It does seem like he's doing the same thing a lot, but he did get famous over. I think he got famous over the whole casting thing with with how he was able to draw the casting and for like years. Well, good for shit. him. He found his fucking niche. Yeah. Oh, no, Jake, is that a, though, is that like, the picture, Jake? Is that the picture, Jake? Yeah, that's Boss Logic, um, Johnson Craven. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, it's not bad. I still stand by what I said that that costume has to go. Like, it's just so fucking goofy. I think right? it adds character, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hate the costume more than I hate the casting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I like, I like the costume, man. I want the costume. I want the fucking, I want the fucking line. Are you Googling this thing, Melissa? Have you seen what this costume looks like? I mean, it looked great in 1978. <laughs> okay. I'll do it right now. Jake, I'm just curious. Like, no, no one's here a hunter or anything, but like, what would you want in its place? Like, do you have an idea of what, what he could upgrade his uniform to be or like, does he not need anything? Not a lion vest with a head split in half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can send this over Skype in the chat. Hold on. I googled Craven the Hunter. And then because I've been drinking a little bit, my Google search went a little unspecific and I just typed in OG costume because I thought that Google would be able to get on my wavelength. But instead, it it got me a lot of like when I typed OG, it wants to autocorrect with a bunch of weed strains. So I'm like, Craven the Hunter has another life out here on the internet. <laughs> I didn't know that was a weed strain. <laughs> Apparently, I sent you a picture of of Craven costume. Oh. Okay, I'm excited. I can't open the one. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to toss this right now. But I I'll I, go ahead and toss it and I'm totally willing to eat crow if it's good. I just <laughs> my, my my knee-jerk reaction to this was I literally said ew out loud. So <laughs> I I I, ha, I can't be a liar. I have to toss this. If yeah. I see it and I go ew, then yeah. it's, that's not a good reaction. I don't know. It's it, it we got I like the leggings. <laughs> and I think they should stay. Yeah, not so much anti leggings as I am anti horn belt and split lion vest. Well, what about the director here? What about the director? We got any fans of JC? <laughs> uh, hold on, we got any fans of JC Chandor here? He did uh, a most violent year. He also did Triple Frontier. Uh, As a most violent year, is that with um, uh, Vigo Mortensen? That's a brief history of violence. That's it's it's no it's Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, I have not seen that one. I haven't seen that, but I really like Jessica Chastain. But 
I thought Triple Frontier was not very good. Okay. It had a lot going for it that it didn't fully explore. So what did you think about what did you think about Quadruple Frontier? You know, <laughs> they couldn't handle three. Why go for four? What did you think about Quintuplet Frontier? Those mills. What did you think about the Duggars, the family that had a bunch of like 20 kids, their frontier? Here's the thing. You already gave me shit about the Jesus thing and the hating kids thing. And now you're going to talk to me about the Duggars? Oh, nice. (laughs) Why do you have to turn it into that? (laughs) That's what they are. I didn't do that. The Duggars did that. News from uh, – moving on. News from (laughs) – news from Collider. Black Panther TV series deny Guerrera to reprise role as Okoye on Disney+. Plus. Get ready to see a whole lot more of Denai Guerrera in the MCU as the actress has closed a deal to reprise her role as Okoye in the upcoming Black Panther spinoff series coming to Disney+. Plus, As well as Ryan Coogler's upcoming sequel, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So, uh, yeah, this, uh, uh, if any one of you tosses this fucking news that Denia Guerrera is coming back to play Okoye on the Black Panther TV series, you can go fuck yourselves because this is fucking incredible news. I tupper the fuck out of this and I'm super happy to see, uh, uh Denia Guerrera come back uh, and play this character on this series. I cannot wait. This sounds like this series just jumped up a huge notch for me uh with her with her casting in this. I think this is great. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I did not go ew when I saw this news. I, I cheered. I I'm so far the two Disney Plus Marvel shows we've seen have just been fucking amazing and yeah, more Wakanda. We've kind of wanted more Wakanda since Black Panther 1. I mean, yeah, we get some in Infinity War, but it's not really any kind of world building or anything or learning more about the place by any means whatsoever. So, yeah, she's fantastic. I, I want to learn more about the mythology of where she's from. I, I can't wait to see this. I, I took her word as well. Steve? Yeah, I Tupperware. I'm assuming this is going to be like a Black Widow, but more of taking place in between Infinity War and Endgame and how she's handling not only whatever this uh, possible uh, Namor-Atlantis connection with this flooding or whatever, but uh, I'm assuming that that's where it's going. If she's going to be leading the show, if that's the case, I'm assuming that's where it's going to take place in between and do do we know if this is coming out before or after wakanda forever uh let's see here um i don't have any dates for this one to be quite honest okay. with you yeah because that of it course could be either or yeah it could be her dealing with whatever however they handle dealing with exiting chadwick boseman or it's with her dealing with <laughs> wakanda because Black Panther was snapped out of existence. That's that's what I'm assuming this well, news. I would is. think that this would come out after Wakanda Forever because I feel like that's going to start filming in 2022. But that's I think thematically they want to have Wakanda Forever come out first too. I feel like they want our first like reintroduction to be that. Yeah, but that's going to be such a big event to see. You know, what it's a spinoff do. series coming to Disney Plus, as well as Ryan Coogler's upcoming sequel, Black. Okay, so it doesn't. 
it's not a spinoff of both movies. So we, I, I, I don't know which comes out first, guys. Okay. So it could be, but either way, it'll be very, I'm, I'm excited for it. She's a great actress. Uh, she's a great character. The character's fantastic. So either way, I'm excited, but I'm just now think, I'm just trying to think of what could the stories be other than like an anthology series of the, the creation of Wakanda, like what we were talking about with the Eternals breakdown of the trailer of like, could we begin the history of the five tribes of Wakanda? Yeah, I'm not sure. So there's a lot, there's just, there's a lot that they can do with this show. Well, with her being involved in it, I have to think that it's going to be something that deals with like the Dora Milaje, right? Oh, for sure. But I'm hoping oh, yeah. each episode, I'm hoping this isn't like uh she's, we have news that she's coming in, but it's only for the last two episodes of the season. You know, we're all hoping that she's the lead. Oh yeah, no. I'm hoping she's the lead, and I'm hoping that the the Dory Milaje is like at the forefront of this series. I want to know what the Dory Milaje do, you know, on a day to day basis and shit. And yeah, because we only found out about this because of um, lawyer papers and legal papers and stuff with our contract getting thrown onto the internet. Whatever happened with the investment meeting, uh, reporters were able to pull out that she, her contract includes the show. So it's it's very interesting of what this could mean. Yeah. 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 It's uh, going to be set in the kingdom of Wakanda. It hails from Kugler's proximity media banner. Plot details remain under wraps. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. I... Mm. It real. I guess, I guess the future of the series and what it deals with really depends on whether it comes out after Wakanda Forever or if it's a, a prequel to what we see going on in that movie. I hmm, what do you think, Jake? Do you, would, would you rather see this happen? I think it would make more sense if the series came out after the events of Wakanda Forever. I'd rather see Wakanda Forever first. I feel like it that's such a like question mark and how they're going to be able to handle that. I, I want it to be able to do its thing and show its flavor before we see anything else from the Wakanda side. Of I'm on the, I'm on the same page. I, I, and, and for them to dance around, like, like what they're doing in this show without Chadwick Boseman being a major part of it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I got for Marvel news. Um, I guess we're going to wrap here real soon, but like DC news, it looks like Joker two is reportedly being written by the original movies director. Is this is happening? Joker two. Yeah, this is so weird. I, I know we kind of famously poo pooed Joker one up until seeing it. And then we really loved it, but I feel like it's deja vu and I'm ready to poo poo Joker two now. Like, hmm. do we need a sequel here? What do you think? Steve? I don't know. Steve, what are your thoughts on a Joker 2? Do we need a Joker 2? Todd, eh. Todd Phillips coming back doing Joker 2. This all sounds like rumor mill stuff where, like, it sounds like, it, I don't know. I didn't read it, but, like, from what I'm, I didn't read the actual article. From what, but from what I'm understanding of what I'm hearing, this could easily be him signing a contract that they have Joker 2 that, like, Warner Bros. owns it in the next five years, he could write something and do it, you know, but like, what does that mean? Like, 
anybody can write like in this day and age you can write anything and that that's all it means this this does not mean joker 2 is in production this doesn't this doesn't mean that walking phoenix has agreed to joker 2 all this is telling me is that the director has agreed to write a script for warner brothers and someone got a uh heard this and made it a news article out of it that's how i'm taking it this could be this could mean anything because especially with um, AT&T selling Warner Media to uh, Discovery. Like so much shit's going to change so quickly with like we're going to we're probably going to start noticing the way uh, Disney was selling off 20th Century Fox movies to different um, streaming services like Netflix got the woman in the window. Like this could easily be something that gets sell sold off to something else maybe. I don't know. It just I take that back. This won't be sold off to something else, but like this could easily be like we, this could be shelved. This could be so much of anything else. So I think people are getting excited over nothing. Really. <laughs> Steve, hold on real quick. Um, I'm going to read this article, but uh, yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you that this movie, it's like for some reason it's picking up traction again. But I don't think this will ever fucking. I don't think that they're ever going to film anything for this movie. Yeah, I can't imagine Phoenix agreeing to do it again. That's, yeah, he never wanted to do more than one, did he? He actually came out and didn't say that he was against it. I was shocked okay, by that. Okay. I was shocked so by that. Money. He probably made so much money in the back end. Of course, he's not going to say no. Well, here's the thing, though, Steve. It's like this is the same guy that turned down the role of Doctor Strange. He was. Oh the no, no, no! I'm saying, of course, he's not going to say no to that question to the journalist. That's what I'm saying because he doesn't want Warner Brothers to hear the no. That's what I'm saying. Right? Not- yeah. No, that makes sense. I. I That's all. Yeah. It, it does seem. It, it, for me, he reminds me of like kind of like a modern day Warren Beatty that doesn't do sequels. You know? Yeah, I agree. Warren Beatty, who, you know, when they cast as Dick Tracy, the big question, Jake, back in the, you know, back in 1990, when they, when they cast Warren Beatty is like, are we ever going to get a Dick Tracy too? And, you know, like the word around Hollywood, it was like, well, Warren Beatty doesn't do sequels. We're never going to get a Dick Tracy too. Jake, did we ever get a Dick Tracy too? <laughs> no, but didn't that movie flop? <laughs> Did it really flop? I mean, I feel like I feel like it's aged better than like when it first came. I don't know. Did it flop? I, I thought, thought it was a bit of a. I thought it was one of those movies where they had McDonald's toys, they had Madonna videos, they had so much like merchandise, and then the whole thing kind of landed with a thud. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember if it was a box office flop or not. It's been Jake. It's been fucking thirty-one years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it made a hundred and sixty-two million. That's that's good money for 1990. It yeah. cost 47 million. To that's pay. huge, Jake. Uh, yeah, that's they big money. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that that's definitely not a flop. It's just it, it's Warren Beatty had never done a sequel, and yeah. they knew that going in, and so it's like. You know, when Dick Tracy come out, like that was like the big question, like whether this movie is a huge success or not, would, would Warren Beatty ever come back and do a, a sequel to Dick Tracy? And I, I feel like, 
I feel like Joaquin Phoenix is kind of like in the same mold of like, yeah, I'll give you one movie, but I'm not going to commit to like multiple. I'm not going to be the Joker for every fucking movie. I'm going to try this character once and I'm going to move on and I'm going to do other things. I'm not going to be bound to Warner Brothers and DC and continue to make these Joker movies. But, you know, he did come out and say that he wasn't like 100% against it, but... I, Steve, I'm with you. Like, I feel like this is all talk. This is all conjecture. And that at the end of the day, like, I don't think that cameras were ever roll on this fucking movie. No, this is Warner Brothers just ensuring that if Todd Phillips or Joaquin Phoenix ever decided they do want to do something, they're ready to go. That's how I see it. A new report says Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker movie, has been brought on officially to co-write Joker 2, the first film which starred Joaquin Phoenix as the DC supervillain, earned widespread critical acclaim and won several major awards, including an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Phoenix. The sequel has been highly anticipated for uh, by fans since the original release. Co-written by Scott Silver and director Todd Phillips, Joker put a classic Hollywood spin on the villain's origin story with clear homages to films like Taxi Driver in particular. The movie took place outside of the core DCEU canon, which allowed for drastic differences in tone and style, as well as an R rating. Phoenix's performance as the Joker has generally been viewed as one of the character's best portrayals. According to a report from THR, Phillips will return to pen the script for the next Joker installment. It's unclear whether or not original co-writer Silver will can, will also be coming back for the sequel, but Phillips' return suggests he'll also likely be directing Joker 2. Warner Brothers has announced a large number of new, relatively independent DC film projects over the past year, and it should be interesting to see how Joker's unique style fits into those future plans. The original film sets up some interesting new connections between Joker and the Wayne family, and that storyline could become even more important in Joker 2. It seems unlikely the film would dive too deep into the DC comics, however, as Joker isn't narratively connected to any other DCEU films and likely won't be in the future either. Between Joker 2 and Robert Pattinson-led, Matt Reeves directed The Batman, releasing in 2022, Fans will have plenty of opportunities to return to the cinematic streets of Gotham City. I, oh my God, Steve, I'm still with you, man. I don't think that this movie will ever start filming. I, I, yeah, what, what Scorsese movie will Phillips have to rip off this time? Or I mean, he'll just pull a Hangover two and three and write the same movie again. Like this guy's track record with sequels in the first place isn't all that great. I'm not gonna knock the first movie. I thought the first movie was fucking good. I just don't need a sequel. No, I thought the first movie was great too. Great with great performances, but I, it felt like it was meant to be one movie. Like it right. has that tone. Like I don't think when they were writing it, they were trying to create this like expanded universe of Joker movies. I, I think they intentionally wrote a one and done movie and it very much felt that way. Yeah. Why is this, why is the story picking up traction then, Jake? Because it's money, and Warner Brothers wants money, and a lot of their movies kind of bomb critically and financially, and this is one movie that did well on both ends of that specter. So they, 
This might know? be a way to make Discovery try to pay more money. Like Warner Bros. can be like, look, we might actually have a Joker too. Don't you want to pay money for that? Yeah, Steve's absolutely correct with that assessment. Yeah. It's you can't deny it's gonna make a lot of money. No, yeah, yeah. they could easily have like spilled like Warner Bros. could easily give this to one of their journalists. Like, like their their leak, quote unquote, leak people to like, hey, get this into the media so that way Discovery can be like, oh, we'll throw in a couple more because Amazon just paid an additional three billion dollars on MGM. They were asking yeah. for six; they got paid nine and change. Yeah, I could see. I I, I think Steve's onto something. This could easily just be a move to increase their worth, increase their stocks. So they can sell and make more money. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I totally see. At the end of the day, I I honestly don't. I think you're right, Steve. I don't think we're ever going to see a Joker 2. I think this is all just talk. I think like this news is going to fade away by the wayside eventually. I I don't think that Joaquin Phoenix will ever get in front of the camera again, get into the makeup again. We could be wrong, though. But I yeah, don't. We could, I, we could be, but I don't think we are. As of right now, I think the safe bet is we're not going to ever see a Joker two. I think that this is just going to fall apart. They're going to move on. Yeah. What's next? It's based off of Deer Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Deer Hunter is a good fucking movie. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. where do you have to go into? What well do you have to go into now? What wasn't was what Jake wasn't it was it was it. Uh, was Deer Hunter the movie that fucking Rocky beat to win the Oscar that year? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it was. Rocky Trump. beats Deer. I think it was. I think. I think. And a lot of people were fucking shocked by uh, it. Net, it beat Network, Taxi Driver, and All the President's Men. Oh, what was the fucking big movie that fucking Rocky beat yeah, in 76? Beat it. You're right, Brian. Something did beat it that year. Whatever. Ugh. Rocky won Best Picture over those movies in 1977. Ooh, boy. No, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky won, won in 1976. Okay, but the Oscars aired in 1977. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's how you know how that works. What movies did Rocky beat? Uh, it beat out All the President's Men and Taxi Driver. Yeah, it's what, and Network. Holy shit! Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, Taxi Driver should have won. That's a farce. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're a piece of shit for saying that, Jake. What? Taxi Driver is so much better. No. Oh man! No, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky stands the test of time. Shut the fuck up, Rocky! You're out of your goddamn mind. Rocky's good, and Rocky is still good and still completely watchable. But to lose to <laughs> to beat Taxi? Driver? Yes, yes, one hundred percent, absolutely. You, 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 you. No, you're talking to you're talking to Brian, the host of Pop Culture Leftovers, who loves underdog stories, Jake. Yeah, I get you. A hundred percent Rocky wins every fucking time. Uh, yes, Rocky, 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 if you look at the impact on the, on, on the, on pop culture, fucking 30 plus years, 40 plus years later, if you look at the impact on pop culture 40 plus years later, 
Rocky, Rocky wins. Rocky knocks the fuck out of Taxi Driver Jake. A hundred percent. More people give a fuck about Rocky than they ever did fucking Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is a great fucking movie, but fucking forty plus years later, people don't get fuck Taxi Driver. Fuck that shit. Taxi Driver still holds up in pop culture too, though. Nah, I mean they made this Joker movie. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, but oh yeah, whatever. You talking to me, Brian? You talking to me about? (laughs) You don't fuck. You don't, (laughs) Melissa. You, you, Melissa. You don't even go. You don't even like this Joker movie. I guarantee you don't even like it. I've never even seen it. There you go. So how? Don't even. (laughs) <laughs> but Rocky has had more of a fucking pop culture hold on the fucking world over the past 40 plus years than Taxi Driver ever will, in my opinion. You know what? I'm going to agree with Brian, and here's why. Because time, the, ta- time, the, the, it's a, the time has fucking proven that Rocky is the superior movie. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Melissa. Well, I've always known Eye of the Tiger. And I didn't know anything about Taxi Driver and still until people started talking about it in relation to this Joker movie. Oh, boom. Oh, the Joker movie is based off of a different Martin Scorsese movie. It's based off the comedian. But people still were like, look at this director just trying to be Scorsese, making a little hybrid movie of Scorsese's little baby movies. And people were always like, look at this fucking Joker movie that's not based on Taxi Driver that shouldn't fucking beat out the Rocky movie from 1976. (laughs) People were saying that too, Jake. That's exactly what they say. They said that and they said it in the same cadence that I said it in. I agree to disagree. <laughs> Dude, you're fucking nuts. You are fucking nuts if you fucking think that over... I'm telling you, man, if over fucking 40 plus years, if Rocky hasn't made a bigger cultural impact over the fucking last 40 years than Taxi Driver, you're out of your mind. Rocky Rocky has stood the test of time over the 40 plus years. So has Taxi Driver though. Not in the way that Rocky has. Rocky has more of a cult- cultural fucking impact on if something has six sellout sequels doesn't mean it had more of a cultural impact. Like I I'm not saying that it that, that's it's just because of fucking uh <laughs> one great movie and then fucking five subpar sequels that it has more of a cultural impact. I'm saying that Rocky, the original fucking movie, has stood the test of time for over forty five fucking years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. he still loses. He didn't lose. It fucking, he went the distance with Apollo Creed. It was a draw. He didn't fucking lose. He went the distance. They had a rematch and then he won in the second movie, Steve. My dad said the, the movie theater was like so loud when he saw that in theaters that nobody knew who won until the sequel came out. That's hilarious. It's crazy how much of an impact movies had back then. Like, for people yeah. like yeah it's so wild hearing stories like that i'm telling still, you man I mean, I, if you if you fucking if if you if you interview the random person on the street and what had a more pop culture impact 40 plus years later it's rocky every day and it's not Listen, just the sequels I'll, I'll, I'll concede to that i'll concede to that but i think it's a lot closer than you're giving it credit for and i still think taxi driver is by far the superior movie and i think that fucking rocky fucking made a huge impact 
on fucking movies and the way that they film movies, even to this so day. So ta- it's Taxi Driver. You're acting like we're talking about Chud here. I'm, <laughs> dude, you're acting like I'm fucking just – you're acting like – dude, I'm not fucking taking anything away from fucking Taxi Driver. You're the motherfucker who says that Scorsese hasn't done shit in the last fucking like 20 years and you still haven't watched Wolf of Wall Street. So don't even start in what? with me. So don't even start in with me with that shit. I'm saying that fucking Rocky, bottom line, has had the more pop culture impact over the, it's had the longest running pop culture impact over the last 40 fucking plus years. There were shots in that movie that fucking have been revolutionary, even to this day, on the budget they had. They fucking hooked up a fucking camera to a, on a, on a, uh, on a, on a vehicle that they drove and they followed Rocky as he's running through the streets. It's a steady cam. That's the first time they ever had done a steady cam in a fucking movie. And it's a super low budget movie. People don't even give fucking, uh, Sylvester Stallone credit for being like the main guy behind that movie. They wanted to cast somebody else's Rocky in that movie. And he said, I'm not making this movie unless I am Rocky. And he fucking stuck to his fucking guns. Uh, fucking Sylvester Sloan showed up to the fucking local theaters and took pictures with fans that were showing up to watch this movie when it first came out, man. And it's like, dude, I, I don't know. I'm dude. I, I, conceded I, already. I am a, no, no, you conceded, but you had to fucking follow it up with some other fucking sl- some jabs. You're fucking, you're like, you know, was that I like taxi driver better. Your jab, your jab, <laughs> you're, you're like Rocky and you're slipping in jabs right now. No, man. Dude, dude. The, the, the thing I love about this show is that me and you can argue about this shit and at the end of the day, it don't matter, dude, cause I fucking dude, love Dude, I fucking you. hate you right now. Fuck you, you son of a bitch. I hope you go to hell and you die. <laughs> don't fucking give this bullshit lying disclaimer crap. <laughs> Take a quick Jake break. I need to like I'm like dancing over here. Oh uh, no, we're gonna end the show. We're gonna end the show, Steve. Okay, cool. We're gonna end the show. Um <laughs> Hey, Melissa, thank you for so thank you so much for joining us on the one of the worst episodes we've ever fucking recorded. Oh, fuck that. I love this episode. <laughs> this is a fucking so solid fun. episode. <laughs> Melissa's kind of the MVP for reasons I don't even want to repeat. <laughs> fuck you jake <laughs> uh no thank you melissa where can people find you you can find me on twitter at mellow yellow or i co-host the wild pretty things podcast and the still great bob a madman podcast podcast oh, it has nothing to do about uh fucking the bill murray movie what about bob jake no, it doesn't. Unfortunate, because I like that movie way more than the final season of Mad Men. Yeah. Well, I haven't gotten to the final season yet. The whole shtick of the show is that I've never seen it. Well, J- Jake also pre- Jake also likes Taxi Driver more than fucking Rocky, so don't listen to him. Okay, no I don't spoilers. dislike Rocky, no though. Spoilers. Jake, All I'm saying is that it's like a letdown. Rocky is one of the best underdog them. stories in American history, Jake. They fucking made a fucking statue of Rocky in Philadelphia that was a <laughs> There and it was there for years. I don't see no fucking taxi fucking driver statues anywhere in the world ever. <laughs> I, I honestly think the show. I think the show Taxi 
Where, I think the show Taxi with Tony Danza and fucking Danny DeVito is better than Taxi Driver. Okay, now I'm getting really angry. <laughs> Steve, Steve, spoiler, Steve from Seen It Movie Review is one of my favorite podcasts. You and Kova killing it every fucking week. Where can people find you, sir? Yes, check out the website, seenitcast.com. Also check or just search Seen It Movie Reviews or The Seen It Cast. And uh, yes, thank you so much. We'll be re- uh, reviewing A Quiet Place, Plan B, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, and more. Okay. There you go. And Thanks, you know what? These guys are going to go over full spoilers. And you know what? Steve's got to piss like a racehorse right now, so we're going to end this bitch. So Steve, he can drain the main vein there, Jake. Yeah, I caught that. I've never heard anyone talk so fast in all my life. It was like the character. I know. Dude, he's like, dude, he, he, hold on. Steve, I got, here we go. A little bit. Sabotage! You're never gonna get to pee. <laughs> bladder touch. It's bladder touch. <laughs> Guys, I, just just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Oh boy. Later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap! Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftover, uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Good and toss it, good and take it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hate it, race it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture push over Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftover Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and with the uncool kids.